I'm, I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. The list is life. You just gotta keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. You can't do it! You wanna kill me, but you can't! You ask me if I have a God complex? Let me tell you something. I am God. You're part eggplant. <laughs> You ever heard the expression the customer is always right? Man, Ryerson. I'm your Huckleberry. The guy tears your ticket in half. It's too late to turn back now. I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. Welcome, everyone, to a special episode of Director's Club. For a wonderful annual tradition of going back 30 years to examine the year in cinema in depth at length, reviewing as much as humanly possible because we are insane. Um, It's something I hope to continue to do every year until we reach 1999, and then who knows what will happen. Maybe we'll continue this, but do random years. We'll see. I could never do this alone, of course. I always ask for help. We have two of my favorite Chicago film critics and friends joining me as always, the host of Christmas Movies, actually, the cheerful Colin Suter. Hi! Is that cheerful enough? Yes. Okay. Exactly right. the right okay. level I was hoping okay. for. Okay. I, I can't maintain that for seven hours, so you just, can. I got it out of my system, now I'm me. Okay. I think by hour six, we'll all be yeah, a yeah. little bit less cheerful. Blah, 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 blah. And the host of Movie Madness and co-host of The Friendship Dilemma, the exemplary Eric Childress. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. Yes. Okay, so we're doing this again, and we're skipping our introductory preamble that we've done in the past due due to the amount of titles we're covering. Um, Really quickly, I want to bring up that there are several new additions to the Now Playing Network, and I hope everybody goes and checks them out at nowplayingnetwork.net. I think there's now four new shows, and it's exciting because they're all great, and I'm glad that they're a part of the Now Playing Network family. So I just wanted to bring that up really quickly. And, well, like I said, we're going to skip our little memories portion, uh, but I think that's mainly to, due to the fact that 1993 is a great year, and I don't know if this will be a seven-hour show, but I'm shooting for that. Uh, we'll see if we beat our record from last year because that's, yeah, I think that's the longest-running episode. Uh, Colin, if you want to sort of bring up, like, just behind the scenes like you usually do of how the list is put together, uh, well, that would be great. Well, we used to use Box Office Mojo uh, every year because that gives us a domestic account of the year and, you know, it kind of helps with the discrepancies of movies that may have premiered at Cannes in 1992 but came out in 1993 or, you know, premiered at Cannes in 1993 and came out in 1984. We just stick with, stick with the domestic releases in their chosen year. Uh, Eric Childress actually should probably be in on this discussion because now he provides a long list of everything that came out. I don't know how you do that, but... Um, Years of practice. Yeah, so <laughs> we're going by him, but and, we're, you know, of course, we're still sticking with our domestic release uh, schedule that uh, that, we're, that we put together. Is that site the numbers.com still? Running? It exists. Uh, uh, I don't use it that much because uh, I, I don't know exactly how accurate they are oh, i mean okay. i mean they're accurate but i don't know how detailed i should yeah. say right. they are um but they exist yeah okay so cool 
Yeah, I know, because people, <laughs> I get confused sometimes, yeah. you know, and I go, well, I thought this came out this year or last yes. year, and it's, I think there's even a couple of titles on here that are technically like 1992 on Letterboxd. So right. Mm-hmm. Hopefully people aren't uh, too upset if we skip something or miss something, you know. We'll, we'll get to it It'll probably next year. It'll always be something we skipped. <laughs> yeah. It's something yeah. we skipped, and yeah. you're just like... You didn't talk about body of evidence. Like, what? Well, oh, we're going to talk about body of evidence. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> For six hours. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just do Leprechaun, right? Is that me gold? What the hell are you? I'm a Leprechaun. You would start with Leprechaun and end with In the Name of the Father. Just, like, <laughs> get our Irish thing uh, bookend going. But I, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But, uh, but yes, Leprechaun. Leprechaun is the first movie on the list to come out in 1993. And uh, it spawned a bunch of sequels, and I finally only just saw the first one. Same here. Six months ago. This is the first Leprechaun movie you've seen yeah. at all. And the only one, yeah. And I've seen it once. And the first and the last, maybe. Yeah, probably. Although I kind of want to see a Leprechaun in the hood, just to just to say I saw it. But sure. uh, yeah, I, I got... We got Leprechaun, you got Leprechaun 2, which is more just a general lepre- Leprechaun in the neighborhood type movie. Leprechaun 3 is in Vegas. Vegas, baby, Vegas! Sure. Uh, Leprechaun 4 is in space. Oh, yeah, Which is, it, you know, it's it's there. And Leprechaun 5, as you mentioned, is in the hood. Yeah. In in the hood, right. as the title yeah. goes. Um, I've probably seen this one the least. Okay. <laughs> I mean, not that I sit back and watch Leprechaun, but they're on cable and you're just like, okay, they're in Vegas and he does the thing. Um, but this one, obviously, Jennifer Aniston yeah. is sort of the big thing. You know, story of yeah. this thing, uh, and Warwick Davis, of course, as as Leprechaun, and it's I mean, it's w- exactly what it is is advertised. It's just it's silly horror, gross nonsense. Yeah, um, maybe the Cocaine Bear of its time. Maybe it's what better is? than Cocaine Bear. No. I go on I go on record. <laughs> I will say that about every title we're <laughs> talking about today. Mostly better than Cocaine Bear. Yeah, I, I skipped that screening because I'm like, I gotta watch 1993 movies yeah. instead. <laughs> I'm sorry to say I liked Cocaine Bear. Did you really? I enjoyed it. Really? I don't know. It was the right movie at the right time for me. Wow. I was okay. in the right mood. Okay. Me, I, you know, what can I say? All right. Is it as good as Congo? Uh, I don't know. I uh, have not seen Congo in a long time. Oh, uh, okay. But, um, Same director as the next movie on our list. That's right. Frank Marshall directed uh, Alive. Uh, also, both written by John Patrick Shanley. Not that, not that you'd notice, but because right. it doesn't have any of his signature No, Shanley-ness I wouldn't have thought that at all. But uh, but this was during his writer for hire phase in, mm-hmm. the, in the mid '90s. So, uh, yeah, Alive was based on a true story about the plane crash in the Andes, and uh, I don't know, like twenty survivors, something like that. 10, 15, 20 remember. survivors, something around those, the numbers. Yeah, yeah. Along those lines. Ethan Hawke was one is in it. Um, uh, I I gotta say, I this still this movie still freaks me out. I think it holds oh, up. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I I get I get I get very scared and nervous watching this. Um, it, yeah, especially you know the when the avalanche comes in while they're in the plane. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> that's like every phobia in the world right there, and it it's done so well. That's a freaky moment, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, and this is uh one of the one of the movies that Homer Simpson made sure Marge watched before getting on a plane. Seeing films about air travel can calm your fears. Ooh, here are some upbeat titles: Hero, Fearless, Alive. No thanks to the plane. Many of us are still alive. We certainly are. Pass me another hunk of co-pilot. <laughs> <laughs> Along with another movie that comes up later. Yeah. I, but, I, yeah. yeah go, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I just, I, yeah, I kind of like it still. Oh, I, I like yeah. the movie very much. And I, yeah. I, I preface that because I think this is actually the first official movie that I ever actually walked out of. 
And I, but but not because of the quality. Had nothing to do with the quality of the movie. The person I was with at the time uh, got handle it. ill. Oh, watching the movie. Mm. Like not like you know he ate something and then it hit him. Like there was there's a moment and it's, it's before the dining starts taking place in the movie. Uh, there's a moment early after the plane crash when someone like removes like a sock and you see like their foot is completely mangled and uh, frostbitten and stuff and whatnot. And that was like it was like triggered him and I was like I, I gotta leave. Oh. And we left and so I never oh. you know got to see the feeding at the time. Uh, I w- went back with a date. And and saw that movie later, um, and we both stayed for okay. the whole thing. Yeah. Yes, and, and, then, and then you went out to dinner after. That's after right. The cannibalism. Yeah. That's right. Had some ribs. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> speaking oh, speaking you of have no idea. Speaking of cannibalism, this movie isn't on our list, but I just want to mention <laughs> what a segue. <laughs> no, I just want to mention that Trey Parker and Matt Stone made their first film, Cannibal the Musical, this mm. year. I mean, that's credited as a '93 movie. I thought it was later, but. Um, but uh, they made it for trauma. It went straight to video, but it's uh, really funny. I oh, mean, yeah. Oh, it is. Very, it. It's a good year for cannibalism. Yeah, really. it really is. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Body <laughs> of Evidence is not a cannibal movie. But but there uh, is some eating out. There, There is very much so. I like to steal strawberries. I'd sneak into the neighbor's yard at the end of the street. And I remember they had a big fence. And I'd always sweat my knees climbing over it. And then on the other side, they had these wild rose bushes. And the thorns would dig into my legs and cut my thighs when I slid down. But the strawberries always tasted so sweet. Uh-huh. Uh, if you're a big fan of candle wax, there's that. Not. <laughs> just, I just want to get it on record. Okay. Okay. Yeah. For future right. reference, we know. Okay. Um, this is... Hold on, let me write that down. This Please. is where, where my review could simply just be listen to the How Did This Get Made podcast instead of us, because <laughs> they tear this down beautifully. Mm. Uh, but I'm happy to now be the guy that sort of, be, like, revisits these schlocky, sleazy, so bad it's good erotic thrillers. Well, you're, not, you're not the guy. We all do it. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I would hope so. <laughs> we all do it. Yes. I just feel like, yeah, I kind of turned into my mom, because she, like... I don't know. She watches some random, like, erotic movies sometimes and just like, wow, you really like I Have the Beholder with Ashley Chud and Ewan McGregor? Okay. Mm. Um, that's fine, I guess. But, you know, it's clear that the, the writer of this just saw Basic Instincts and like, well, well, what if we did that only with Madonna? You know? Yeah. Pretty much. But that's I think I is. think these movies were actually, like, in production around the same time mm-hmm. uh, because they held, like, the body of evidence. If you remember, it was 92 when her sex book, that's out. right. So, like that, like I, I think that they wanted her to withhold, like keep that book off shelves for a while until this movie came out. Because <laughs> then, well, if you've seen everything, why didn't you go see the movie? That's the whole reason to see this movie is like yeah. hey, Madonna's nude, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the sort of the big draw of this this film. And it's, I mean, it's a terrible movie. <laughs> I saw it's this a in a theater. Script, yeah. It's a horrible script. And I mean, even like I felt bad for Joe Montana and like all the lawyer stuff and what's Willem Dafoe. I mean, I get, I, I, I get why Willem Dafoe took the role. I get it. <laughs> um, and why Madonna wanted Willem Dafoe for the role. I get Gee, that too. I wonder. Yeah. Well, I mean, they really, I mean, especially if you get the unrated or NC-17 cut, like they really go at it. In, oh, in this yes. one, like mm-hmm. in, in pretty seems 
pretty explicitly for for a mainstream movie. Yes. Uh, Blockbuster Video didn't carry that version, no. so there are a lot of frustrated men walking, returning their videos at Blockbuster saying, yeah. this sucked. I'm like, mm, you got to go to an indie store. Or, yeah. You know, Sorry. <laughs> uh, there's one down the strip block. I, I feel your pain. Also, yeah. yeah. Speaking of pain, also not a fan of glass on your back on the hood. Uh, um, not a fan of that. Uh, everything that happens before that, I'm a fan of. But um, Big fan of having sex in a uh, parking garage. Well, it's the most empty parking garage in a, like a courthouse, oh, yeah. yeah. right? Like there's no one going to be coming through there at all. Yeah. Um, but you see a lot of Madonna in sure. this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I guess that's about all you can say. It really, really is about that. I mean, that's the only, only draw of this entire movie is to see Madonna naked. Pretty yeah. much. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Um, What's next? Well, uh, there's a movie called Man Bites Dog that I saw at the music box. And this movie is really a, a quite a, a, a stunning piece of work. It is a fake documentary um, about a serial killer, about these camera crews following the serial killer around. It's French, it's black and white, so it's really like you know low-grade 16-millimeter film. And uh, he's very witty and charming and philosophical, uh, but he also just kills people on camera, and the camera crew starts to become sort of complicit in all of it. And um, I remember when this came out, it was considered quite a, a shocker of a movie. Today, it wouldn't, you know, turn that many heads, but it is still really well done. I mean, it is still just darkly funny and 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 crazy. And um, yeah, it's, crazy it's, is the right word. Yeah. Because it's, it's like, what if Henry Portrait Serial Killer was a mockumentary? Yeah, of? exactly. Exactly. And yeah, and, and the, the, the killer was just this kind of like slick and fun freewheeling kind of guy mm-hmm. but, but you know who just happens to have a very awful hobby <laughs> and uh yeah no this played at the music box for a long while and uh criterion i think has a special edition of it and oh and, yeah i should yeah. pick that up i think it is on the criterion channel it's how I yeah i think it. that's how i watched it and mm-hmm. uh it holds up really well yeah really good i agree uh, we have one more movie from this exact date. Uh, I only bring up uh, Nowhere to Run with Jean-Claude Van Damme. It's all you. Uh, it's all me. Uh, yeah. And the only reason I bring it up is because I get to do the uh, Jean-Claude's description of this movie that we used to endlessly mock at the video store, um, one of those HBO first look type things, and he's being interviewed, and he described, I mean, there's no reason to describe the movie, but he describes the movie as like, it's like Shane, present time. <laughs> it's exciting <laughs> and that's all he says that's all he says and he's like well kind of i mean it's a it's an outlaw on the run and he shacks up with rosanna arquette and i think of one of the culkin boys and hmm. um he uh he chomps on arquette's breast at one point and uh not like in a cannibal okay. way in a okay. body of evidence right. kind of way okay. Okay. but it was just like it's like the first thing i just it's just one, the only thing i remember from that movie <laughs> not the breast but just the fact that like shirt comes off and he just goes Wonk, like right right for it and i'm like Jeez. okay wow. good for you jcvd okay well, i guess it's uh, the lesser of the two van damme movies of the year what's the other oh yeah the, it's definitely the lesser okay, of the two, but it's actually in the upper tier of van damme movies i would yeah. say because it's because it's not bad hmm. it's not bad it's, i never you know, explored a lot of van damme movies there's nothing not a lot to explore there, yeah, there really isn't but this this one is kind of watchable because it's it's yeah it's, i mean it's just it's him in a cabin and you know bad guys show up you know landowners and whatnot mm-hmm. and ted levine yeah. is the bad guy and he you know kicks the crap oh, out of okay. him and there's you know some fire i think so one thing i can say up top real quick <laughs> is that lots of actors and sometimes even directors this year had two or three movies out in the same year like there's a lot of times we're going to be bringing up 
oh, this actor was in this, but also <laughs> it was in this other movie, too. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we're going to have a lot of that this year. He came to the ends of the earth. Aren't you that guy that makes them scary movies? Just as the earth was about to end. The country is on red alert. And what a perfect time to open a new horror movie. The whole world's going to blow up anyway, so we should just do whatever we want. <laughs> Looks so real. Two thumbs up for matinee, say Siskel and Eden. Wait till you see the feelers on this thing. John Goodman. I love this business. Matinee, rated PG. Uh, I'm surprised this came out in January. It is. I I can't believe it either. And um, it's really one of my all-time favorite movies. It's Joe Dante's mm-hmm. Matinee with John Goodman playing a... Um, uh, uh, William Castle. William Castle. Yeah. Thank you. I almost said William Wyler. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> William Castle, sort of showman, schlockmeister, uh, director, and uh, premiering his new movie with a new cinematic process called Atomo Vision that shakes the theater. <laughs> and, and it's just a, it's one big show he's preparing for. But it just happens to be during the weekend of the Cuban Missile Crisis. And you describe that movie to people, and it is so... It, 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 every time I watch this, it's like, I can't believe this got through a major studio mm. system with like those very specific reference points that you, it's helps to know going in. You don't have to know William Castle to go into this and enjoy it, but it helps. I think, uh, I, I think, I think it, it, it it's a, um, you know, it, it's more fun if you do know that. Stuff. Yeah. Last time I saw this movie was in June of 2021 at the end of a school year which was during the pandemic, as we all know. My school, that I, one that I worked at, was one of the very few in the country that where we educated in person all year round. So we had kids in the building. Not, we were very careful. We had every, all the mitigation in place, we, and we pulled it off, I think, beautifully. The whole district did. Anyway, um, the last day of school was a Friday, and that's when Music Box Theater started their 35-millimeter film festival to like sort of welcome people back into the theater a little bit, and matinee was that night. And I remember, you know, uh, at the end of that movie when John Goodman says, uh, those kids got a, basically paraphrasing him, saying, like, those kids got a sneak preview of the end of the world, but now, now their lives are back on. Oh, right. And I got so emotional because I was like, that's hmm. exactly what I, what we've been yeah. seeing. That's exactly what I uh, saw in person yeah. with these kids, you know, in masks, sitting in desks with shields around them, not allowed to talk to each other not, or not, or not allowed to move around or anything like that. And as was like, this is like the end of the world, but we're still going to educate. But we're and it's like when I, when I, th- that movie like suddenly gave it a whole new like level sure. of, I have a whole new level of appreciation for it now. Um, because no that's kidding. what it felt like. Yeah. And yeah, so uh, so Matinee is a huge personal favorite of mine. And um, it's always been the one movie that people say, what's a movie you wish you could have written? Matinee is always <laughs> the first one that comes into my mind. It's been, I've felt that way for a long time about it. I can see why. And it's, <laughs> I love going back to it. I don't know. I don't know if I was at that screening. Maybe I wasn't, but it, it fills me with nothing but joy. It's like a great coming of age movie. It's a great celebration of going to an actual movie theater. And it is reminiscent of my time going to like just oh, random movies with friends, you know, and not even thinking about like, Oh, what's showing? Let's just go and see whatever it is. 
but yeah, it even has a lot to say about the, yeah, the Cuban Missile Crisis. And I can't tell you how funny I find the shook up shopping cart movie <laughs> within the movie. <laughs> like that just destroys me. It's like exa- my exact sense of humor. Um, but no, it's such a li- loving tribute to William Castle. And it's got to be one of the more po- personal movies Dante has ever oh, made. I yeah. When I met him, I feel bad now that I said thank you for Explorers because... <laughs> Because oh. knowing how he what he went through now uh, with that movie, I should have just said, "Hey, thank you for matinee." That's a it's a he, he a, probably appreciates. Oh, I'm sure he he knows there's a huge fan base for explorers. Yeah, yeah. and he appreciates it. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I mean, anytime someone brings up matinee, the, I mean, the first thing I think of is the monologue that Goodman has about going into a movie theater mm-hmm. and you yep, know what exactly. it's like that you're 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 trapped for a minute, but you know when the doors open, you're going to be safe. Yep. That you're gonna you're gonna go in, you're gonna experience something for an hour and a half or whatever. Uh, and you're just, you're going to walk out and you're going to know everything's going to be okay again. And that, I mean, what a metaphor for the world really. Yep. I mean that, I mean, I love that, that story you just told Colin. I think that it's why we love movies, right? You see the people come into your cave with a 200 year old carpet. The guy tears your ticket in half. It's too late to turn back now. Water fountains all booby trapped and ready. The stuff laid out on the candy counter. Then you come over here to where it's dark. There could be anything in there. And you say, Here I am. What have you got for me? Well, we're going to be talking about this whole year. And I think you said it on last year's show, Colin, of 92. Maybe it was last year when you said that you yourself watching movies, that that was sort of a transition year. For you, that you, um, I don't know if it was 92 or maybe it was a couple years earlier, but you mentioned how you started paying attention more to sort of adult-themed type movies, and you not that you had grown out of the phase of popcorn movies, but you were finding a new appreciation for that, certain movies. That might have been Jim. Was that Because for me, for me, that year is 1985-ish. Yeah. Like okay, the then I'm really like, behind. Well, 90, <laughs> 90 for sure was, yeah. yeah, because of Pump Up the Volume and a couple others. Sure. Yeah. Okay, yeah. maybe that was that was, that was was you then. Uh, but like this one in particular, because this is, I mean, this is the year when I graduated from high school eventually. And I think when you think about all the movies we're going to be talking about today, uh, what they meant to you in 93, what they, I mean, we do this every year, and what they mean to us now and and there are so many more movies now rewatching them this year just in preparation for this where wow you talk about 30 years of experience yeah, no kidding. coming into play with some of these themes and whatnot and yet what a remarkable year this is for movies about childhood oh yeah and, oh, I was gonna say that and, too. and yeah. about not just you know the, the things that we learn from adults mm-hmm. which is almost like your 1993 self learning from your 2023 <laughs> self in a way, yeah. but also what you learn on your own. Mm-hmm. So this movie is also filled with tremendous popcorn entertainment, tremendous popcorn entertainment. And I think that's why yeah. we love it so much. Exactly. Yeah. It's why it's so rewatchable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. I, right. won't, I won't talk about Children of the Corn 2 because I haven't seen it, <laughs> but I, I will watch part three for Charlize Theron and part four for Naomi Watts, just out of curiosity. Okay. I don't know. Enjoy. I will. <laughs> I think Children of Corn 2 is the one where someone is in a wheelchair and gets hit by a truck in the middle of the street, but, like, the Ew. truck could clearly see them in the middle of the street for a lot 45 seconds, <laughs> and it's just like, I'm, I'm gone. I'm just going. I'm just going. And she screams, and it's the funniest thing in the movie. I recommend watching the movie just for that scene. I okay. think it's Children Maybe it's of on Corn YouTube 2. or something, yes. but, yeah, uh, I can't believe this became a franchise either. As but, a new remake right. of Children of the Corn is coming out oh. right now. Oh. Well, so enjoy yeah. everyone. Might as well remake everything. Like That's that. right. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh-huh. So should we move on to February then? Please. Okay. I'll just say uh, 
That's the only thing I'll say about this movie. Well, not the only thing, but I'll just say, Jack Summersby. Jack Summersby. <laughs> we used to That's do that. Great at, impression. We used to do that at Blockbuster all the time. After that movie came out, we're all just like, Jack Summersby, come over here and put these tapes away. Jack Summersby. Jack Summersby. Jack Summersby. <laughs> we're just all doing Jodie Foster and Summersby. Oh, God, we got Nell next year, don't yeah, that's we? Oh, that's, oh yes. yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and I fucking hate Jodie Foster, and I, you know, whoa, I still like. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Where? And I hate. Jodie Foster's voice in that movie what? so much that it it's like nails on a fucking chalkboard. And the same with Silence of the Lambs. Like I love Silence. Are the you Lambs, sure you're not thinking of Nell? <laughs> what, what do you what do you hate about her voice? <laughs> yeah, I get the sound effects. Uh, That's right. right. <laughs> oh God, no. But you know what? Uh, Summersby with uh, Richard Gere and um, Jodie Foster. It's a remake of uh, the Return of Martin Gere. I think is the mm-hmm. name of the French film. Um, Gerard Depardieu. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this is not a bad period piece movie. It's all right. It's it's pretty good. Yeah. I I I didn't I didn't really write anything down about it. I just kind of thought, yeah, two and a half, three stars. Yeah, two Pretty and a half. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. two and a half. That's yeah. about all I get yeah. to say about it. I just like I didn't revisit it. I just I remember like, eh. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> and then uh, Disney had Homeward Bound: The Incredible Journey. This was a kind of a big hit or cute. modest hit. Yeah, uh, with uh, the voices of Michael J. Fox, Don Amici, and Sally Field as uh, two dogs and a cat uh, going on a cross-country adventure looking for what their family or something they get separated i one of those like kinds that. of things mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and um they get lost and yeah 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 that's yeah. cute cute movie like it yeah, yeah. yeah that's all right yeah yeah, yeah yeah and spawned a sequel so not as good no, no. okay i never saw it <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay fascinating year for jeff bridges that's for sure oh yeah mm. and he was in this remake that didn't need to be remade and especially with how it ends um, I, it's the same director as the yes, it original is. too, George Slizer. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I I can usually get on board for anything Jeff Bridges. I just think he was very miscast. Dream. I don't I don't buy him as a creepy, yeah, serial killer. You drink person. the coffee, I'm Barney. Yeah, I, uh, that's where <laughs> I like roast beef. Yeah. yeah, I didn't watch. I didn't rewatch this. You uh, have to go through what she had to go through. Yeah, to understand. And I think that's that's I remember that specifically when I saw the movie thirty years ago as him going, I'm Barney. I'm Barney. Is she dead? I just wanna know. That's why I don't need a gun. Your obsession is my weapon. He thought not knowing was the worst. Did you take me to Diane? He was wrong. Yeah. This really is <laughs> yes. this our killer? Is this our guy? Oh, no. That's our guy. That's no. our genius, okay. Colin. This is the guy who's able to get away with all this stuff. And yeah. I, I mean, I had not seen the original movie when I first saw this back in '93. It wasn't obviously widely available at the time, and I remember really being into this movie up until the part that defers from the original, which I didn't know at the time. Let's give it a happy ending, right? Well, it's just like, well, I mean, he gets a shovel in the mouth at the end of the movie, and like, yeah. like uh, up to the point where Kiefer ends up in the coffin, I'm like, I'm like, I'm really on board with this, mm-hmm. and then everything that happens after is completely ridiculous, and it yeah. sank the movie for me. Uh, then you watch the original. And like this is much better. This mm-hmm. is much creepier. This ends where it should end. Exactly. Uh, and the vanishing in the is not good. No, no, it's not. Strangely enough, it was written by T- 
Todd Graff, who played Dana Carvey's best friend in Opportunity Knocks. And, and he's I, in The Abyss. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's the, Went on to become a director as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> and Sandra, and, Sandra, and Sandra, Sandra Bullock. I mean, the big sort oh, of a sure. big coming out year for Sandra Bullock in a number of movies, but she Indeed. was the girl of girls missing. Yeah. So I didn't go back and watch. I mean, there's some films from this year that a lot of maybe you guys <clears throat> saw that I still have never seen. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'll go through my whole life never having seen them uh, because if I'm not going to watch it for this show, I'm probably never going to watch it. And Loaded Weapon 1 is one of those movies. I I actually went back and rewatched this. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's not, it wasn't good when yeah. I first saw it, but there were, there were like moment here and moment there that were repeatable that we've joked about a lot. Uh, the, the opening scene is kind of funny. Um, there's another moment with Samuel Jackson where someone brings over a guest to a dinner and say like, and so like, would you like some coffee? And like, he's from a dysfunctional family. Oh, so then no coffee. Um, <laughs> there's stupid things like that. Non sequiturs that are just were funny. The movie itself is, you can see like the slide starting to go into like the epic movie type things where they're just mm-hmm. referencing stuff more than finding what's humorous yeah. about it. Um, yeah, it's, it's a relic. It's, it's not, it's not good, but I wouldn't say it's complete bottom of the barrel of the parody movies, but yeah. It's oh, we'll get to far worse ones down the road, I think, in the late mm. 90s. Okay. Oh, definitely, in the, yeah, in that period. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I will be the one to defend Strictly Ballroom because I think it's a really beautifully made film uh, made by a director who had a, uh, a pretty good handle on his craft at the time because uh, I, I, I use this movie and... and I think uh, probably Romeo and Juliet too, uh, as a way of sort of exploring that how directors their rhythms as editors change once they get discovered digital editing. Terrence hmm. Malick, same thing, um, where once they discover digital editing and the ease of it, they just start editing like crazy and cut, 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 cut. But then you go back Music and look video at their editing. yeah, and then you go back and look at their early films, and they're much more uh, refined and you know nicely constructed because the ease of which of uh, physical editing is you know is you know I mean they're, it's much harder to do that kind of stuff with actual physical film, um, and I just think Strictly Ballroom was. I thought it was a very promising debut. I thought it was, I, I, we went, I went back and watched it. I still think it's very funny. I think it's, I think the dance scenes are really wonderfully done. Uh, really charming storyline, great cast. And, um, and I, I still think this is a solid film from Baz Luhrmann who, you know, would eventually lose the plot eventually through his career later on down the road. Oh yes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I still think this is a really terrific film. That's one of the few of his, I, this is the one. I mean, ish. This is yeah. yeah. I mean, this is the one that I think even the most extreme Lorman haters uh, will defend. Yeah. I, I think that, you know the, the him coming out with this and whatnot. Um, I went back to watch it and I watched the first ten minutes of it and his editing in the first ten minutes is exactly like his editing in all his other movies and I turned it off. Oh, yeah. well. Like I'm not going through this. I hate this guy <laughs> and I just I, I'm not going through this. I have loaded rep in one to watch. So no, it's not what I want. Well yeah, I mean the first ten minutes is very much in that style yeah. that he's known just for. Like but Romeo it does it does yeah. calm down eventually and it does like let you enjoy the dancing for more than a second at a time. Mm. You know? So yeah, I know we got to get anyway. to Romeo and Juliet eventually, and I'm just like, I can't get through that first one 20 minutes. One of the minutes. worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Mm. Oh. Mm. Oh. Mm. 
This is a this is a big one because it's 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 one of those it's one of the few movies or one of the many movies I would say actually that fall under the personal response and reaction pretty much right out of the gate when I saw it when because we're talking about oh sorry I do that all the time <laughs> we're talking, Groundhog Day yes <laughs> of course a movie that everybody practically watches every year now and rightfully so but. Uh, my dad and I got uh, tickets to a preview screening a week before it came out, and we saw it, um, I think, at the River Oaks Theater in Calumet City. And the moment we walked out of it, I turned to my dad and I said, I think that's going to become an, like, a, like a Christmas story or a Frank Capra movie. I just think that's going to be one that we're going to talk about for years and years and years. And my dad turned to me and he's like, I think you're right, son. <laughs> <laughs> and... Because we just felt like so connected and so in love with this movie, and he knew it worked so well. And he could, and he, he even told me that he saw my reaction at one point when, towards the end, uh, the day has changed, but the 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 alarm clock is still playing the song. Um, I got you, babe, and I just went, oh, like because I thought mm-hmm. in that moment that he was still stuck. Yeah, and the fact that I reacted like that out loud, my dad said that shows that the movie worked a hundred percent on you because you were so invested and you wanted him to actually get to the next day. And it's just a satisfying movie in every single way. It's a great romantic comedy. It's just a great Bill Murray vehicle. It was kind of a game changer in how I perceived Bill Murray as an actor because he has some dramatic moments in this too. Uh, so it's become an all-time favorite. I don't need to say exactly why, because I think anyone who's seen it feels the same way, pretty much. So <sighs> he's kind, sensitive, and gentle. He's not afraid to cry in front of me. This is a man we're talking about, right? Spawned its own universe, practically. Oh yeah, it's now. one I mean, of the first of the time you know, loop movies, right? Exactly. And now that I means it seems like we Everybody's get one almost doing. every year at, the, at this point. Uh, many of them good, but but this is the one that started it all. And I mean, I remember going to that screen at Woodfield um, when it opened in February. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's a tremendously funny. It's incredibly creative. Bill Murray's hysterical in it. And, you know, and, but then when the heart really starts to kick in yeah. in that movie. And, I mean, I remember really getting emotional when the homeless man doesn't make it. Oh, yeah. You know, and, like, and, you know, he... You know, he takes him to the hospital. It's, like, the first thing he buys him the soup and whatnot. And it's, like, this is... This is you know, we've, we've seen... This that type of movie where the grump becomes the hero sort of thing. He becomes a better person. Mm-hmm. And one we just had a man called Otto right now that just came out recently, and but and, few have done it as good as this one does. You really believe that arc that he has, and God knows how many years that, that they've done the math on how long he's actually been in the time loop. It's something like eighty-seven thousand years or something ridiculous. And the original like script was very different from what I very read. different. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was very different. Um, and it Harold Ramis just put his own stamp on it. Yeah, it actually kind of started like. Palm Springs, where mm. you were actually right in the middle of the time loop initially, and then you discovered they were That's actually right. in it. Yeah. Uh, but you know, this one does does you know starts at the beginning, and yeah, I mean, it's just it it completely holds up today. I, I get why it's become uh, like a spiritual thing. People look at it, and obviously we're of that age now and whatnot. And I think that we would like to have a time loop to get a few things right mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a, a textbook example of a movie that has this very simple, high high concept steeped in a sort of magic realism. It's not very explained, and they make just make the most of it. Like, they just do a beautiful job of not explaining it, 
but just like letting the philosophy of it speak for itself and you get out of it, whatever, however it speaks to you. But, uh, you know, and it's just, and it's just a damn funny Bill Murray comedy on top of that, you know, just unpretentious in every way. And, um, and, you know, beautifully cast, uh, you know, there's so many fun, funny, colorful characters in it. In it. And uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad it was filmed locally. I mean, you know, it was filmed in Woodstock. Woodstock right, you go yeah. out to Woodstock. They love this movie out there. It's, there's Groundhog Day stuff everywhere uh, in, in Woodstock, Illinois. It's got to be annoying for people of Punxsutawney. Uh, you know, it's like, <laughs> I came all the way out here. Yeah. It's like, well, now you know how us Chicagoans feel when a movie is shot in Toronto that's supposed to take place. Place in right. Chicago, same thing happens to us. So you know, first appearance of Michael Shannon, I think, in a, in a movie. Yeah, it's the WrestleMania guy. Yeah. Oh, the that's WrestleMania right. tickets. Yeah. yeah, and of course Stephen Tobolowski, who you know, after Ramis passed, I got to talk to on the show. Yeah, was, the guy who had been, you know, we've talked about movies sneakers. he's been in for years yeah. now and whatnot. But mm-hmm. you know, this is the movie where everyone is like, like, yeah. please, yeah, one of the most memorable characters. Yeah. Ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you got uh, the first of two Tony Bill movies, uh, Untamed Heart, with uh, Christian Slater and Rosie Perez and Marissa Tomei. And um, it's a, you know, it's a really, it's a Christmas movie, which I mm-hmm. was oh, not expecting. Yeah. Well, for yeah. the most most of it is, and then eventually it's not. But it's right. uh, but it's Christmassy enough. I, mm-hmm. I do it on the, our show. Um, it, it, is, it is extremely romantic, yeah. almost ridiculously so. You almost yes. wanted to pull it back a little bit. <laughs> it's like, I don't. A little I'll, bit just much. for the record, I don't. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I... No, it's it's I, a wonderful movie, though. I, is, I, yeah. I really adore this movie. Um, again, you know, how many... I mean, it, like, this is like a Nicholas Sparks movie done right, mm. you know? Oh, that's a good way to put it, and, yeah. And, and, and it's because the characters are so... Mm. You believe everything that they're feeling, you know, the Christian Slater character is so shy and he's so reserved and whatnot. Um, and, you know, some people could look at the movie and you're like, well, it's a little creepy that he puts the Christmas tree in her bedroom and snuck in. <laughs> like, he's a little, little stalkery and whatnot. But, hey, so is Romeo and Juliet. So, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, and you believe everything that they're, they're feeling. I love the score. Cliff Eidelman's score That's in the movie score. is really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, really I mean, great this, friendship between her and Perez. Yes, and yeah, and Perez. yeah. terrific. And and Tomei, I mean, this is her. I mean, this came out before she won the Oscar for My Cousin Vinny, uh, but she was so she was right in the middle of that. But we'll talk about night and day performances mm-hmm. and whatnot. And this was really a, a, another great showcase for for Tomei, who's wonderful in this movie. And this movie, this movie literally breaks my heart. It really does when I watch it. And yeah, 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 yeah it moves me too. Mm-hmm. So good. Now for something completely different. <laughs> well, we got a couple of horror classics came out this year. If we want to dive into those right now. Oh, yeah. Or is there, okay, well, unless there's mm. something else there. But um, I remember seeing Peter Jackson's Dead Alive. Morning. Audiences everywhere are growing concerned about distasteful and gruesome films. This trailer depicts scenes that may offend sensitive viewers. If you are easily offended, cover your right eye now. However, if you enjoy a good, broad-minded laugh, cover your left eye now. I thought you were a trustworthy boy, but going out behind my back with that oily shop girl, kissing and cuddling in public. But, Mum, she's experienced. Lionel loves his new girlfriend. Almost as much as he loves his mother. Mum! But Lionel's mother is... Different. Your mother, 
not very well. Your mother's dead, Lionel. Now, everyone else is not very well either. And they're getting sicker by the minute. Oh, my mm. God. And I, I was kind of surprised to see that it came out in February because I clearly remember seeing it in the summer. So it must have been there for a long time. Um, they must have held on to that thing. Mm. And it's not hard to see why when you watch this thing. It is just a wonderful glorious crowd pleasing crowd and you know enthusiasm generating yeah. splatter fest <laughs> you know just a perfect midnight movie oh my god the the crowd the crowd was just electrifying uh and and i'm pretty sure i went back a second time um because this is you know peter jackson's third film after meet the feebles and bad taste which never really broke big in the states uh, but this was like, oh my God, this guy is a real showman. This is a guy who just is going for every gag he can think of that is just like, it becomes a cartoon of zombie guts everywhere <laughs> and all kinds of different zombies, baby zombies and zombies fornicating and, uh, just all kinds of crazy ideas stuff i'd never seen before. Oh man. It is, it is. And I watched the, um, I watched it on YouTube because I that was the only way I could find it for this. And it's the it actually wasn't a bad transfer. It's pretty damn good, actually. I think it was like right off the Blu-ray when it was called Brain Dead. Oh. And uh, it's a slightly longer version that I had never seen of the film before. But um, mm, yeah, man. this was my first experience with seeing an unrated cut versus an R-rated cut. Oh God, yeah, I I used to oh, tell people difference. at Blockbuster like <laughs> who were coming up like to rent Dead Alive. I'm like, dude, you don't want to rent this here. I'm going to tell you, go to the store down the street. <laughs> they got the unrated cut. That's the one you yeah. want. They're like, really? Like, trust me, <laughs> you don't want it. Because I I watched, I went and just kind of looked at how badly it was cut. It was terrible. Oh, mm-hmm. especially when it says on the box, the goriest film of all time, which is one of the cl- critic blurbs of it. And it's just like, you take that home from Blockbuster and you're like, what the fuck? This yeah. Is nothing. <laughs> they cut everything. Yeah. No, well, it's th- similar to like, I mean, I think I'd seen Evil Dead 2 a couple of years before this, but this, that along with this just sort of kickstarted, like my friends and I want to watch crazy horror movies, you know, as much as we can rent them from the video store. Thankfully, the owner didn't care what it was rated. <laughs> I feel blessed in that regard because all I had to do is put my name on the account and I could rent whatever I wanted. And uh, so we'd have, you know, sleepover parties and watch things like this. And this was one of those that we all just went, oh, my God, I can't believe what we're seeing. This is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we went back and rented Bad Taste and Meet the Feebles, we were just like, eh, all right. They were OK. I liked them. <laughs> didn't love them. This to me felt like his breakout movie for sure. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of those like hand down movies where like a friend of a friend heard it or seen it seen it and whatnot and said like you have to see this movie and then got the video cassette of it and you watch the thing and just like the lawnmower comes out and you just like <laughs> oh you know boy. and I, I i was thinking about this movie this week literally because people are just like cocaine bear is so gory i'm like no oh like no really? you know like i mean you don't don't yeah. stop just please yeah. stop my threshold for gore is very high yeah and no stop it and i mean i'll just, I'll just I've been savaged. It was anytime any of us got hurt, that was that was our line. I've been savaged. <laughs> you know, that was <laughs> that was something and yeah, it's 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 remarkable. Yeah. yeah. Uh the, the the ear and the porridge, my God. Oh god. <laughs> oh. I never want pudding anymore now. I know that is <laughs> I don't like I can handle all the blood, the guts, all the stuff. Yeah, people yeah. start putting things in their mouth. Yeah. That that's <laughs> falling off insane. people. I just like no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so appropriate. <laughs> 
that this came out a week later. Because, <laughs> you know, again, and I like keeping the spirit of, and memory, you know, alive of my dad. And I have to say, he loved Army of Darkness uh, and thought it was hysterical. Like, he wasn't into horror the way I was and didn't really connect with the first Evil Dead. Uh, the second Evil Dead, I don't know if he ever watched it with me, but he loved The Three Stooges, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and just Bruce Campbell, just, oh, God. Like, his introduction to the... To the uh, <laughs> With his boomstick and all of that, he was just on the floor. And, of course, the skeletons being the Three Stooges. Just I, I have vivid memories of him laughing very hard at this movie. Uh, and yet it's the lesser of the three for me, and I still enjoy it. But I, every time I go back to it, it's it's just like, oh, this is this is just like a cartoon. for You know, I mean, it just they sort of got wackier and wackier as they went along. Uh, so it's still entertaining and it's still great. And then once you get to the, like the, the Ray Harryhausen kind of skeleton army battle, that's also really fun too. So I, I still, I still enjoy this one. It's just not on the same level as evil dead two for me. Oh, I, I mean, I agree with you. That's it's the lesser of the three movies, but I, my experience actually watching those three movies was actually backwards. Like uh-huh. this was the first one I saw. So I had no, <laughs> it, <coughs> it was, um, connection to where this movie began i didn't know who bruce campbell was at the time so like i went into this movie i'm like i don't know this is completely all new to me and it it was funny and it was just it was funny it was entertaining i had seen the ray harryhausen stuff obviously so i recognized all that but then i'm like oh i gotta go back and watch evil dead 2 i'm like well well, we don't have evil dead so let's well i'll watch evil dead 2 and then i (laughs) had to go back and find evil dead and did the entire trilogy backwards and yeah fun yeah it is fun I, my experience with this was, well, first of all, I remember being slightly disappointed that there was a part three because I love the ending of part two so much that it's such a like Twilight zone kind of ending. Like it's yeah. so, it's kind of freaky and unexpected. And I just, I remember the, the high I got from watching that the first time. But um, a friend of mine, before this movie came out, he was, um, he was on the set of Hudsucker Proxy, which was shot here in Chicago, part of it. He was Tim Robbins stand-in. And um, he met somebody who worked on uh, Army of Darkness because, you know, Sam Raimi and the Coen brothers both yeah. worked on Hudsucker. Raimi's in Hudsucker Proxy. Yeah. And um, he got a VHS copy of Army of Darkness before it came out, but it had the original ending on it. Uh... And um, and he, get, he made a copy for me. So I got to see this movie a few weeks before it came out, but with a different ending than what was going to be in theaters. So, like, I watched that so many times, and then, like, when I finally saw the theatrical version, I went to the Dollar House when it finally landed, I think, at the Barrington Six mm-hmm. Dollar House, and I, I sort of felt like uh, Tim Robbins or Peter Gallagher in The Player, at the end of The Player, they're watching their movie with their <laughs> yeah. happy ending, you know, yeah. on there. That's how I felt in the theater watching it. I'm like, yeah, this is, feels more like a Hollywood ending. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, still kind of cool, still fun, but uh, I got the original ending. It's pretty cool, too. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do prefer the theatrical I, yeah. ending. I, I, I think it's I, I think it's a lot more fun. Yeah, It made me want to see an Evil Dead movie in a, like a Walmart. <laughs> you know, I think that would be fun for the you know, like if they made a part four. I don't know if they ever wanted to necessarily. I think it was well, they intent- made a series. Well, yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. The series is fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I should watch it sometime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it originally wanted it was going to be called Medieval Dead, which is a clever title. Yeah, right. that is. Yeah. 
Um, like Waterford Chocolate was, I remember that was a big foreign language hit during this year. It had lo- long legs at the box office at the few theaters it played at. Um, and uh, it was, I sort of think it's like the face of indie cinema during this period, mm. you know, and Miramax was like scooping up all these international films and, and, and putting, uh, and you know, it's a romantic period piece that takes place in a small village like that's your that's that's the faith that's indie cinema oh yeah in the early 90s uh for you know for this period um it's not bad it does make you hungry i will say that sure yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's okay it's one i've been meaning to see i haven't yet though uh i know alfonso aru directed it and he he was el guapo right that's right (laughs) yes Uh, and there's also a documentary called Visions of Light. So did you, did you guys see I, this? I saw yeah, it. Yeah, years it's ago. I, good. Yeah. 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 I it, mean, it's mostly talking heads, talking yeah. about yes. cinematography, but it's still interesting. Yeah. And, you know, if you're going to watch it today, just know that it was made 30 years ago. So there's, you know, it's all going to be old, older things. films. <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah. uh, but it's good. So it's, mm-hmm. it's worth yeah. watching. Yeah. Uh, but then we get to uh, Joel Schumacher's Falling Down. Wow. One of Schumacher's better films, for sure. Easily. Yeah. And how timely. I mean, that movie, <laughs> play that today, and it has a completely new ring mm-hmm. on it, really. And, yeah, I, I remember seeing this movie, and, you know, it's, it, I mean, it's darkly funny, and I don't know if it, I, I don't know how you reacted to it when you first saw it, but it probably says a lot about me <laughs> in 1993 that, like, those early scenes where he's busting up the store and whatnot, it's played, I mean, it's played for laughs yeah, and whatnot. And you watch, you know, you grow up a little bit and you watch it and just like, this is horrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is really horrible. Like, you, you know, you, Sad. as a consumer, you're like, yeah, right on man. Mm-hmm. You know, inflation sucks. Uh, but then you're just like, he's busting up the store of this poor, <laughs> you know, Asian grocer and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, it's just, and, and, and again, but, but the movie to its credit, it, it, understands its own darkness and mm-hmm. it goes darker when it gets to the Frederick Forrest scene. Oh yeah. And you have someone, a, a middle-aged white guy uh, having this conversation with a neo-Nazi and trying to justify, I'm not like you, but he kind of is, Yeah, yeah. you know, we're the same. Don't you see? We are not the same. I'm an American. You're a sick asshole. What kind of vigilante are you? I am not a vigilante. I am just trying to get home to my little girl's birthday. And if everybody will stay out of my way, then nobody will get hurt. And, yeah, it's very thoughtful in that Yes, and, and I think that you're meant to be put through that journey. Like, you're meant to be, the, like, with him. Like, the price of Coke is too high, too damn high. And then by then, it's like, oh, my God, he's going to kill his wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I, th- I, think th- yeah. I think this is a terrific movie. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating f- film to watch today, especially in given our political landscape. And you know, like you said, when he says, "You know, I'm not like you," but it's like, well, you're not necessarily, but you are aligned with him. You know, yeah. and it's sort of like that's you you kind of look at that scene. Uh, you look at that scene today, and you're just like. Yeah, a lot of you know, a lot of people like Michael Douglas's character today don't consider themselves neo-Nazis, but it's like, yeah, but you're all kind of on the same team. Mm-hmm. You know? More or less. You might <laughs> so, not be overtly racist, yeah. but uh, you are still yeah, racist. But, yeah. you know, yeah. So, uh, no, it's a fascinating movie with no clear answers, no clear morality, so, not so much. And, and you know, it, it's uh, 
no, it's a, it's definitely one of the more fascinating movies in uh, in Schumacher's filmography. Yeah, probably Douglas's second best performance after Wonder Boys, I'd say. Wow, uh, yeah, that high end. I think so. I mean, it's, a, it's a pretty impressive I mean, list when you go guess, through it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and but probably, no. he must have this character must have been modeled for Frank Grimes too, right? Uh, a dream house, two cars, a beautiful wife, a son who owns a factory, fancy clothes, and lobsters for dinner. And do you deserve any of it? No. <gasps> what are you saying? <laughs> I'm saying you're what's wrong with America. Just the look of him is mm. very similar. Yeah, no, it, it, I mean it's a it's a gutsy move for for Douglas to take on this role. I yeah. mean, he was at the top of his popularity doing thrillers, you know, yeah. um, and and giving a lot of great memorable performances and in comedies and thrillers. And but mm-hmm. this one was mm-hmm. like, you're you're you know he's he's it's going dark. He's yeah. and he's got the stupid uh, you know crew, crew cut thing. Cuts, you yeah. know, I mean, it just like it's like okay, he's he's taking this role because he's an actor. Yeah. <laughs> but it is, but it also is it is a darkly funny movie. Yeah. I mean, like even like the scene where he you know he's got the gun in the you know the McDonald's basically and whatnot, and he's like, well, look, look at that, look at that picture. Yeah. <laughs> like, we all we, we've that. all been there. <laughs> yeah. we we all been there. And you know, but at the same time, someone bringing a gun into a situation like that rings a lot different today mm-hmm. than it does than it did then. So I, I think this is one of those movies that year by year, uh, become something else. Yeah, you know? I agree. I'm sure the McDonald's CEO watched this movie recently and was like, maybe we should have breakfast longer than just those selected hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bring back the McDLT. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Bring back the McDLT. Uh, and um, another filmmaker, well, a filmmaker who broke out this year in a big, big way, in a very unique way, uh, Robert Rodriguez yeah. with uh, El Mariachi, famously made for six thousand um, dollars. Was it six or seven? Seven. Well, okay, all right. Still, like <laughs> inflation. Oh, never mind. Never mind. I guess it's not that unique. You're right. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's it, it's a movie. You when you watch it today, you 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 get very forgiving of a lot of things because of the mystique behind it. Oh, yeah. You know. Um, but. Uh, it's it's it it. I surprised that I still enjoyed this movie because I'm not a big Rodriguez fan, right? Now. Yeah, not, I, neither I, I'm am just, I. I haven't been for a while, but um, when I think it's, if you have interest in the history of independent filmmaking, you should see it. Oh, 100 mm-hmm. percent. And his commentary track on the Laserdisc when this thing came out That's was right. essential yeah. because mm-hmm. it was, and very inspiring. It made you want to yeah. like go out and make your own seven thousand dollars. He wrote movie. a book too, I think. Oh yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, you know it's 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 it, you do get the sense when you watch it of someone having a blast making their first film. Mm-hmm. You totally. really do. Oh yeah, it, it yeah, does yeah. come mm. through. Uh, and the music is good. And uh, yeah, so I I, I I I was surprised that I enjoyed this. It's so. still cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 kind of a fan of early Rodriguez. I mean, mm-hmm. I agree that he's gone he's gone way downhill since then. But there there is. Uh, good stuff in yeah you know, early oh, on, sure, and I think sure. even a little bit in the middle of his of his career, like Spy Kids and the, the Planet Terror, I think is is a lot of fun too. I even kind of like the Faculty. I, I'm a sucker yeah. for a Body Snatchers yeah, type movie, exactly. so I I, I, yeah. I I do kind of back the Faculty too. But yeah, but this is I mean this is kind of joyful. I mean this is like mm-hmm. when we were making films as kids and whatnot. You know, this is exactly the kind of thing we wish we had seven thousand dollars to make if yeah. we could do it and whatnot. Oh, exactly, and jumping yeah. and front of buses and stuff like that and mm-hmm. yeah yeah it makes sense why him and tarantino became friends yeah yeah i just wish he had more to say as a filmmaker today yeah his movies mm, are agree. pretty empty mm-hmm. but um, oh yeah you know all right uh should we move on to march 
Okay. Yeah. Sounds like a plan to me. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Olivier Olivier. Now, this is yeah. interesting because I, I had a hard time tracking this down, but I know I rented it at the time I was working at uh, Box Office Video in Highland, Indiana. Uh, and I, I always got it confused with Europa Europa, same director. <laughs> right. Uh, but, yeah, I just I remember feeling really uncomfortable watching this movie, but I don't remember specifics. Well, it gets into incest. That's why he, I was uncomfortable. He, he, <laughs> the, it's, it's, uh, you know, it goes into a lot of unexpected territories. It's about a 15 year old boy who uh, returns home after being missing for six years. And everyone believes it's him except his sister. And that's where things get weird because then it's like, well, is this incest? Because they got a thing going on here. But then it also gets into child molestation. And then of all things, telekinesis. And that's like, it's such a weird mix of things going on. I have not seen this movie and I want to see it right now. (laughs) It's it's a fascinating movie. I mean, it it doesn't quite work, but at the same time, I enjoyed it. I mean, how'd you find it? You know, that's a good question. I think I found a VHS of it at the public library. Um, oh, because I still have VHS oh. tapes. Um, yeah, no, I had to, this was not easy to find. And I still work not at the library. Find. I didn't even think to look it up. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure that's how I saw it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, or, or facets. Maybe Carrie picked okay. it up in facets for that me. One or the other. But I'm pretty sure it was a VHS tape. So, mm. yeah. No, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy movie that uh, that I doesn't make a lot of sense, but I liked it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, Amos and Andrew. Wow. I wish I hadn't watched this. But I was just curious because I'm like, Samuel Jackson, Nicolas Cage, Dabney Coleman. I know it didn't get great reviews when it first came out, uh, but it was like, oh, the, it's weird. The the screenwriter went on to, to co-write uh, the script for Foxcatcher, and his other script was something wild. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I agree with Ebert. It's, it's not awful, but it's just misguided. It's just, it doesn't know what kind of movie it wants to be. It's totally kind of messy and... Like it wants to be a slapstick comedy at sometimes, and it wants to be this, you know, scathing, you know, uh, sort of portrayal of like a racist culture and just like how the cops view uh, black people at the time and sort of still do um, to some degree. But yeah, it's 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 supposed to be like this awkward, uncomfortable comedy, and it just doesn't really work. You can check my blackness fact is I'm rough as a cactus. Now I gotta change what I practice. So I went to the suburbs and bought me a big house, and now they wanna run. Educated young maker of revenue rolling in a big black BMW. So I'm supposed to fit because I'm straight legit, but the police still want to trip. They accuse me of robbing myself. Never seen a brother with wealth. Hell, I thought I was big and now I'm trapped in a house because the cops got my crib staked out. It's almost like trying to do a comedy directly about race mm-hmm. is a problem. Yeah. Uh, not to say it can't be done, but you are threading a very thin line. Right there, I see you people That's good recently. Intentions, as I guess, in trying to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one thing to do commentary on that, uh, but I mean, it's like it's really tough because it, that ugliness is going to always be there, and unless yeah. you have the right through line through it, and this certainly wasn't it, uh, you're 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 kind of doomed from the start. Pretty much, yeah. It's unfortunate. Never seen it. 
Yeah, you, don't, um, you don't need to. Yeah. <laughs> You're too busy watching telekinetic incest movies. Or I'm too busy watching... Oh, s- we could do a whole podcast on that. Uh, yeah, I, I'm too busy watching Swing Kids, really, I think. Speaking uh, of uh, through lines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it's uh, this is the... Um, what a year for Nazis, huh? Yeah, Nazis uh, singing... Uh, well, it's not like... It's going to make it sound like the producers, but uh, no, it's like <laughs> s- s- kids who like to go swing dancing, but then the uh, Nazis come and or they become Nazis or yeah. they get recruited. It's kind of a cute movie when compared to a movie we're going to get to much, much later. Uh, <laughs> I never yeah. thought I'd hear the word cute. Yeah, the, no, it's like, this oh, this, oh, those this, cute Nazis. Oh, this is adorable. <laughs> Can't wait till we get to the December. Um, no, I mean, everyone's giving it their earnest best, you know, and uh, but I wanted more actual dancing in this one. You of know? course you do. It's no white knights. Let's put it that way. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. <sighs> Like white knights. I don't have to tell you. I don't have to tell you. All right. I sorry. Heard, I heard uh, it. Sorry. I heard that song. Yeah. What are you doing? Triggering you. Don't do it. <laughs> yep. Don't do it. I think I do it every episode. I now. know you do. Uh, no, Swing Kids is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree with you that the the actors are giving. I mean, it's, we're talking Christian, Christian Bale, Bale yeah, yeah, and uh, Robert Sean Leonard. Yes, right. Okay. Yes. Uh, and yeah, it's they're they're trying. Yeah. But no. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. Uh, hmm. What's next? Well, there's another Chicago-based oh, movie here. Yeah, of course. Uh, from um, McNaughton, John McNaughton, uh, Mad Dog and Glory. Yeah. Which is, yeah. is this, this is kind of his first mainstream movie, right? First yeah. studio release? I mean, yeah. what was Henry the Borrower and then Mad think, Dog and Glory? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, another Bill Murray movie, but uh, more of a serious, uh, more of a serious role for him. Yeah, um, he's in Robert De Niro is kind of in the uh, straight, straight man, straight man role, and and and, and he's a cop. Right? He's a weak. Or, is the, the he's a weak character. I mean, that's part of one of his traits in the movie is that he's kind of reserved and not very outgoing. And then, but Bill Murray and Bill Murray plays a gangster, like a yeah. like a very notorious gangster. And they form this weird bond of sorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he kind of inadvertently saves him from a, a convenience store, uh, right? A, um, robbery, and uh, Bill Murray, this gangster, he wants to be a stand-up comedian. Uh, and as reward, and this is where it gets a little dicey. Uh, as a reward for his uh, bravery, so to speak, he offers him. Uma Thurman, who is a bartender, a waitress or bartender, works in his uh, one of his clubs and offers him to her, even though she's not really a prostitute. Yeah, and 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 you know, at first it's just kind of there for company, but then eventually it does evolve into a love affair, and I think it's that's where I think they kind of they do kind of get away with it because, but it, you know, later on when it becomes literally these two guys fighting it out over control mm-hmm. of this woman, but. But I still like this movie. I still a lot. Too. I do for too. The two yeah. Of them. yeah, yeah, yeah. I do want to point out that I've read sadly that the crew made Uma Thurman very uncomfortable on set during mm. the sex scene. So mm. sorry, that, sorry to bring yeah. things down, but it's true, yeah. and yeah. Uh, it's a really a shame because this is yeah kind of an odd film that I, I again I mainly enjoy just for the performances and yeah McNaughton kind of going out of the what what I expected him to do with, you know, certainly in the horror genre he started out with, but it's, yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting movie to go back to. And if you want to see where David Caruso probably started oh, right. to get cast for NYPD blue, I think it kind of begins with this movie. Mm. Um, he's like Caruso was kind of a dorky guy in a lot of movies that he played over the years, but this is one where he's like 
you know, he's beating up Mike Starr in that apartment. There's, there's some great oh. fight scenes in this, in this movie. They're really terrific, including the last one between De Niro and Bill Murray. Um, yeah, but, but, but it's, it, but it's a good, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting film. I think it's, you know, if to just dismiss it, um, I think that there are things, yeah, it's, I mean, I get people who might not want to distance themselves from it, yeah. but, but I think it's an interesting film to discuss. Indeed. Mm-hmm. What an interesting director too. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. I don't Normal Life, is, is that 95? Mm-hmm. 95, 95 okay. or 96. Yeah, I want to see that yeah. again. It's been a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll get to the star of that movie shortly, too. Oh, yes, we will. My mom loves Ethan Frome. I don't. <laughs> we watched it together. I'm just like, okay. Uh, you know, an Edith Wharton adaptation. Okay, maybe. Directed by John Madden, starring Liam Neeson. Okay, maybe. No, it's kind of awful. Not boring. Not the best Ethan Wharton adaptation. No, I'm be talking about. No, this no, year. no, no, no. And and, the, and every, every time I hear the the, the name Ethan Frome, I think of Gross Point Blank. John Cusack goes up to his teacher at the at the high school and he meets up and he goes, "You still inflicting that Ethan Frome damage on people?" <laughs> and he goes, "It's a terrible book." Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't read the book, but the movie. Yeah. Eh. Yeah. It's like, no, it's off the curriculum. <laughs> Uh, one movie I remember being really surprised by when it came out um, was Fire in the Sky, which uh, mm. I thought was okay for a while, you know, while, while I was getting going. And I remember being completely freaked out in the last 20, 30 minutes oh, when, God, they, yes. when it recounts the uh, alien abduction and what happens there. And I still say that section of the movie holds up pretty well. It's still it hard sure to watch. <laughs> oh, man. Ugh. So terrifying. Yeah, but I think it's actually an interesting movie all around. I, I, I you know, um, it's uh, you know, it's a bunch of guys who have a, um, a close encounter, basically. What did it look like? It looked like uh, like a fire. In time, well, he's been missing. Like a, he was oh, missing yeah. for a while, that's and right, like yeah. they're trying to figure out what happened to him. And right. Like the, the the authorities are talking to the guys and whatnot, and that's that right. takes up a good portion of the movie. And it sort yeah. of flashes back right yeah. to where we get to know Eventually, them a little bit. Yeah, yeah. James Garner is a very skeptical um, yeah. investigator. Uh, a big role for Robert Patrick in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, post Terminator. Yeah, I like the movie too. Yeah, yeah. And, I still I mean, kind of like it. I don't yeah. think it's perfect. But, well, but it's, it's not. It's far yeah. from perfect. But um, I, 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 I'm genuinely creeped out by alien abduction stuff in general. So, well, you know what they do to you. So, I mean, you're going to be of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they do, Jim. Yep. That's all I they know, do when they kidnap you. Um, but, but, but I also I like the stuff between the, the guys yeah. The, yeah. and and they, the the investigation, so to speak. There. Yeah. No, I I've always like supported this movie and sort mm-hmm. of I guess based on a true story. Well, yeah, um, yeah. Just like Communion. Well, that movie didn't work. <laughs> Another movie that doesn't quite work is CB4. Ugh. No, uh, I am I wanted to like it, yeah. but I actually watched Fear of a Black Hat before this. Is that on this list? Next year. Oh, it's next year? Okay. Yeah. I love Fear of a Black Hat. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a much better version yes. of this. Yeah. 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 No, I, I can see why people still you know support this one, but... <sighs> This has doesn't a, has a few moments, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. but you kind of waste Chris Elliott and Phil Hartman. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's kind of sad. Well, this was the this was a big argument that not argument in quotation marks that Sergio Mims and I used to have because I professed my undying love for Fear of Black Hat, 
And he all, would always bring up like CB4. He'd always challenge me on CB4. He's like, I, I kind of like that one more. I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. And I went back out of respect. I went back and watched CB4 and I started yelling at the sky uh, the, <laughs> how wrong he is about Damn you, movie. Sergio. Damn you, Sergio. Because I, I mean, this movie, like, it, I, like, I remembered it being, you know, like a mockumentary. Mm-hmm. They abandoned that, like, after like 15 minutes. Yeah. They, yeah. they abandoned that and it turns into a story about how they became CB4 and there's a drug dealer and all this kind of stuff. And it's just, it's none of that is funny and a lot of it is taken very seriously. Uh, and, like the songs are not even they're they're just copies. Eh. I mean, literal copies of actual and songs. WA songs, right? But Fear of a Black Hat did that, but then changed all the lyrics and made it more ridiculous. Oh yeah, here like at the end of the movie, he's they're singing like an NW, pretty know, much the exact, song, same the exact same beat. song. Yeah, I'm like, what? Where's the joke? Yeah, here. No, it's it's a it's really a terrible movie. Mm-hmm. I, I do, I do terrible, like the Blackity Black song. Yeah, that's yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's it could have been a lot better. And then when you get something better that, yeah, I watched, yeah. I watched Fear of a Black Hat thinking, is that 93? But maybe not. Okay. I think it was we'll talk one about of those 93, 94 yeah. deals where I was like, it was made 93, might have screened somewhere in 93, but then got released in 94. Yeah. Well, Three. good. I'll watch it again for next year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Laugh my butt off. Um, I caught up with an indie film that I'd never seen. I always heard of it called uh, Just Another Girl on the IRT. which I think was, it was a, just recently released on Blu-ray. Yeah, it was. Mm. And uh, it was a huge hit at Sundance in 1992. And then it came out in theaters in 1993. Very, you know, low, bu- low, low budget um, uh, f- story of a teenage girl and her friends and how she... You know, is dating a lot, but she has a, her eye on the future, but then she gets pregnant and, you know, um, and I, you kind of watch it now thinking like, boy, they were really desperate for hits back then. And, uh, you know, because it's like nothing, it's, it's, it's good. It's okay. You know, it's like the acting, you can tell they, she got her, you know, you know, you get your friends in it and everything. Mm. Um, it's, you know, it's got some very frank talk about sex that was very, you know, not very common at the time. Um, you know, not, so not the strongest actors, everything's a little too rehearsed. Um, and, but there, you know, there weren't too many movies with this perspective during this time, you know, from, you know, let alone from any black people's point of view, but especially black woman or black teenager. Um, but then the last 15 minutes, is where the movie really stands out. And that's when I can see like, Oh, this is why people responded to this movie. Hmm. It didn't make much traction at the box office, even on, you know, a small indie art house scale. Uh, The director only went on to make one other movie a year later, and then she kind of just disappeared, um, which is really too bad. I I think this movie just got Weinstein, you know, just got, just kind of got the shaft from, from Miramax. Uh, but for not being mainstream enough, but um, it's it, you know by the end I was like, good, I'm glad I watched that. That was that was really good. It's a little little tough to take in the first half hour or so, you know, but uh, but in that last 15 minutes, you're like, oh man, this is this is really tough. Mm. <laughs> okay, okay, I get it now. Yeah, I'll look I'll, I'll look that one up. Yeah, it's worth it's worth seeking out. Unlike Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three, we don't even need to talk about it really because I never saw it. Not memorable. The, the song Tarzan Boy is in it. That's what I remember <laughs> by Baltimore. Yeah, they just go back in time and, you know. Is that what they do? I think I, so. I, I know. I, I did see it. I just don't. I, I remember that. I forgot ooze. what period they go back to, to be honest. I don't remember much about well, it. Well, I think that it's, this isn't like Mongolia or something. Yeah. It's like Genghis Khan because they got the, they got the hats. 
Right. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's what I remember. I think uh, they get the hats. 1603 Japan. There you go. Samurai. Okay. Times. <laughs> <laughs> Miss Burns. Yeah. Um, Corey Feldman returned. Oh, boy. Yeah, all right. What is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we had our next of our um, Hollywood remakes that came yeah. out uh, this date. Uh, Point of No Return. The government gave her a choice. Death. Or life. We've decided to give you another chance. As an assassin. We need a young female operative. I think she's the one. What do I got to do? Girl number five, take out the bad guys. Do not shoot the good guys. What do you do when you're most uncomfortable? Come on, come on, hit me. I hit. I want immediate improvement or she gets a bullet in the brain. You might want to try smiling. Why are you so serious? He mentioned the word bullet and he mentioned the word brain. You hear me? Your name is Claudia Dorn. You live in Venice, California. Where are you from? It's not a trick question. Chicago. And your code name is Nina. Hello? Nina. One hour. There are three people sitting behind you on the balcony. I don't understand. I want you to put two bullets in the VIP. Once she took their deal, she passed the point of no return. No, I, I might say something controversial here in that I actually prefer this to the Luke Besson. Hmm. Movie. I'm. I, I think, don't really like either. Okay. Well, that's fair. That's fair too. That's fair too. Uh, La Femme Nikita. I think it has definitely some great visual flair to it, and then it has moments. Um, I just think this movie is slicker, and uh, yeah, Bridget Fonda. Slicker. I think is really terrific. Yeah. In this movie, and uh, I love the relationship she has with Dermot Maroney late in the movie. I think is is, is a lot of fun. His facial hair uh, needs its own billing. Yeah. I mean, I I kind of like. I mean, I I. I Batum is one of those guys that like he makes really fun, slick action thrillers uh, that I kind of just enjoy and I go along with. And this was another one of them. Um, yeah, and, and, and Bridget Fonda is a big part of why I, I like oh, this it's, movie. It's worth seeing for her. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we miss you, Bridget Fonda. We do. Yeah. I didn't realize when I went back and revisited it that uh, Harvey Keitel plays basically the another cleaner. cleaner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, <laughs> is, right. this is a yep, pre Pulp yep, Fiction. Yep, yep, yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's, she's it's not fine. dead. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it's right. okay. It's yeah, all right. It's all right. Uh, boy, I, I remember how hated Born Yesterday was when that came oh, out. Oh, hold on. Yes? Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, I need to talk about the music of Chance. Oh, okay. Because this is this one, I think it was recently released on Blu-ray through Imprint, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. And the reason why it was brought to my attention from... Uh, guest co-host of this show and host of his own show, Supporting Characters, Bill Ackerman, that this is a really interesting con man poker movie that brings to mind a little house of games. I think it was written by Paul Oster, who went on to do Smoke. Okay. He wrote the script for Smoke. And uh, yeah, it's an interesting movie because James Spader is doing something very weird with his accent in this. I can't even remember what it is but it's just like god he doesn't look like james spader he doesn't sound like james spader but it's james spader and he teams up with mandy patinkin and they sort of go to this like private poker game hosted by charles durning and mm at walsh oh my god i want to see this right now it's incredible uh and it's really intense but then it sort of takes a turn like halfway through 
and I don't want to say why necessarily, but they basically have to stay there and help out Charles Durning in a very interesting way. It's a little Coen Brothers at times. Uh, Samantha Mathis shows up as a as a prostitute, so there you go. Um, just <laughs> now we know a, what Jim saw. It. <laughs> just take a drink every time <laughs> Samantha Mathis comes up. But no, it's really good. It's actually uh, one of the better written movies of this year, and Spader and Patinkin make a good team. Wow, I'm gonna look I, that one up. I, I remember the title, but I'd yeah. never seen it. Yeah, no, no. Bill told me you got to see this movie. It's totally you. You'll like it, and he was right. Well, you okay. had me at poker. Yeah, yeah. All right, gambling cool. gone wrong movies. Cool. <laughs> Two total strangers. Pick you up on the road. You look half dead. You tell me this wild story. Why the hell should I believe a word of it? Destiny drew them together. I gotta see what you can do with my own eyes. Hey, no problem, partner. I'll show you my stuff. You'll be so impressed your mouth will drop open. I'll make your eyes fall out of your head. It's crazy. Fate made them friends. You can't have no uninvited guests sneaking through the gates. We got an invitation. Now, I don't know who's responsible for it, but he's one hell of a little poker player. Together, they'll discover. What makes you think anything's gonna be different this time? We took lessons. That life is a game of chance. I love when that happens. Yes. One of us discovers something and mm-hmm. that's another see reason it. why it's fun yeah. to do these. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But um yeah, born yesterday is pretty bad. I <laughs> I <laughs> I I put it on as background noise. I wasn't really watching, I was multitasking while it was just kind of playing in the background. Mm-hmm. And for that, you could do a lot worse, actually. But um good movie to clean to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The knitability factor is through the roof, uh, if, I might, <laughs> if I may quote Carrie on this. Um but uh, I did enjoy one part of the movie, which is they uh, they do the amendments of the Constitution to the days of the to the tune of the Twelve Days of Christmas, and I kind of like that part of it. Mm. Um, and but uh, Goodman's character is clearly modeled after Donald Trump, and um, that's oh, that, that's okay. kind of the point of that. But um, I don't think it's quite as bad as like I mean Ebert I think gave it zero stars or half stars something like that. I think a wow. lot of critics like were yeah. just tearing this thing apart. But yeah, I know. No, it's I was, not. I was one of them. No, I know. It's, it's bad. No, it's it's not good. But yeah. I I don't think it's you know that level of awful. But yeah. I'm not even a big fan of the original because I'm not a like, yeah. huge Judy Holiday fan. Okay. Yeah. Um, so like like Melanie Griffith at this point was not an upgrade mm-hmm. at right. all. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, There's a string of titles I didn't see here. This is not, this is not <laughs> no. a good end of the month no. we're looking at here. We, we could get through these pretty quickly. I got nothing to say about any of them. I did see Married to It, but <laughs> I saw it 30 years ago. That's what Mary Stuart Masterson. I'm not not going to watch it. I uh, understand that. Yeah, we, yeah, all we all have, have those. Yeah, 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 we got to yeah. find mine. Samantha Mathis. <laughs> yeah. Sybil so. Shepard in that, right? I don't think so. I, no? No, you're thinking of Chances Are. No, I'm no, she bo- is. They're both in Civil Shepherd's in Married to It. Is yeah. she? Yeah. You've con- I was wow. Like, wait, I thought Stocker Channing. I thought it was Stocker Channing in and and. I don't think you can fuse Stocker Channing with Civil Shepherd. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like, how am I? What? What are we talking they're, about? They're here? both Re- in it. I'm okay. I have no memory. Certain. I. Yeah, I re- okay. vaguely right. remember that. It's yeah. weird. Like I never watched Moonlighting, but I know my Sybil Shepherd theatrical experiences. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I mean, I can sort of picture the poster, but I can't picture Sybil Shepherd in. She's there. in the shower at one point, I think. Well, that's exactly why you remember. It. Well, but there's no nudity. I just remember <laughs> okay, her yeah, all right. I see it on IMDb. She's in the movie. I mean, Don Arthur, Johnson, Arthur Hiller. Is, huh? right? is it Don Johnson with her in the movie? <laughs> Again with Don Johnson after born I don't, yesterday. I don't see Don Johnson's no. name on here. No, someone's in the shower with her. Okay, Ron Silver. 
Maybe it's and Ron that's in Silver. the trailer too. So I'm not being perverted here. That's might be Ron, the trailer. Might be Ron Silver. Okay, we spent way more time talking about this movie. <laughs> this than is I why ever people love this show. I know. <laughs> All right. Uh, yes, directed by Arthur Hiller. Oh my yeah, god! Okay, I can't believe yeah. I remember that. Uh, All right. Anyway, Hear No Evil is Marley Matlin. Oh, that's right. Is not good. Okay. It's a uh, you know serial killer movie, and she you know she's death. Oh, okay. So just, okay. <laughs> just if that wasn't clear. Okay. Um. Yeah. I didn't see the Huck Finn version here. Uh, it's Jonathan, not bad. Jonathan Taylor Thomas? No, uh, Elijah Wood. Oh, You're thinking of Tom and Huck. Yeah, oh, that, that's coming okay. later. That's yeah, Elijah Wood. This, this is oh, the then I might like this the, one then. Yeah, this, this one's not bad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, from Disney. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the material's a little outdated, but uh, but it's not a bad movie. It's, oh, okay. It's, it's okay. It's all right. Uh, oh, we're in April now. Yeah, we are yeah. in April. And... Uh, <laughs> What are we? What are we moaning at? Because there's a few yeah, what possibilities are you, which here. What are you moaning at? There's a few. Top and a half. You're moaning at, right? Well, no, I, the one after that. The crush. The crush. Okay. Uh, my my pick. I granted, I haven't seen everything from this year, but yeah. uh, it, my worst movie. My worst movie, movie too. The yeah. crush is your both of your worst movies of the year. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm it's a train wreck. Oof. Oh, it's terrible. I'm Oof. I'm with you on this. Yeah. Um, interesting yeah, just, backstory just, I, to it, though. How so? The writer director said that this is based on something he experienced okay. personally. Well. And he was sued by the person that inspired Alicia Silverstone's character to where they had to ADR her name because he actually used her real name in the movie, Whoops. so they had to change it. Okay. So if you watch this movie again, and I don't recommend anybody does under any circumstances, no. but anytime Alicia Silverstone's character's name is spoken, it's clearly edited. Now, was, was her character supposed to be like 15? 14. 14, 14 in the movie. And how old was Alicia Silverstone? Because she was, this was the 16? Aerosmith period. Yeah. Yeah, 17? and the, oh, she, was, she was 16 I think in the so. movie. Yeah. And we are meant yeah. to ogle her the same way Carrie yeah. Elway's character is. Like the movie, the camera wants us that to feel. Look at her in the yeah. bikini. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. feel what he feels. And he, he plays the world's dumbest man. Um, and this is just another, this is another one of those, like we talk a lot about a lot of these last year, the domestic thriller. Yeah. Uh, Which I normally like, but this one just, ooh, ooh, ooh. It I is, to take a shower after Yeah, it is, it is uh, just awful. It's wrong. It's an awful, awful film. And yeah, it doesn't it surprise me at all that you told me about that about the director because that makes yeah. so much sense it makes a lot of sense yeah, yeah. i do, I do kind of laugh at the moment where she's chopping lemons really loudly and oh, he's God. like what are you doing i just yeah. remember the I'm bees making lemonade. i remember the bees yeah see adrian what are you doing making lemonade you want some and you can new jack swing on my next Uh, it was a huge hit. Adrian Lyons' Indecent Proposal, which basically is the more dramatic version of Honeymoon in Vegas. Same yeah. basic no plot. Uh, 
where um, Robert Redford pays Woody Harrelson a million and and Demi Moore a million dollars so he can spend the night with Demi Moore. Yeah. And the strain it kind of puts on on their marriage. Uh, a movie that I think is um, it's it's weird that it's it's probably Line's most romantic film. I mean, when you think oh. about it, <laughs> it's. When you think about oh. it, it's that's kind of what that's the note I took down. I'm like, this is this might be weirdly enough, like in a weird way. Yeah, um, I don't. It's certainly, it's certainly going for romance. No, but it's it's no. I'm, I'm saying it is actually oh. is going for romance, like, but like, but by the end of the movie, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But um, tries to resolve everything. Yeah, yeah. I I guess I don't. I didn't really buy the later stuff between Moore and Redford. Uh, the, yeah, I one hundred percent. Yeah, I think the setup is very fascinating. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think them they, they go through the motions. I love when the lawyer gets involved to like. Oh, Oliver Platt. Yeah. Oliver Platt. Very Platt's funny. Yes. Yeah, like I think the first half of the movie is really interesting, and then I just don't buy. I mean, I buy up to the point that they basically break up and they have that. The yeah. fight, mm-hmm. and then when she just then she goes to Redford. I'm like, no, yeah. that's I don't buy that. Yeah, um, but yeah, it, it is basically honeymoon in Vegas. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I like this period of uh, John Barry scores also. It is a good score. Yeah, yeah I do remember yeah. the score. It's um, a good score. And it was actually written fun, trivia enough, and it's just because it came up on my show. Um, the writer of this movie was the director of Slumber Party Massacre. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's she, she, she's got a very interesting career as a writer. Yeah. Uh, mm. And only directed a couple things, but uh, she, she also wrote Mystic Pizza. Oh, oh. okay. All yeah. Right. So I feel, I feel like I'm slow though. And I, 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 it's funny that I never realized the connection with uh, the kingpin, the kingpin scene. Oh yeah. Yeah. When Chris Elliott <laughs> <Totally>. propositions <laughs> Woody Harrelson. Yes. <laughs> That's one of the funniest moments yeah. in that movie. <laughs> like a virgin. Mm-hmm. I will pay you $1 million to sleep with your friend here. Mm-hmm. $1 million, one night, cash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just like, oh, yeah, Woody Harrelson's in both, duh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. One of my favorite movies to go back to from this year, and I've gone back to it a lot, is The Sandlot. I've always oh, just man. found it to be okay. Oh man! Oh, I think it's much better than okay. I yeah. I absolutely okay. adore That's this fine. movie. Um, I get it because for one thing, it has a cast of kids who are like bad news bears level good <laughs> and <laughs> funny, like naturally funny. Yeah, and I don't know how this is like one of those movies I kind of watch in awe. Like, how did you do? How did you get these kids to be this good? Because working with kids is, can be a nightmare. Um, it's not easy. And uh, so when I see a movie that does it really well and gets really natural and naturally funny performances out of out of kids, especially a group this big, it's it's I I, I give a greater appreciation for it. Um, and uh, you know, it's just a great baseball movie. It's a great summer movie. Uh, my uh, Carrie and I, we had uh, one of her nephews over. He's like ten years old. We spent Aww. the night here over the summer uh, last 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 year, and uh, we watched The Sandlot. He'd never seen it before, and he's not a baseball kid, but he really enjoyed the movie. And it's it's one of those movies I think that's timeless and holds up. And I don't think I don't care how you know old it is, it's gonna play well with with whatever whatever kid is watching it. Yeah, I'm I'm much closer to you on, the, on this one, Colin. I think anyone who's ever had grew up and had a group of friends like that who played baseball like that, where you don't have like a, enough to play a full game, but you just kind of <laughs> yeah. play with each other. And you yeah. just pitch yeah. and you hit and you run and that kind of stuff. Which which I had at, at a time, 
and and that movie gets so much of that right and like mm-hmm. even if when like the 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 other team shows up the bullies yes. or what, yes. <laughs> and they get to play a game and they kick the crap out of them it's, yes. it's wonderful um you know and then kind of you know the second half of the movie where it kind of turns into like a home alone ish i mean that, yeah. that's yeah, the that's style where it's just like trying to retrieve the ball bit. but still yeah trying to retrieve a ball from over someone's fence is universal of course that's yeah. a, it's a universal thing it's just not always a big giant dog there and then you get a little james l jones at, at the end of it too so it's yeah it's, it's i know i get it i, I understand why people connect with it so strongly yeah. I mean, I, I basically just made movies with my friends. I didn't play ball. I just like, sometimes we even just make, mm-hmm. like we wouldn't even have a camera, just make up some scenario yeah. and just have fun that way outside. But no, it's good. It's yeah. good. But yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And isn't, I never saw sidekicks, but isn't it just like Cloak and Dagger meets Karate Kid? That's like the vibe I get from it. Cause he's like imagining Chuck Norris as his hero. Gosh, he's, I don't even remember if that's how it goes. Oh, okay. I, for I, some I, reason I thought that's, yeah, that's there's like a whole new edition coming out from Vinegar Syndrome on 4K. If you're really curious about Vinegar it. Syndrome, yeah, 4K. okay, yeah, huh? Don't act like vi- that's beneath Vinegar. Okay, that's syndrome. true. You're I mean, right. Come on, like <laughs> no, they put out. So- yeah, you're right. They put yeah, out cloak right. and dagger. So I mean, maybe I that's just, I just a natural like progression. sidekicks is a priority. Okay, yeah. well, yeah, no, that's there must yeah. maybe there's a fan base that we just have never been a part of. <laughs> oh no, there, a, one of my favorite podcasts, Film Junk, did a whole episode on it. Really? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I don't remember. I've never seen it. I haven't either. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Bummer. <laughs> I did see this boy's life. Oh, yeah. And, mm. uh, yeah. Oof. It is It is pretty rough. Yeah. Um, you know, De Niro has the showier role in this one, but it's obviously Leonardo. He's a little, he's a little much. He's almost uh, like a little King. bit. Yeah. <laughs> Shut your pie, Shut your pie hole. hole. <laughs> That's one Shut of your the goddamn pie hole. <laughs> you just have to be well behaved. Your rich daddy Duke doesn't care anything about you. So somebody's got to train you. And one of the things you've got to be trained in is not to be a, a fucking hog and hog everybody's oh. candy. Like a fucking Shut your goddamn goddamn pie hole. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but it is clearly uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's movie, mm-hmm. and uh, this is his breakout year. I mean, he had already been on Growing Pains and a couple other minor things, but this was definitely uh, the year of Leonardo DiCaprio in movies. Uh, and we'll get to another one much later. Mm-hmm. But uh, and that's and and um, who's who's the mother? Ellen Barkin. Barkin. Ellen Barkin. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, she's very good. And uh, no, it's it's a good movie. It's just brutal. It's just rough. To well, watch. I mean, it's all. I mean, it's, it was about it's about yeah. parental abuse. Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. it's about yeah, a, it's, a, a father, uh, a stepfather who is completely emotionally and uh, physically abusive to his, his new part of his new family. And I, I think De Niro is terrific. In yeah. his, I mean, DiCaprio is obviously the, the star of the movie, but. Um, He's. I mean, the what, what's so great about the movie, I think, is also the they show the De Niro character is just so pathetic. Yeah, like the, how much up in his his own head he thinks he is. Like, there's that scene where they have like the, um, like the shooting contest, and De, uh, De Niro, you know, he, oh, yeah, he, yeah. he, you know, he hits the target and he kind of he doesn't do so. <laughs> he good. does this look. He's like. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. yeah, you know, and then Ellen Barkin comes out and kicks his ass, and she it wins triggers, the whole thing. Right, she yeah. wins the whole thing, and it triggers him to you know prove his masculinity. Another movie that toxic is, masculinity, right? It just plays completely, you know, <laughs> yeah, ahead of its time, I suppose. No, it is, but, it yeah. is, yeah, in yeah. that regard for sure. Yeah, I, uh, no, I like it very much. Michael Caton Jones directed mm-hmm. the movie. Yeah, yeah, he's he, De Niro's like playing Chris Cooper in American Beauty in this. You know, it's the same kind of like militaristic like approach to parenting and it's just mm-hmm. awful to watch yeah. and chris cooper shows up really early on in the movie as one of ellen barkin's boyfriends oh, weird, i forgot right? about that yeah. yeah 
another movie that has a couple actors uh, who make little small roles in it before they were big. Uh, well, I'm speaking of Benny and June. I am not taking this guy home. Did you see those, those raisins on TV? The ones that sing and dance and stuff? They scare me. Yeah, me too. I'm her brother, and I'm her only family. But um, mm-hmm. but uh, Julianne Moore and William H Macy are both in it, little small roles. Yes, yeah, Julianne Moore shows up a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but this character. is yeah, but this is um, eight. Uh, it Adrian Aiden Line again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that would have been no, different. Aiden Quinn, Mary Stuart Masterson, and of course Johnny Depp. And um, Johnny Depp is obsessed with Buster silent Keaton? film. Oh, yeah, just yeah. in general. But he does like the. The, the chaplain the chaplain and, uh, buster keaton stuff yeah and <laughs> the biscuits or whatever you call it the and at this point when the movie came out i was obsessed with charlie chaplin so of course i was completely on board with this movie and of course you care cast mary stewart masterson i'm still on board you know even more on board uh it doesn't quite play as well today as it did for me back then i i was fine with the quirkiness back then now i watch it i'm just kind of like this is a it's also a film about mental illness yeah that's the other thing i have a little more of a appreciation for that sort of thing now that i must have back then uh because it it makes it adorable it's one of those movies that makes mental illness adorable. i guess that's why it rubs me the wrong way a little bit in that regard like it sanitizes it trivializes it and yeah like oh isn't having mental illness cute the other (laughs) the other sister of its time right well mm, i wouldn't go that far Mm, Mm, yeah not as outward bound, I suppose, as other sister, but <laughs> no, you know, it's. I just remember the the trailer for that movie uses in your eyes, and I'm just like, okay, I'm just watching this movie, yeah. Um, and I'm just like, oh, this is Johnny Depp, and I've never seen this is the guy from Jump Street. I'm like, I've never seen him do something like this. This is kind of fun, and yeah, I mean, it's don't real realize it at the time, just like, no, they're kind of trivialized. Not, tri- I mean, I don't even know if it's trivializing if that's the right word to use it, but they're, you know, it's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not bad. Yeah. To be in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, yeah, that's why it doesn't really play well <laughs> right now. <laughs> they do okay with the material, I guess. They're they're fine. Direct, the director <laughs> of Christmas Vacation. Oh, wow. Jeremiah mm-hmm. Shashik. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw there's another, um, Zhang Yimao is a director who comes up on our show when we do this a lot. I mean, on this you know, these shows that we do um, seems like every year he's got something. Uh, the story of Kui Ju, I think is how you pronounce it. The story Sounds of Kui Ju. Um, it's about a, it's a violent incident in a small village and causes a, a young woman to seek justice against an official who kicked her uncle hard over a misunderstanding and uh, every higher up she turns to help for help, uh, tries to sweep it under the rug and all she wants is an apology. Um, and it's kind of in line with all of his other films that are basically a not too masked criticism of Chinese government. Um, not one of his best, but it's it's pretty good. Yeah. So just thought I'd mention that one. I'll mention Indian Summer because it's basically just the big chill only at summer camp. Yeah, I couldn't find it, so I didn't How see did it. Oh, you should have asked me. I, 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 I think oh, well, I've given you that to you. I might have I, found it online. I don't remember. Anyway, I dated someone who said this was her favorite movie of all time. 
Mm. And then I kind of went, I don't know if this is going to work out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's not bad. It's, you know, it's got a good cast. You know, you got Paxton and... uh, Diane Lane. Julie Warner. Julie Warner, Vincent Spano, yeah. Alan Arkin, Oh, right. Sam Alan Raimi. Arkin's probably, yeah, the best yeah. thing about it. Elizabeth um, Perkins. And Sam Raimi is like a <laughs> bumbling, like, camp... Uh, not, assistant. Like, yeah, he's like, like his, he's, he's Alan Arkin's assistant, essentially, yeah. Right. I mean, there's only two people working at the camp at, right. at the time yeah. that they do this, because it's a special thing that they do, but... I, I find this movie very charming. It's charming. I, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's it's a really good cast. It's it's you know it's, it's not offensive. It's just no. It's, it's not. And it's just it's, it's 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 a remembrance piece. It's sure. Like I mean, Big Chill is a there's a app. Did you have a good summer that. camp experience? I never went to camp because okay, I think good. camp is stupid. I do too. Um, but <laughs> uh, so I would never go to camp. But they seem to be having a pretty good time at 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 this. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And again, it's another movie about you know here where we are today. Like this is our camp. Basically, this is our Indian summer, guys. Um, this is our time. Yeah, and and you know, again, my Paxton love knows no bounds. Sure, sure. And so he's you love his he's, mullet. He, yeah, I do love his mullet in the Twice movie. This he's year. fun in the movie, and he gets hooked up with Diane Lane in in the film too. So good for him. Um, yeah, I've I've always just found this movie completely breezy and charming, and yeah, uh, like spending time with right. these people and their issues. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, George Romero had a horror movie this year called The Dark Half. A piece of himself he keeps hidden. You just don't want to give up George. You become attached to him. Locked away until he needs it. These behaviors could be interpreted as schizophrenia. Away from the light, safe in the shadows. I wrote those words and I have no recollection of doing it. But sometimes secrets take on a life of their own. Thad Beaumont thought he didn't need George Stark anymore. The American way of death. That's it. He served his purpose. Time to lay him to rest. Based on a Stephen King novel with um, Timothy Hutton. It is based on Stephen King, Yes, right? it is. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Um, Two underwhelming Stephen King adaptations in the same year. Yeah, it is kind of underwhelming. This is some interesting stuff. I like the stuff with the birds. Um, mm-hmm. You know, all that stuff I think is kind of fun. Amy Madigan's kind of wasted. Um, yeah. and I kind of dig the ending, even if it doesn't make a lick of sense, but, uh, but I, that's, yeah, that's what I remember. Yeah. But I just, I wrote down the two babies, uh, seem to enjoy the sight of Timothy Hutton getting his, getting gnawed to death by little birds. Uh, so I, I wrote that down from when I watched this like several months ago. Um, yeah, that's kind of mediocre. Yeah. Disappointing. Never coming. worked for me. Yeah. I've, I've tried a couple times over the years to, to watch it again when I was on cable and whatnot. It never yeah. clicked for yeah. me. Yeah, kind of forgettable. Yeah. Sad coming yeah. from Stephen King and Romero. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, you brought bound. Did you buy, bring Bound by Honor? Is that what that is at the top? What is that? It, oh, it's oh. the same. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> I feel bad, and the only reason is because it's 190 minutes long. Yeah, that's right. Eventually, I will watch it because I know it has a following. Yeah, you know, people seem to. Bound by it. Honor was the official title that it came out under because it was originally. And I think the trailers even indicated that it was originally called Blood In, Blood Out. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Right. Uh, it actually and actually is titled th- Blood In, Blood Out, Blood By Honor. Yeah, that was, that's, I think oh. that's one that came out in the video. They put the all both titles yeah. on it. Yeah. And this is Taylor Hackford's uh, three-hour epic about uh, friendship and L.A. gangs, basically, right, right. and prison life and... Uh, Benjamin Bratt. Benjamin Bratt, uh, okay. uh, Damien Chapa, and I, the other actor I, I, I Jesse Borrego. Jesse Borrego, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, as an epic type of story goes and those type of relationship dramas where 
two characters go off on, you know, it's, it's swing kids, but with LA gangs basically. Uh, and I mean, it's, it's okay. I suppose. I mean, like you don't really, not really want to watch a three hour movie about this subject matter in the way that it, that it's done. And a lot of it's done. There's a lot of stuff in prison and whatnot, hmm. and not the fun prison movies as if there is such a thing. Um, but there's there's one moment in the movie that really freaks me out, and I, I have trouble looking at fire hydrants because of it. Uh, there's a scene where the one <laughs> character I know that sounds funny, but the one character actually gets lifted up by one of the his enemies or whatnot, and gets thrown onto a fire hydrant. Like his, and you ah. see it like I don't know how they did it. I don't know how they did it, but he picks him up and he just goes boom, and you see like his complete body contort. And I every time I see a fire hydrant, I think like I don't want to break my back. Because that's what happens oh, to him in the movie, no. and he ends up in a wheelchair because of it. And it's just it is it's brutal moment in the movie. Movie itself is yeah yeah okay yeah. Uh, I remember when Three of Hearts came out on video. Mm-hmm. Uh, working at uh, probably Blockbuster, they sent us a screener, um, and gave uh, gave the retailers kind of a um a sort of participate in how the movie was released. They said, there's two endings on this screener. That's right. Tell us which one you like best. And I forgot how you do Whoa. it. You send in a postcard, I think, that had like which 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 ending on it. That. Yeah, and you yeah. check off which ending you think is good. And the one I liked was the one that ended up getting released. So, it's like choose your own adventure. <laughs> yeah, this pretty much. Cool. <laughs> yeah, so it was uh, along the lines of, because it's a sort of a romantic comedy with um, William Baldwin, uh, Kelly, Lynch. Kelly, Lynch Kelly Lynch and Sherilyn Fenn. Right, yeah. yeah. And um and I I I'm not gonna get into the story because I don't really remember what the whole thing is, but something about he's gotta make his girlfriend jealous or something like that to win her back or he's kinda like a male he's like a male prostitute. That's right, he's a male prostitute yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh kind of a really dumb plot. But um but the ending was along the lines of like he get, he gets the girl back or he doesn't. And hmm. I voted for the one where he doesn't because it was more believable, and that's the ending that's out there. So, but I'm of course, they didn't put both endings on. Well, like on the, the DVD on the now, DVD it's on. Okay. Both endings are on there, but yeah. on video they just released that. God, one, I so. remember that. That's what a what a trip that. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. Was. Yeah, not a I, terrible movie. It, it was okay at the time, okay. but you know, it's yeah. like it stars William Baldwin, so that's like a big hurdle. Wasn't right there another there. threesome movie that had the same Next title? Year, Ninety four well, threesome, ninety four. Oh, okay, but that's yeah. with. Stephen I thought Baldwin. there was like a. Gosh, I'm yeah. thinking. I'm getting it confused with another it's Matthew th- Perry. Yeah, three three to tango. Oh, three to tango. Okay, yeah. I'm getting it all mixed up. All these three movies. Yeah, yeah. That, and, and that <laughs> movie came up too. It was is written by the person who just did that horrible Ashton Kutcher Reese Witherspoon movie. She wrote three to tango. Oh, oh. yeah. She's a bad writer. Bad oh. writer. Well, speaking of bad, any of you watched the pickle? The pickle. The pickle. The pickle. A flying pickle. In a Paul Mazursky film. Pickle juice! <laughs> the pickle. I saw Pickle juice! <laughs> Apparently, women just throw themselves at Danny Aiello in this movie. Like, yeah, it's believable. Yeah, that's, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, and Donald Trump is actually in it. He has a cameo in it. Oof. Yeah. Paul Mazursky? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's Ooh. not a single likable character in this entire thing. The pickle. The pickle. Chris Penn and Stephen Tobolowski at some point because I wrote that down, mm. but other than that, it is it is awful, awful. You awful saw it because movie. Spalding Gray is in it. 
He is in it. That's right. I don't remember him in it, but I guess he, mm. yeah, you're right. He is in it. But uh, no, it's a terrible movie. Okay. Really one of the worst for the worst of the year. I never saw Splitting Hairs. I don't. But, I, I can't, that's I another one I can't, I can't find. I can't find that one. Oh, yeah. I, I've, I've seen that. Um, it's it's okay. Um, yeah. it, it definitely has its moments. Um, this is Rick Moranis and Eric Idle. Eric Idle, John Cleese has a, a supporting role in it. Uh, early Catherine Zeta Jones. Catherine okay. Zeta Jones huh. is has a pretty big role in the film, and um, it's 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 very much like a fish called Wanda Jason, where it's basically it comes down to money, inheritance, and trying to kill the people that are going to get the inheritance, basically. Okay. It's got some laughs. It's, I mean, if you want to be a completist for your idol and your cleases, uh, you could do a lot worse. Okay. It's not, it's not great. I don't rush, wouldn't rush out to see it, but it's, it's not terrible. Okay. Oh, all right. All right. Uh, should we move on to May? My then? birthday month. Yeah. Okay. Three, three days after my birthday, a really great comedy came out. It's called Dave. Suddenly, Dave has a great job. I can't tell you the whole story. It's kind of a national emergency kind of thing, but you got to help me cut the budget a little. You got to cut the budget. He has a great house. Do I need to dial nine? Who does these books? I mean, if I ran my business this way, I'd, I'd be out of business. And he has a great wife. Why can't you die from a stroke like everybody else? She hates me. Yes. And the amazing thing is, everyone loves him. God bless you. America. I got my button right here. Aww. There you go. Vote for Dave. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think we can agree that just about anything with Kevin Klein from this era, like anytime we're doing one of these, I'm just like, Kevin Klein is the best. Yeah. yeah. I just love that guy. Yeah. Well, this is great period. This is a great period for him. And uh, really, this is one of his best performances um, because he's got to play a nice guy who just happens to look like the president. He, he goes, he has these little president lookalike gigs that he goes to like, you know, used car openings and stuff like that and birthday parties. And, but <laughs> the actual president, uh, is, uh, well, shall we say incapacitated or, you know, just, uh, in a, in a something in a coma from something that would be very scandalous. So he's yeah, got to have sex with Laura Linney. I there guess. it is. There so it is. Just, <laughs> yep. Right. Yep. Um, and he's got to play the president. This nice guy has to play the president, but the president just happens to be a real jerk. Um, so he kind of goes about redeeming him, uh, directed by Ivan Reitman. Um, and, and starring, uh, also starring Sigourney Weaver as the first lady and Charles Grodin as his best friend. <laughs> and, um, he loves that, sauerkraut, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't realize how much when i last watched this like how often the score gets used in trailers like yeah the opening score, oh yeah it's like oh my god i feel like i'm watch about to watch a trailer but no i'm watching <laughs> an actual movie um it is uh really one of my favorite movies of the year it, it is uh, written by gary ross um who, he had a good run of scripts like you mm-hmm. know big oh, dave and pleasantville yeah yeah. And uh, this is a fantastic screenplay. Just, I, I think, one of the uh, uh, almost a perfect screenplay. Um, just uh, it, it, for such a kind of a wild, you know, sort of almost high concept movie, but it's also very, it's, it, you, you manage to believe a lot. Yeah, of it. it's still a little grounded in that way. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and you just kind of watch it today, and I, and, or I, I watch it today, and I get sad because I'm like, oh, <laughs> right. Why can't this be America? Yeah. yeah, between this and like the American president a couple of years later. Yeah. It's like, what if we actually had somebody that wasn't a jerk? Yeah, what if, <laughs> what if this was our culture? Yeah. Oh, man. But, this, but at the same time, don't you find yeah. that watching uh, political movies, no matter what era it is, that you still see the 
the germs of where we are today. Yes. Like you still mm-hmm. see, and it's always one party. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but but this movie, I mean, this, I mean, it, it is so Capra-esque. It is mm-hmm. just so very, very wonderful. So. And um, it is just, even like when like crappy stuff happens in the movie, which is not, I mean, crappy in quotation marks. I mean, Franklin Jell plays a Capra-esque mm-hmm. villain in the movie. Everything is just so nice. Yeah. You know, it's and pleasant. it's just, you, you like, yeah. even like the, the, you know, all the stuff that he goes through and he starts being a nice the nice president and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff and I, I I can't tell you how much I love the scene where they balance the budget I can't yes. tell <laughs> yeah. you yes. bringing Groden in and uh, <laughs> there's a, even a little moment that Groden does that I just had to have been an ad lib where everyone knows you can order whatever you want at the White House and whatnot and they make yeah. a joke about that and Groden in the scene where they got all the food out he takes a like, potato chip and he eats it like just yeah. throws it away <laughs> and whatnot but that scene where they <laughs> Do the math and balance the budget. It's just so uh-huh. beautiful. It's, yeah, it's still great. And then the relationship that Klein and Weaver have, and how she figures out who he is and whatnot, yeah. is, is kind of fun. And Ving Rhames also oh, that's in right. the movie. And, and Ving Rhames has right. that like the tear line at mm. the end of the movie. Like I would have taken a bullet for you, Aww. Dave. And it's just so like, yes, yeah, yeah. It's yes. a lovely movie. Great movie. So yeah. great. Do you, guys, do you guys know the Gremlins two reference in it? Oh, there in the scene in the press conference scene uh, when when Kevin Klein is going to talk about his jobs proposal to get every American a job. Yeah, um, okay. There's a wide shot of all the cameras, and one of the cameras is CCN News Clamp Cable Network. Really? News. Wow! Yeah. Wow! What is Brothers? The, what is well, just because yeah. of Warner Brothers? Like, I guess so. Yeah, like, they just had that prop laying around or something. But that's uh, oh, that's I did not know that. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Wow, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. What a yeah. What a what a weird tie-in. I know. <laughs> uh, that's uh, another reason why we do these. <laughs> yeah. Um, a big biopic for the summer, which doesn't always happen, but uh, you know, this is that time. Of, this is you know when this sure, sort of thing sure, would happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dragon, the Bruce Bruce Lee story, and uh, a really uh, kind of pretty terrific movie. Um, I'm glad you think so. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah. Yeah. much ado about nothing but is it i think it's ever or mm, recently recently okay yeah it's good it is good it's okay. really good it, yeah. i i wrote down like it might be the, the, is this the most romantic film of the year well maybe not after that first wedding scene never mind uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. yeah oh yeah but uh but it, it definitely has that i mean it is so like it's it, great cast great cast yeah. it's so alive like brana this is like when like almost peak Brana, like he's got the pageantry and everyone's just like alive with Shakespeare and he makes it so fun and palpable and, Hmm. and Michael Keaton gets to be whacked out uh, in it, which is, he's so much fun to watch. Um, you have Keanu in it, though. Yeah, that's the one thing I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Keanu is the, yeah, you should not be in this, but, um, but everybody else is, is, is terrific. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah, I really I, I enjoyed I really this enjoyed movie. It. Yeah, I should go back to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad I went and re- rediscovered American Heart because I think I rented it a long time ago on VHS. But this is a terrific film from from Martin Bell, who gave us the uh, documentary Streetwise, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, this is this is more of a fictional story though uh, about a convict that was recently released from prison who reconnects with his son and the father is played by Jeff Bridges. The son is played by Edward Furlong. And of course you have a father and son bonding relationship story and that's automatically going to get to me. But then like you open the film and end the film with incredible Tom Waits songs. And there's a few in the middle too. Um, It's just a great, like, you know, father son story. That's really all it comes down to, you know, and Bridges is doing something that you don't normally see. Uh, He looks different (laughs) than what we're used to. Um, I thought Lucinda Jenny as the love interest was very good, too. She just looks a lot like Naomi Watts in this for some reason. Mm. Like, it just kept being distracted. Like, oh, that looks like Naomi Watts. Uh, No, but I found I was very moved by this movie. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I I liked it, too. It's it's, it's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Well worth seeking out, people. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got buried upon its release. I remember that's was sort of a big thing that it just like it was, it just never got a, a strong yeah. release, even with the with the cast of it. And so yeah, well, it's it's a downer. I oh, mean, it's, it's definitely it's a, a really like yeah. hard movie to sell. Yeah, why I, I liked it. <laughs> it's no excessive force. <laughs> uh, I did not watch Successive Force. I did watch Lost in Yonkers. Um, which oh. is the uh, Neil Simon adaptation directed by Martha Coolidge with uh, Mercedes Ruel and Richard Dreyfuss. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Really good. I, I, I really like this movie. Um, and uh, it's, it's, you get some manic Dreyfuss in the last act, uh, which is always fun. Susan Merson uh, is especially funny as the aunt with this sort of breathing problem when she talks. Like halfway through a sentence, she has to totally talk like this. And it's, <laughs> it's super funny. Um, really excellent performances all around in it. And uh, you know, it's Neil Simon, so it's very it's very based on a play. Uh, Mercedes Ruel's kind of this sort of like childlike woman and who never quite grows up, but she wants to be on her own. And her mother, you know, is, you know, very tries to keep her from wandering off and doing other things. And she's got a couple of nephews uh, and, you know, uh, and they run a, they run an ice cream shop and now it's, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I caught up with this one. It's kind of been lost and buried or something. I don't know. It doesn't, I don't, I, I couldn't find yeah, it on I'd, DVD. I, I forgot all about I, this. I had to get a VHS from the library again <laughs> to watch it. So I'm just so happy that their VHS is still out there. For right. Rent. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That's so great. Yeah, yeah. The library still has some. Yeah. I remember, I think, I, I think our colleague, Dan Geyer, I think gave this movie four stars. Yeah, he did. And um, hmm. I think he predicted that it was going to get like a whole slew of Oscar nominations. At the time, it did. It does seem like Oscar. It feels bait. like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it didn't happen. No, but um, Martha yeah. Coolidge. That's cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I just, I, I should have watched this one. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. good. It's really hmm. good. Um, one, pa- one movie I couldn't get. Another movie I couldn't find was Posse, which I've never I- seen. Go on, and you would shoot not our men. Yep. I've seen Posse. I tried to watch it again because that was uh, Sergio had liked I, that movie yeah, too. Yeah, I figured that sounds like exactly his kind yeah, of movie. Yeah, and uh, I I haven't seen it since '93, and yeah. I tried finding it, and it wasn't. I like even some of my dark web sources, I couldn't find it. <laughs> um, it's but, a great ensemble. Again, yeah, too. well, if you remember the trailer for the movie, that had like those 
like those Robin Hood type shots where like you follow the bullet and stuff like that and like mm-hmm. really like special effects enhanced shots and whatnot. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be really cool. And, I mean, that's only a fraction of mm-hmm. the movie, which itself is just not that interesting. Uh, but it's been 30 years since I've seen it, so that's only my memory of it then. Okay. <clears throat> Should I see Excessive Force? No. Oh, okay. Oh, no. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I'm fascinated by Thomas Ian Griffiths because of Karate Kid Part 3, his performance. Cobra Kai Forever. He just um, cracks me up. Yeah, I haven't, no, I haven't watched is... Cobra Kai. Like he's in it. He's in it now, right? Now, okay. yeah. No, they, okay. they brought they, they brought back everyone from the Karate Kid movies so far, except Hilary Swank. Oh wow, she's the only person that hasn't shown up <laughs> from all those movies. And excessive excessive force is just your generic okay. cop movie with uh, him and Charlotte Lewis from The Golden Child. They have a scene. I'm okay, <laughs> if you want to watch it, maybe. Okay. I liked Hot Shots Part Two quite a bit. When I, Hell when yeah! I, when I first saw it in the theater, I was cracking up. You know, I loved you in Wall Street. We get up at five. At first, I thought they'd handed me the wrong dossier. I couldn't believe they wanted this man dead. Third generation West Point, top of his class, Korea, airborne, about a thousand decorations, etc., etc. I loved you in Wall Street. <laughs> that is a funny. That's moment. a great moment. I think it's that it's. I think the. I think it's this movie and maybe the first one as well. I think they're at their best when they're just doing their own jokes and not doing direct parodies of other movies. Sure. I, I think that's mm-hmm. that's better with that. And when it's Lloyd Bridges, forget it. That's he's a scene stealer <laughs> in both of these movies. So funny. Well, I think like I mean I like both of the Hot Shots movies. The the first one though. F- has even though it's is very funny that one has a little bit more i think of the feel of what you were just referring to like referencing bits and stuff from the other movies this one feels a little more in line with the best of the zucker abrams stuff the style the way that the the jokes are handled uh valerie galino in this movie is hysterical she is really funny in in this movie uh everyone at sheen is 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 he, he was actually really good in both of these movies. Um, and I think this is the one, this is one of the last great parodies. I mean, I, I'm missing something after this, um, not counting the naked gun, uh, the third naked gun movie, of course, but, mm-hmm. but this is like one of the last, like great of that era. Yeah. Um, and maybe of, of, since then, Probably, but I think Hot Shots Part Two is You're really right funny. Now they think about yeah. it, yeah. No, I'd, I'd say Black Dynamite. Well, well, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, almost yeah. a different, almost a different league. But yes, yeah. Black mm-hmm. Dynamite, Fear of a Black Hat, obviously. Yeah. You could say. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, and then we move on to another one of the worst films of the year, uh, another William Baldwin movie. <laughs> Oh, yeah, this is the this... first movie I watched for this, and I oh. barely remember anything about it other than sex on surveillance video cameras. Oh, they wanted this to be, like, basic instinct, but, you know, with a summer release, and because it's got Sharon Stone, and yeah. it's sort of an erotic thriller, and it's Sliver, uh, written by Joe Esterhaas, and um, you what can tell. What a weird writer-director collaboration with Philip Noyce. Well, Philip yeah. Noyce's career is not as great as people like to think it is. Go back and look at Philip Noyce's resume. It's not good. Hmm. It yeah. really isn't. <laughs> and uh, apparently Baldwin and Stone hated each other and wanted their scenes shot separately. And uh, uh, Yeah, I think, yeah. Because yeah. that they totally no works chemistry. when you're doing sex scenes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, 
I, I wrote down, this is not so much an erotic thriller so much as an erotically dumb thriller. Uh, I don't know what I meant by that. Erotically but it's like, dumb. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's, that's, I guess I guess I meant... It I, is dumb. It is very dumb because the female lead has two men who are really into her. One is Tom Berenger, who's a complete idiot, mm-hmm. and the other one is William Baldwin, enough said. Um, she's And she's thoroughly charmed at every creeper move that these two put on her because it's a Joe Esterhaus script, and that's, you know, the par for the course. Uh, second worst film of the year for me, so... I mean, yeah, I, this bad. is, it, yeah, it's bad. And, but this is a movie that would be fascinating. I, I, I want to see a documentary about the making of this movie because yeah. you, like, oh, I would watch that. Liked it. Right. Yeah. Like, are yeah. you aware, like how this movie was supposed to end? Do you know? I remember yeah, vaguely, but refresh my memory. Well, I mean, the, well, I think the, the, or, the, the killer like changed hands like a couple times, like who it is now in the final product. It was like originally supposed to be William Baldwin. Okay. Is, is the killer and whatnot. But this movie was supposed to end with Sharon Stone and William Baldwin in a helicopter flying over an active volcano <laughs> and Baldwin, like, jumping into it. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I'm not... I mean, this is, like, that was, you like, might the like original... It then, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Um, I, I don't know how they got to the helicopter. Like, you watch the movie and just, like, you... There's like, no helicopter. Right, like, how does that even <laughs> play out? Um... But the, like they end up, you know, shooting this other ending where, you know, oh sorry, spoiler, Tom Berenger is the bad guy in the movie. Yeah, which does you can tell it's a reshoot. It's just like it, like it doesn't make any <laughs> sense for, like the rest of the movie. It's just like okay, I'll just make him the killer. Okay. Yeah, exactly. What a waste. It's terrible. Ugh. Bad, bad, bad. That's a bad movie. Bad, bad, bad. Mm-hmm. The first of two dinosaur movies, though. Well, yeah, Roger Corman, <laughs> Roger Corman, uh, you know, knew what was coming, which we'll get to. But uh, he got he had to get his Carnosaur movie out there first, yeah. uh, direct-to-video Carnosaur movie. No, it's not good. No, it's terrible. <laughs> it's no. pretty terrible. But Diane Ladd, oh my God, Diane yeah. Ladd's performance but this is but, so uh, insane. And But the, this Carnosaur to me is infamous because of what happened with Siskel and Ebert that year. Do you remember I how this played out? I think no. so. Siskel gave thumbs up to Carnosaur. That's right. Okay. That's and, right. And uh, thumbs down. Ebert called it the worst film of the year. That's right. And in and in turn, uh Ebert gave Cop and a Half right. a positive review <laughs> and Siskel called that the worst film of the year. Yeah. So oh my God. the juxtaposition on their worst show is quite humorous. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Wow. Um it's terrible. But that's <laughs> interesting that Diane Ladd's in this and then Laura Dern's in another movie. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yep. 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 Mm-hmm. And um. And but uh. Then we got a huge hit. Uh. Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone in Cliffhanger, directed by Rennie Harlan. One of the few Rennie Harlan movies I like. Yeah. Oh, uh, this I. Yeah. I. I enjoy Cliffhanger. I remember. I remember seeing it in the theater, and uh, that opening sequence really just oh, did yeah. something Ooh. for me. That was mm-hmm. that was yeah, hard to watch. Fear of heights. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> um. But it's still. I think it holds up. I think it's still really enjoyable, fun, escapist, blow them up. Stallone. Lithgow is the bad guy. Lithgow, oh, that's I mean, right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that's good. a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's this weird a, that Michael Rooker isn't a bad guy in this. He's the good guy. Well, he's kind of the he's the the Days of Thunder bad guy, where he's the bad guy. He's the adversary. He's because he's pissed at Stallone oh, because okay. of, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. his girlfriend died. But then they that's have to, true. Right. They have to become friends again. Mm-hmm. Um. But you, I mean, do you remember how hyped this movie was? Like the trailers for this. this oh movie yeah. And whatnot. Were, yeah. It, it was, was all over. huge. And mm-hmm. you would think that it would have done better <laughs> given how hyped this movie was because it's, it's like big Stallone return to. Like, I think it was big still a big movies. hit, right? What well, eighty four million? I mean, oh, okay. it I did it fine, lot, but I it was a lot more. No, it didn't. It it um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it still did fine. Yeah. But 
No, I like it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. Certainly better than Super Mario Brothers, uh, uh, which oh I also God. noticed you brought uh, along there in your DVD pile. Yeah, because, uh, again, it's hard to find. Well. But I did find it, mm-hmm. and I did watch it again. Yeah. Well, I, I I think I watched it when it first came out, but I don't remember it all. In theaters, I saw it. And it's horrible. Give it to me, baby. Okay. Trust yeah. the fungus, Colin. Trust the fungus. Well, I, I mean, it's certainly a bad movie where... You know, everything went wrong, and you can tell. Oh, like, God, that, Bob Hoskins said, like, this was the worst experience yeah. he's ever had. And yet, when you watch him and Leguizamo, you can tell they're trying. Oh, yeah, like, they were they're, drunk. They're they were drunk. drunk. They drank a lot. Yeah. That's yeah. how they got through it. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, so, I mean, it's like, it's I I, I feel like it's not their fault at all. No, but, it, no, 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 no. But, no, the movie itself is, yeah, not good. Yeah, I guess it was it a husband and wife? Rocky team? Morton and Annabelle Jinkle, yeah. who did Max Hedrum and DOA. Yeah. Oh, DOA. Yeah, 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 yeah. As much as I love Samantha Mathis, take a drink. Uh, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I. I didn't bring this up when I interviewed her for a reason, because I. I it's you didn't so, want her to punch you. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. But yet, someone commented on the blog. Why didn't you talk about Super Mario Brothers? Yeah, right. Because it's so infamous that you just you want. I think there's a small cult following behind yeah. this. Oh, there either is. Yeah. yeah. I don't another, think they like the movie though. Another movie where I would watch a documentary about the making. Oh yeah, of it. yeah. Oh, it was yeah. a tra- it was a horror. Yeah, yeah. There's so much shit going on <laughs> behind the scenes with this. Right. So. No, don't see it, people. It's a no. waste. But uh, the Hughes brothers uh, broke yeah. big during this during this period with Menace to Society, which uh, was kind of continues at the um, L.A. gang genre that was very big at this time, mm-hmm. you know, falling in with uh, New Jack City and Boys in the Hood and South Central and movies like that. Right. Um, and, but uh, this was a, a really like strong and confident debut that no uh, really, really holds up. I, I still like this movie quite Me a bit. Me too. Yeah. Hard to watch though. I yeah. mean, it, oh, it's it's yeah. it's it's a br- it's kind of a brutal movie, yeah, and particularly the way it ends and yeah. everything. And um, yeah, I, I I didn't go back to watch it because of that reason. Because I remember having such a reaction to it. I'm like, oh, that was not <sighs> yeah. Fun it's to it's sit hard through. to sit through. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Uh, I have never seen Made in America, and I guess I never will. It's not good. I no. think it's on Tubi. No, it's not. Oh, it isn't. No. <laughs> I checked last night. It's, huh? Tubi yeah. is too good for this movie. I guess so. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I this is, I mean, this, you know, is probably, again, more known because at the time Whoopi Goldberg and Ted Danson were a yep. thing, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, which led to unfortunate things that Ted Danson did in public. Um, yeah, that was a big controversy. Uh, yeah, Ted Danson did a blackface at a roast yeah. uh, oh. thing, and that was a, and I mean, this is 93. I mean, when you think about all the blackface incidents we've had since then, this is 93, so people we're aware that was not good then. Yeah. And people have still continued to do it for 30 years. Mm. Um, but Whoopi Goldberg defended him. It was her idea. Yeah, it was her idea. Yeah. It was her idea. Um, so she, she, she wanted to take the, take the blame for it and whatnot. So she, she approved it, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not good. No, it's not. No. Good. Yeah. Will Smith. I think I might've seen it in the theater role. with my mom, but I don't remember much other than like Nia Long being charming, but you know, yeah, that's, she she does a much better job later yeah. on in it's, Love it's, Jones. It's not horrible, no, but it's not good. No. It's yeah. thoroughly mediocre. Okay. So I guess we move on to June now. Um, so we're almost halfway done. 
Uh, yeah, it feels like we're making really good time. We are because we're in person. <laughs> we're not sitting here. Maybe like, that's what, what were you going to say? No, you go ahead. No, you talk. <laughs> no, you talk. No, it's your turn to talk. None of that crap. We're uh, making great time. I wonder if this will be seven hours now. I'm really no. curious. I but, don't think it will be. People no. depends be on what movie we're going to talk about next. <laughs> Uh, well, seven life, hours I'm guilty as well. Life, yeah. life with Mikey's boy is just a, a lot to unpack there. No, I'm just kidding. But, no, um, no. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Oh, he, he's I doing think a bit. I saw Guilty as <laughs> yeah. Sin because Larry Cohen wrote it. I want to say Sidney Lumet directed it. Yeah, Sidney Lumet directed Larry it. Larry Cohen directed or uh, Larry no. Cohen wrote it. I'm did he really fairly sure? But uh, it was all right. I mean, I hadn't seen it in maybe like ten years. It's but it's thoroughly think, generic. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, you know, Don Johnson's murder. I guess I like murder. courtroom drama thriller things I get in that. general. Legal, legal thrillers or whatever you want yeah. to call it. But Yes, Larry Cohen wrote it. Wow. Interesting. I, I, I don't even remember. Stephen like, Lang, What's Jack the hook Gordon. of that movie then? Like that Larry Cohen. I don't know. Because it's just it's just Don Johnson's accused of murder. Rebecca DeMay, DeMornay, yeah, defends him. him. Do they they have a love affair in the movie? They, they I hook think up. so. Yeah, right? Um Kind of, and then like at the end, you find out that he did it, right? It's just like it's every other. It's body of evidence, just rolls reversed, <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The body of evidence did not have Louis Guzman, so no, too uh, bad. Okay, but uh, <laughs> getting back to life with Mikey, if you don't mind. Sorry, <laughs> just kidding. Um, Kyle <laughs> has a lot to unpack about this movie. You didn't hey, hear. it's a Christmas Wait movie. I didn't know that. For love and money. Then I'll is it a Christmas movie? It is a Christmas movie. Okay. Um, and I didn't know that until I watched it because I had never seen it before. But oh. um, Michael J. Fox is a, a talent agent for kids, and um, you know what? I actually kind of like this movie. Mm. Oh, it's okay. Actually, it's got a, it's got some charm to it. I mean, you know, big part of that is Fox. Yeah. But um, I remember just thinking, you know, and, and a lot of the kids are actually kind of funny in it too. And, uh, and it's a lot of the industry stuff and it works. It's not great by any stretch. It's, it's kind of, you know, kind of falls apart towards the end, but, uh, um, city loppers in it. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, it's, it's, it's a cute movie. It's a cute, entertaining little three star. Mm. I always thought know. it was trash. So I just never no. bothered. No, it was never, trash. never trash. I was, oh, low, okay. I was just kind of, I mean, the, the stuff that Fox was doing up to that point, I, Hmm. I was I was obviously a huge fan of yeah sure and, and this one eh, it, it, I was like a yeah. two and a half star yeah, not yeah, no, again that, not terrible but yeah. like it felt like it was just short of mm-hmm. what it what it could have been yeah so. hmm. okay All right. not the first time I'll say that this year <laughs> um, but one another movie I caught up with that I'd never seen before is Orlando um, certainly the most unique period piece costume drama of this era. I don't even know how to describe it. It is hard to describe, actually. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's based on a Virginia Woolf mm-hmm. book. Tilda Swinton, early Elizabeth, role for Tilda yeah, Swinton. Elizabeth, Elizabethan area. Yeah. 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 No, it's a weird movie from uh, Sally Potter, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, it's uh, it, 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 it does not go the usual route of your average costume drama. I don't even, not even story-wise, but like stylistically, there's breaking of the fourth wall. There's jump leaps in time uh, that happen in it. And uh, I, I found it fascinating. I, I was I glad I caught it's up with it. It's very dreamlike at times. And yeah. I, I watched this a year ago with my mom. And unlike Ethan Frome, I was very impressed and kind of engaged by it. Just... Because it does touch on gender fluidity in a very interesting way. And obviously when you cast someone like Tilda Swinton, you can pull that off pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, yeah, like a, a, a period piece that sort of like tries to normalize like being non-binary in, in a way. I know it's like more yeah. of the androgynous side of things. But it's still, it's an interesting movie about 
growth and transformation. I, I, I was really floored by it. I'm, I'm, I want to watch it again sometime in the near future. Was this sort of one of the, like the first big roles for Tilda Swinton? Yeah. I think it was the first Must time be. I was, became aware of her. Yeah. Was this movie. Yeah. This and I don't know when the, when was the deep end? Like a few years later, a few years later. Yeah. That's kind of when I, yeah. 94, know. 95, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's great in this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But now we are getting to the movie that just stomped everything in its path and a few movies before. Maybe this is why Cliffhanger didn't quite do as well mm. as it should have. But, uh, I mean, what else can you say about Steven Spielberg's Jurassic Park? Never heard of it. Um, <laughs> Theater Field One in Schaumburg, uh, Woodfield, uh, with the DTS sound, which was brand first, first time used. Yep, first yep. movie to ever wow. use it. Wow! And um, first time to do a lot of things with special effects, and uh, it was just uh, everything in its path is just like forget it. It's it's Spielberg owns the summer, and he it's the first time he would own the summer since 1982. Um, like right. really owned wow. it. Really like, owned really it. Owned yeah. It. yeah. Um, couple Indiana Jones movies, yes, but you know there were a lot of other there stuff. Was there was also Batman and Ghostbusters, that, right? Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, this was a big. This is a comeback movie for him because you know, Always nice. and Hook, not not big uh, successes, but this one was just like this is why he. This is why he's the man. This is why he's the master. Uh, it it it. I think it's it holds up really well. It um, sure does. It, it is. Yeah. I, I I watched it again last night. That was like, but <laughs> I, I ended my whole ninety three binge watch with 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 the biggest. You yeah. know, uh, ended on a big high note. And I'll tell you what I, we watched before that in a few minutes. But um, <laughs> but uh, no. I and I remember this summer, my friend, a uh, friend of mine was uh, had heard of, he, he'd gotten wind about some like Jurassic Park symposium thing that was happening in Kauai where they shot the film and uh, a lot of the people behind the scenes were going to be there uh, including Stan Winston, Gary Rydstrom um, uh, Phil Tippett and um, the cinematographer uh, uh, Cundy Cundy thank yes. you Dean yeah. Cundy mm-hmm. and um and Michael Crichton and Jerry Mullen were going to be there. And uh, so we went. We, we, we bought tickets and we went. And that's where I got some of this paraphernalia that I have here, uh, including uh, this Jurassic Park um, oh, wow. uh, map that uh, you see in the movie, the yeah. little pamphlets. And I got mine signed by uh, Stan Winston and Jerry Mullen and Gary Rydstrom oh, and uh, Dean Kundi. Oh, man, Ooh. this is a treasure for me. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean, the movie is just, uh, it's still, uh, you know, an awesome spectacle. And I remember seeing seeing the 3d conversion about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was fantastic, especially since I hadn't seen the movie. And at that point I hadn't seen the movie in like well over 15 years. Mm -hmm. And I kind of forgot about some of the stuff that happened in it. So it was almost like seeing it for the first time again. I'm, I'm simply saying that life, uh, finds a way. There's a reason why this movie 
reached a whole generation of film lovers, you know. In the library recently, I just overheard somebody in the background, because it's not the quietest library downtown Chicago, I have to say. You will hear random noises, you will hear things, and then I just heard somebody, maybe it was on a different floor, it could have been on ours, and they were on the other side, but I just heard, it's like... Gosh, this this that score will is just like embedded into everybody's oh, yeah. subconscious at oh, this yeah. point. Everything about this movie is remarkable. And when I first saw this, I was unfortunately maybe brainwashed by certain people who will sh- shall remain nameless. But uh, I listened to him on the radio a lot, and he was just always like, Spielberg oh, the, the is The one person who doesn't like this movie. <laughs> yeah. And I saw it, and I was just like, yeah, this is yeah, this is pretty great. Um, but now I... I've I'm pretty much on I've joined the cult of Spielberg love, you know. As I've gotten older, even the water's warm. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Finally, I'm yeah. there. It was like when I saw ET at the drive-in with Colin. I'm like, oh my god, what, what's what's wrong with me? I love this guy. I love everything about his movies. Pretty much. I mean, he's had some clunkers, but this is this is definitely not one of them. I, I will say it takes a little while to get going, just a little bit. But yeah. once it kicks in. Once that T-Rex attacks, this is just relentless, and it's breathtaking. And, yeah, I just, I mean, now I love this movie, truly. See, I love, the, I mean, I, I love this movie, obviously. Of course. And, <laughs> duh. You have eyes Right, and yes, ears. exactly. I have two ears and a heart. Um, but uh, but when you say, like, the, like the movie took takes a while to get going, I mean, the thing that I love about it's a Spielberg's slow movies, yeah, yeah. not even so much as a slow build, but, like, I love all the dialogue. Oh sure, that, sure. Like yeah, them yeah, yeah. setting up the, this whole situation, that whole conversation they have around the lunch table about that is is really as, as beautifully shot, beautifully acted, mm-hmm. and beautifully written. Uh, and the, the Spielberg often doesn't get credit for the scripts that get commissioned for him. That he, you know, there, there's something. It, it can't just be a coincidence that he gets like these scripts that do have these some really interesting conversations and dense dialogue and people talking over each other and stuff like yeah, that. Even the little informational video. Right. Like is, so Spielberg yeah. clearly has, to, I mean, he's written obviously a few screenplays, but there's clearly, he's molding something to, to, to make these scenes work and whatnot. And I mean, I, I still remember, you know, there, there are so many great movie experiences you have. And I remember Thursday night sneak preview yep. at yeah. Whitfield one. We and were probably at the same one. Probably at the same one. <laughs> yeah. I was all, like third row, right. <laughs> that's where I was watching and I I, mean, I walked in we walked in just a moment late and we walked into the theater and it's the attack at the beginning with and I'm like I'm sitting there like he gets shoved into he's pulled into the to the cage, cage and whatnot yeah. and then his body goes upwards I'm like holy shit yeah like, I'm like oh my god yeah. we're in for something here uh and then you know that the, the score and I mean I I I, I wept when the Brachiosaurus makes that first appearance. Oh, and sure. The, and, the, and the score comes. I'm like, holy hell. Everything's changed. Yeah. Like, like I, I said, oh, that, now, like, yeah. what a beautiful cinematic moment. And it's just a reveal of a special, of a new brand of special effect. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's basically what it is. It's a, it's this calling card moment. And yet the, the music and the performance and when Sam Neill's like it's a dinosaur and like that's what we're all doing in the yeah, audience like yeah, oh, holy sure. shit we got a dinosaur yeah. on the screen the that we've never seen changed. before this is not baby secret of the lost legend anymore baby this <laughs> is a, they, they're able to do this now and then and then Spielberg just takes an entire new generation and gives them their jaws yeah more or less i mean i'd say i'm not saying that they're, they're, they're the same movie but for two generations 
he did it again. Yeah. For, yeah, this was a gateway for a lot of people. A huge gateway. Mm-hmm. And the people that I know that were young at that time talk about this movie the way that we talk about Jaws. Mm-hmm. They, they talk about it as this, like, one of the great movie-going experiences of their lives. And you, you see it. That's all there on the screen. And it's, it's the, the, the set pieces are fantastic. That T-Rex scene still is one of the, the scariest, oh God, yeah. you know, most incredible moments. Uh, and then, you know, the raptor scene. I don't care if it's serial killers in a kitchen, as some people might like to say. It's, it's, it's one so of the most good. tensest <laughs> yeah. sequences in the movie. Absolutely. And, yeah, it's just, it's, it's yeah. Yeah. Everything about it is great. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the only thing that lets me down from it is, like, the way it just kind of just ends. And I, that always kind of bugs me about it. But other than that, like... Just the T-Rex coming back and saving the day kind of Yeah, thing. well, like, but then it's like... The, the, they fly off. They just kind of fly off, and it just yeah. kind of ends. And the last line of the movie is, I'm not going to endorse endorse your park. And I was kind of like, well, I, I feel like a, a, a yeah. scr- another screenwriter could have nailed it better than David Kett. But, uh, but other than You're that... You're probably right. Other than that, like, the movie works like gangbusters. Gangbusters. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's special. Yeah, I think at the time... I. Just was like dinosaurs. All right, fine. I'm not, I was never huge into dinosaurs, but and I was just like this weird skeptic about like spiel. Like uh, I don't know. I I You're bought. A snob. Yeah, yeah, I bought into like the <laughs> uh, like the cynical sort of like uh, he's just too sentimental. I don't listen know. to too much. He to just used, yeah, yeah. That's probably it. Yeah. yeah, but no, I love it now. Um, <laughs> and then we got uh, on the other side of the fence um, <laughs> from the director of Poltergeist Two comes. Wait, what's, Wait, which what's love got to do with what's it? love got to do with it? Really? That's yeah. the same director? Isn't that weird? I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm Tina Turner. My husband and I just had a fight. I'm supposed to open at the academy tonight. I have 36 cents on a mobile card. But if you would give me a room, I swear I will pay you back. No, 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 Please. that won't be necessary. Now, Miss Turner, I'd, I'd be honored, really. We'll, we'll take care of you. Well, this was the um, Tina Turner biopic with Angela Bassett and um, uh, Lawrence Fishburne and uh, about playing Ike and Tina Turner. And, uh, yeah, this is also kind of a hard watch. Uh-huh. Uh, the performances mm. are great, but, man, it is it is brutal because it was, uh, it was a brutal relationship. Full of a lot of yeah. physical and mental abuse. That's why I didn't go back to it. But I, I know it's powerful and it's yeah, remarkably well acted. <laughs> clearly. Yeah. I did I did go back to it because I was yeah. I wanted to see how it played, having seen the the Tina documentary that HBO play, which is really good. If people haven't oh, really? seen that, I yeah, recommend I that, that. Yeah. very highly. Yeah. Um and I, I was I was surprised how much watching the movie again, how much they played into the idea that the t- Tina Turner at the time made how many apologies she was making for Ike Turner and his behavior mm. and whatnot. Hmm. That's, you know, I think as time goes on, I think that's something that a screenwriter and a filmmaker might want to whitewash a little bit and make her a little bit more heroic earlier on. But the movie really does a great job. I think of showing you how she had to build up to that courage yeah. and whatnot. And I think that's, what's what was really good and, and makes it sets it apart from, I think, a lot of other music biopics. I mean, like get it, get on up with the James Brown thing really shied away from the violent aspects of yeah. him. And this movie shows it to you full on. Brutally. And the mm-hmm. two performances by Bassett and Fishburne are extraordinary. 
it's the best thing. I still think it's the best thing Bassett's ever done. And can our good friend Sergio say, Angela Bassett played Tina Turner, and she's been playing Tina Turner ever since. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I tend to agree with that uh, a, a little bit, but she's great in this movie, and so is Fishburne. Yeah. I think it's the best thing Fishburne's ever done. I think he's amazing in this movie. I think you're yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, definitely. watched last night before Jurassic Park, the biggest hit of the summer, biggest hit of the year, was one of the biggest bombs of the year, uh, The Last Action Hero with cue, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Cue the ACDC song. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's an interesting movie I, I because you can totally see why it bombed, uh, <laughs> and yet I enjoy it. Like. I, yeah, I'm a yeah. fan. <laughs> it's fine. It's, I like it. No, no, you don't. <laughs> um, I, can, I can tell you don't. I can tell you don't. Nah, you don't. don't stand up yeah. to us, Jim. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, even when I saw it, I just thought the kid drove me nuts. I don't like the kid. I no. I, I see where you. Yeah, I, I, I can that. see that. Yeah. yeah, that's really my main crit- criticism yeah. of it because I do like things about it, and I like there's a lot of funny sight gags, and certainly like just oh, there's uh Sharon Stone and uh, the term or Robert Patrick mm-hmm. coming out of the police right. station. And, right. Yeah, there's little things like that, and certainly seeing who plays the Terminator in the video store. That oh, right. Is, that's yeah. funny. Good gag. Yeah. yeah. I just, I don't know. I thought they could have done a little bit more with, like, making it, you know, the Purple Rose of Cairo only for the action genre. And, you know. Uh, it it kind of, you know, it goes into, like, it, it, it takes on one too many story elements in that third act. Like Yeah. That, that, the third like, act goes, suffers it a little bit. Yeah. Charles yeah. Dance sort of, like, goes after other, well, he goes after the, uh, What's what's his he name? He gets the Grim Reaper and yeah, yeah. yeah. This is like okay. Now we're now we're. I can go and get Freddy Krueger. I can go to like that right. speech yeah. he gives is really funny. Yeah. No, I mean it, it. It loses some momentum in that third act and by taking on one too many things. But yeah. um, but no, I th- I think there's a lot of funny stuff in this, and you know it's written by Shane Black, and so I I uh so it's it's it. But it was like way too meta for 1993, like that sort of thing. Just like wasn't really. I would have liked to have seen Joe Dante do this. Black, movie. I think, did a polish <laughs> on the movie. He wasn't his original script. Oh, he Zach Penn is okay. one of the original writers. Uh, one of his first screenplays, actually. Zach okay. Penn. Um. But yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I think that when the movie is really focused on doing a parody of the action, the, the heavy action Schwarzenegger uh, stuff, it's it's really funny. Yeah, um, like yeah. I mean, I think sometimes they they overestimate their parody skills a little bit, like the whole, like the how fancy the police department 
is and mm-hmm. whatnot. Just like that's, I think they're over, <laughs> like yeah. they, they're overextending what they think went on. I mean, because not all police departments look like that, obviously, yeah. and that's part of the joke. But it, like they elevated it really high. Uh, but this, but this Schwarzenegger is really funny. Mm-hmm. Schwarzenegger is really funny. I'll be back. Ha! You did not gonna say that, did you? That's what you always say. I do. Everybody keeps waiting for you to work it in. It's kind of like your calling card. Yeah, I just I have a good time watching it. Yeah, it's fine. But uh, <laughs> but I, but I would. <laughs> But I would be curious, like Jimmy said, Joe Dante should have directed it. That's a good person to have on the list of interesting directors because I wonder if, if maybe just John McTiernan isn't quite the right, you know, fit for this one because he's basically a serious action director yeah. up until this film. Uh, not that he did a bad job because there's there's a lot of entertaining, funny stuff in it. Yeah. But it's like I wonder, like, if we did another screenplay polished and and bring in a director with a real you know, since yeah. the real knack for this sort of thing, like Dante or somebody else, uh, could have been a, you know, like even even better. Um, I think because like you, because you don't want to fake. Because if you're doing a parody of action movies, you have to make it as over the top as possible. And I yeah. don't know if Joe Dante would have been up to doing something along the levels of like the the whole funeral scene with the wrecking ball and whatnot. That's right. that's a, that's so <laughs> over the top, and that feels like something that McTiernan could could do very well. That's true. Um, I mean, like Rennie Harlan could have you know even done stuff like that. You, you want someone who could do the over the top action. Yeah. Um, but if you think the comedy works, then yeah, it it works. And yeah. I, Dante obviously could have sold some of that stuff uh particularly in the last third like dante i would like dante to do the last third yeah yeah that would have been comes to the real world yeah mm-hmm. and whatnot mm-hmm. and they're in the movie theater i think that dante really would have had a yeah yeah <laughs> what Jack, an he, killed, he killed mozart <laughs> i love Mo that who? <laughs> and also like it was actually pretty innovative with um in, in the opening scene where uh or He's watching the trailer for Hamlet. He's got. He's a man. The kid oh, is Hamlet. Oh, the Hamlet. Yeah, that's funny. Nick mixing the color in black and white. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it looks mm-hmm. damn good for, yeah. for yeah, 1993. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, Claudius, <laughs> you killed my father. <laughs> Big mistake. <laughs> and uh, you mentioned the video store scene. It's the rare video store in a movie that has movies from all studios, not ah, just Columbia okay. TriStar. You know, like oh, interesting. Yeah, every. I don't know. I. I I don't know if it's interesting. It was interesting to me just like because I always look at video stores and movies and see like, oh, this is clearly a Warner Brothers owned video store because every yeah. movie they have is from Warner Brothers or you know Columbia or Universal or whatever. But no, hey, Last Action Hero went all over the place, so I appreciate that little bit of set mm-hmm. design. Hey, Mr. Wilson, I'm sick. Never saw Dennis, Dennis the, Menace. the Menace. I guess I never will. Oh, it's okay i mean it's it's home alone it becomes home alone yeah yeah only outside with the well it's written by john hughes right yes yeah Yeah. i actually saw this at a like an audience sneak preview they had it was like Mm -hmm. a woodfield and they had like you know they hand out the cards and you can come see a sneak preview of dennis the menace and whatnot and i think i think the movie works up to the point where christopher lloyd enters the movie uh, yeah they, I agree. they bring in this villain and then it just becomes a home alone retread the, the stuff between dennis and walter Matthau feels like the definitive dennis the menace type stuff and it's 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 actually kind of amusing but it and, feels and like, was really good oh he is very yeah good. he's yeah, very good I, in it the feels movie. like yeah they're like oh we got john hughes on board let's 
do the Home Alone thing, yeah. and then people will love it. And then what his like Christopher Lloyd like he's carrying a switchblade, and it's just like why does this movie get dark? Yeah, all of a sudden it's just it's yeah the, the last third of this last forty five minutes slapsticky with the way he tries to yeah, yeah it's not mm-hmm. good. confront him, but yeah, yeah, weird Nick Castle made this, but mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and then uh, June ends with one of the most uh, famous romantic comedies of all time, uh, Sleepless in Seattle, which reunites Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Aww. Although I cried at the end of the Dirty Dozen. Well, who did Because Jim Brown was throwing these hand grenades down these air, air shafts, and Richard Jekyll and Lee Marvin were sitting on top of this armored <laughs> personnel carrier that dressed up like Nazis. And oh, yes. Trini Lopez. Trini <laughs> He busted his neck when they were parachuting down behind the Nazi line. Stop it. Richard Jekyll, at the beginning, he had on his shiny helmet because he was EMP. Please, no more. Oh, oh, God, I love that movie. I mean, this is where a lot of rom-com tropes of today sort of comes from. You know, you got a lot of them here. Some of them don't work as well for me today, but because it's Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, it, it goes down easy and it's very easy to watch and very charming. Exactly. And that's that's kind of you know, and Nora Ephron, uh, her directorial debut, or maybe she did one before. Did she direct? This oh, is she my did, life. This is, is my life. life. Yeah, that's no, right. This is my yeah. life. Yeah. Uh, but she wrote and directed this one, and um, no, it's good. It still holds up. I really like it. I do too, actually. Yeah. And uh, Bill Pullman and Rosie O'Donnell are in it as well. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Rita Wilson's in it. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, Rob yeah. Reiner. Right, and Reiner's... It's um, based around, like, the affair... To, is it an affair to remember? Fair to remember. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah. the movie that all the women are crying at and the guys don't get. Cause, <laughs> yeah. And that, and that whole the bit dozen. with the Dirty Dozen speech <laughs> yes. is really funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, that's the the thing. I actually, it's just funny. I did a, this, like, movie character quiz last year. I was asked to do this movie character quiz, um, and it was, it was like 100 questions. It was crazy. <laughs> and at the end of it, uh, I was paired as Tom Hanks Sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> so all right so all there right. you go i'm just okay, you know, okay. little side bit i don't know what that yeah. you know i mean yeah. like yeah that makes sense i suppose i like the talk radio element just like oh it's a long it's distance a sweet movie romance it's, yeah kind i mean of, even like yeah. bill, even bill pullman is like just like yeah i get it like yeah. go after all right go for it yeah. yeah. go i understand <laughs> go get it like even he that's he the ultimate up. fantasy in this film is that breakup it's like yeah yeah no this is clearly we're clearly in fantasy land here right but yeah i know yeah it's like the that, opposite that's, of that's the literally the movie and... giving the audience permission to say this is okay yeah <laughs> it's like oh bill pullman says go for it i guess we have to go along with it okay. i just yeah. wonder if they work out in the end i don't know yeah hmm hmm I think they do. Yeah, it's Tom so. Hanks. It's Tom Christ Hanks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who doesn't get along? Meg with Ryan Tom might Hanks. have cheated on him, but <laughs> with Russell wow. Crowe. <laughs> okay, all right. All right. Got it. You okay. got it. Okay, all right. Okay. Okay. Then. Break. <laughs> Let's take a break. On that note. Dress 
Bendini, Lambert, and Locke was the only one sent out. We want you. Do you have a, an offer in mind? It includes a bonus schedule. And we'd lease you a new Mercedes. Plus a low-interest mortgage. As in home? With grass around? And a two-car garage. These are nice people, Abby. Okay, I'm more impressed with it than you are. You grew up with it. Did you ever think I'd make a six-figure salary? Absolutely. Since we deal primarily in tax and securities, our clients are very wealthy. We keep each other's secrets. I don't want anyone with family money. I'm not sure I follow. They want you lean and hungry. If all your money comes from one source, then you tend to be very loyal to that source. The Firm with Tom Cruise, directed by Sidney Pollack. And not just Tom Cruise, like it's a pretty big ensemble in this one. Yeah. Uh, Gene Hackman. At one point, uh, Holly Hunter and Gary Busey, like completely turn the movie into a comedy you know, <laughs> at one at one point mm-hmm. uh very entertaining uh uh scene they the scenes they have together yeah um but uh well i i don't know this movie i i wasn't i mean i remember liking it back then but i haven't seen it in 30 years and i was really struck by how much i really enjoyed it this time around um I, it is kind of i mean it's a two and a half hour maybe two hour and 40 minute yeah. uh kind of flies thriller. by it really does. I mean, it, you're it, watching it is sort of tantamount to binge watching because it, it you you do want to like get to the next like as if like you want to get to the next episode and see what happens next mm-hmm. and yeah 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 and totally. it keeps going like that and um you know didn't quite buy the Hackman redemption towards the end mm. but uh the rest of it I think is is rock solid and everyone is just crushing it. I mean, just it, you know, it's it's. It's a really just a, a, a terrific legal thriller. It, um, it crackles. Yeah, and it does. I mean, it's. I mean, it was the sort of the, it was the first of the big. You know, John Grisham was the you know the cause celebre of the literary world at the moment. The you know the airport thriller basically, and this was. I mean, it wasn't his first novel, but it was the, the big. A time to kill was, but the, this was the big one. And I remember reading it, and uh, they change a lot in the second half of the movie, but I think for the better mm-hmm. in many respects. And, the, and like in the book, like he never confesses what happens on the beach to his wife. Okay, you know that's sort of a big oh, change yeah, that, that they made in the big. movie, and it, and uh, like her like helping him and stuff like that. That's all for the movie. But like you said, I mean the cast is so great. I mean, the, the, I mean everyone will be saying that a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, absolutely, and. Um, and like it's like you get to that point where it's just like it's the, the tension builds so big and it's just it's fun to just have them just start chasing each other around for a change. Yeah. Um. And it it yeah it works for me. The the ending is the it's it's it, that kind the invention of, of the ending is kind of crazy because at the end of the book they just get on a boat and leave. Well, that's Basically. what I thought. I, I, yeah. I remember reading like that the that the book is more like it's not a thriller. It's mostly them looking through files and and reading stuff. Oh, I, I don't agree wrong? with that. No, no? no the book is the okay. book is very much. I mean, they they capture the sort of the spirit, the tone of the book because okay. it is a run for your life kind of thriller. But it is a lot of yeah. I mean, copying papers and stuff like that. But yeah. by the end of it, it's like they all get on a boat and they're just like, I don't know if they're gonna ever catch us. And, yeah, you mm-hmm. know, they run off and whatnot. So. Um, much different than the, the movie, but they they come up upon a kind of an eloquent little solution 
for it all, I think, and what uh, the Tom Cruise character has to end up doing. Yeah, and, it goes by the book, really. Yeah, and, and, like, it, and it follows the theme of the movie where he talks about like what the government can do to you and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was it's it's, it's quite an elegant because it's one of those thriller. movies where you think like, oh, where's he gonna side with, you know, or where's he gonna choose his allegiance? And right. then he ultimately says like, you know what, I'm gonna do this my way as a lawyer. You yeah, know? and I think I like that approach. And you uh, don't own me, they don't own me. Yeah. And Dean Norris is there very briefly and credited as the squat man. Yeah, because he's, uh, he's the other guy. He's the other yeah. killer. And great score by Dave Grusin, yeah. too. That's Terrific a, score. Piano driven. Yeah. yeah, really good. Really yeah. good. Uh, yeah, it's excellent. Uh, and then another excellent thriller uh, aimed at grown-ups uh, in the line of fire. Oh, we can work something out. Fuck you. Frank, don't fucking lie to me. I have a rendezvous with death. And so does the president. And so do you, Frank, if you get too close to me. You have a rendezvous with my ass, motherfucker. Directed by William Peterson. Not William Peter. Wolfgang Peterson. <laughs> <Wow>. Sorry. <laughs> w. Peterson. I'm going to, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, Wolfgang Peterson. And um, and uh, well, I want to say Rene Russo yeah. is the love interest. Yeah, which that's is, the only thing I don't well, like. Yeah, that's the part that I don't like. But yeah. uh, <laughs> everything else is, yeah. Talk about crackles. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And Malkovich is Malkovich a villain. Malkovich is incredible. Uh, Oscar nominated yep. for this one. Screenplay nominated too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, and it's you know, it's about the Secret Service and the life of the Secret Serviceman. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of tragic too. It's like he was involved with the JFK assassination early on, right? So he doesn't want history to repeat itself. Yeah, no. This is a this is a, a, a terrific thriller, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it does have that. Well, wait, they got to have sex, you know, <laughs> you know, just like the player. Are they going to screw? Yeah. <laughs> like, Eastwood and there. Russo, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, Say that a lot throughout Eastwood's career. It's yeah. <laughs> later on. Yeah. yeah, but no, it's it's a terrific movie. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, what more can you say about it? It's yeah. it's that good. Uh, Eric, you're the Cubs guy. Do you have anything to say about Rookie of the Year? Yeah, I like it. Okay. Yeah, oh, you do. I mean, okay. Yeah, I do. Okay. I, I I do like. It. I think it's a. Remember a Daniel funny... Stern being really. Over the top. Oh, he's completely. Oh, yeah, he yeah. directed the movie. He's completely over the top. Yeah, um, but it is. I mean, I think as a kids sports fantasy movie, it com- it it completely works on that level. Um, yeah, I can see why. Yeah, it's just. I mean, it's it would a be a ridiculous little little movie, and I I I was charmed by it, and I think I think it's funny enough, and. Um, yeah, I mean Gary Busey is I don't I remember how old he was at the time, but like him as an aging Cubs pitcher, that you get, that's probably the even more stretch your credibility than the crazy arm that the kid has to make the pitches. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I like rookie of the year. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's not as good as the, the baseball movie next year. Okay. Ninety four. Uh, okay. Not as good as the sandlot either. Uh no, not as good as the sandlot either. Okay. Right. All right. You think of the scout? Is that next? Little Big League. Oh, okay. Uh, and then we get, well, I don't know. Weekend of Bernie's 2, I got nothing. Nothing. No? Shit. Okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to talk about it. But uh, we come. We have a cult movie, a very uh, major cult <sighs> film that a lot of people who, you know, claim Jurassic Park is the movie that got them into movies when they were a kid also have uh, a fondness for, a nostalgic fondness for Hocus Pocus. Uh, with uh, Bette Midler and Catherine Najimy and Sarah Jessica Parker as three witches. I don't get it. I'm, I don't I'm get it either. But no. maybe, but yeah, I you know we just we were we weren't we weren't the right audience at that time for we it. I guess. Teenage girls. We weren't. Mm-hmm. You know, so 
That's just or young girls. I wouldn't even say it's the teenage. I mean, I think it was probably yeah. young adolescents. Yeah. yeah, probably. Yeah, like this movie. I mean, it was a little younger, but I still found it to be pretty obnoxious. Actually, yeah, there's nothing. I don't know. Yeah, I just I, you know, I'm not. I'm, I'm certainly not here to poo poo on anyone's nostalgia. Oh, of course, because yeah, we all God have knows. movies. <laughs> you know, God knows Sergio hated a lot of our movies that we That's loved right. growing up because mm-hmm. he's older than us, and right. so you know, we all have our childhood favorites for various yeah. reasons. Yeah, this one just doesn't. I, you know. I hope it's at least one that they just <clears throat> like and they have fond memories of, rather than this brought them to cinema. Yeah, I hope it's. I hope that's not <laughs> right. the case. So yeah, I, I mean, but yeah, but you know what? The in in the sequel, not much better. Didn't yes, I did watch it. it. Oh, I don't yeah. think I could it. do yeah. that. I don't yeah. think I can bring myself to watch. Um, but uh, so yeah, but we had to mention it, and uh, and then we had Free Willy. Which um you the Michael Jackson song? Yeah, I guess there was a Michael oh Jackson God, song. This I wasn't forgot there. about that. <laughs> <laughs> Your Ernest. Will you be there, Eric? Will you? Shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, the uh, the Ernest environmental film about a, a trapped whale and the boy who <laughs> becomes his friend and tries to save him, but he's a juvenile Aww. delinquent boy. And apparently, juvenile delinquents have great dental uh, because that that is one well kept well. well good looking kid for a, for a homeless kid no it's it's you know it's, it's fine it's i wasn't too crazy about the lead well. kid in this either <laughs> no but i don't know i i liked oceanography and ocean life so michael madsen is not a psycho oh right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lori petty is in this it's mm-hmm. i don't know it's hard is in the right place but it's definitely too long and i i don't have a huge passion for it or anything I swear, Colin, when you just started describing it as the earnest uh, environmental film, I started looking for the Jim Vardy film on my list. I, I swear. I'm like, wait, what? The movie are we talking about? I'm going to free a whale. Yeah. <laughs> Come here, whale. Get out here. Get out here. Hey, Bernie. Hey, Bernie. Hey, me. I'm on TV. It's a little a boy and his whale. Yeah. Uh, but a surprise hit for the summer. Yeah. 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 I'm, you know? I saw it and I was like, eh, it was all right. Yeah. Uh, and then we John Singleton's follow-up to Boys in the Hood uh, was uh, Poetic Justice with Tupac Shakur. Didn't ca- didn't catch up with this one. Janet Jackson. Um, you know, it doesn't really hit the heights of his that first film because after a while you just go tired of these two characters because all they do is argue and say nasty, awful things to each other, mm-hmm. and that's almost the entire movie. And it's, I really wanted to like this. I really want, I went into this like with high hopes and I really like the way it opens. There's a nice nod to uh, Manhattan uh, using the Gershwin over shots of South Central oh, LA. That's cool. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I don't, I don't remember this from this mm. movie. I, I'm, I'm glad I'm watching this again. But then like halfway through the movie, I'm like, I really don't like either of these two and I don't really want them to get together. I don't even want to hang out with them anymore. It's really oh, kind of annoying. Bad. Yeah. And her name is Justice, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And she writes poetry. Oh, hence wow. Poetic Justice. Yeah. Cue the eye roll. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. No, it, I was really disappointed. I will defend higher learning when we get to it. Oh, though. God, no. Yeah. Oh, no. I still kind of like it. <laughs> I've never seen it. Really? We'll get to it. No. Two years, right? Oh, yeah. 95? It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Coneheads. They're from another planet. That theory has been advanced. I'm ready to suck back a cold one. 
Welcome to the United States. And so the saga begins of a family unlike any you've ever known. <laughs> And open wider. Their name will live in history. Very sorry, Mr. Conehead. Conehead. My name is Conehead. I saw Coneheads, Coneheads for the first time. First time? Yeah. Yeah. How'd yeah. they go for you? <sighs> yeah, this is for all you nothing but trouble uh, revisionists out there. <laughs> Uh, have fun. Wait till we get to Freaked. That's basically a lot like nothing but trouble. Really? Yeah. No. Um, eh, I kind of like Michelle Burke in this. She's all right. Okay. And she has a much better role. Oh, she's terrible. Time. I think she's terrible. Really? Because mm. she's like, I mean, I, I guess the, the joke is that because she was born on Earth, so she has human qualities, but like, that's not what we want to see in our Coneheads movie. We want we don't want to see a normal Conehead. Yeah. We want to see the voices and the I guess Lorraine Newman like would have been whatnot. too old to play the, I that role. But I suppose. I, I don't know. It, I, they could have probably casted her anyway. Well, this is... Well, now we're getting into the... Because Wayne Wayne's World was a huge hit. Right. Now we're just going to start trying uh, all yeah. the SNL yeah. characters. And they was started with Coneheads. And yeah, that was not a good choice. I think Chris Farley's funny in it. I'm yeah, saying, that's I, about I, the only I like, thing. I do like the scenes with him and her. I think she's yeah. not good, but like, yeah, his reaction shots to some of the things she does, I think are funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it is so early '90s. I mean, you want to talk about comedy that yeah. is like in its time period. You got all. I mean, on top of the cameos from just about everybody from SNL yes. gets a cameo in this, mm. but it is like you, the soundtrack and all that. It is just like, yeah, this is 1993. All right, uh-huh. yep. Yeah, I can't expect that. <laughs> Soundtrack did provide one, like, I guess one of the few Red Hot Chili Peppers songs I like. Yeah. That's all right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what we'll get to Airheads. I'm being curious about that. No, I'm not. Oh, okay. Um, I thought I liked it back in the day, but we'll see. Uh, Is that next year? 94. I believe okay. so. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll see. Um, I've never seen e- two of these movies, Rising Sun and Robin Hood Men in Tights. Really? And I probably never will uh, because wow. I just never, I was going to watch... Robin Hood had never got around to it, and I just kind of like. Well, that's know, not good. I know no, it's that's not. What, it's nobody sad. has ever said anything sad good about it. it. No, but yeah. nobody ever said anything good about Rising Sun either. Not that's that it was, true. That's true. Yeah. Not that it's bad, yeah. but it's just like. Eh. Well, yeah. really? Okay. I will, I will actually say some. I will say some nice things about Rising Sun. Okay. Um, it is as the mystery element of it is not great. Um, I mean, it's a Michael Crichton story. It's very broadly written as far as the, you know. America versus Japan, you know, stuff like that. I feel but, like it but there generated is, some controversy. Well, there was there, the book definitely generated some controversy. Um, and in the movie, they changed the Wesley Snipes character in the book wasn't black, <laughs> so they added another racial component into the movie. And I, but I think it works. I, I think that there is more interesting stuff in there. And Kaufman, Philip Kaufman, uh, directed it. And there's a re, there is a real style to it. There is there's some really interesting visual stuff. In the movie, um, the score is really good. Um, it's, it's beautiful, really beautifully shot. Um, Connery's playing exactly the kind of character you expect. I mean, this is a character that Crichton actually wrote in the book with Connery in mind for the movie. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Huh. Uh, so that was something they did great, uh, great train robbery together. Um, and uh, yeah, late late in the movie, they, well, they give Wesley Snipes a moment to do is some karate. Um, that doesn't quite work. Um, the, the the mystery element actually turns out to be the le- the the solution to it. At least is the least interesting aspect of the movie. But the movie itself, I think, is an in- kind of an interesting procedural and is, is better than I think its reputation 
has been over the years. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right. I guess Mamet wrote a draft of this. I didn't know. Did that. Did he? Yeah. There's. I mean, I, I'm telling you, there there is very interesting stuff in the movie. The the mystery oh. stuff of it, and I mean, there's some action and stuff in it, whatnot. But the solution of the mystery is kind of like, really? That's that's it. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I just so always it, heard it's like yeah, like two and a half star movie, and so I just never. Yeah. I mean, I'm not far from that, yeah. but I would, I, I would, I recommend Rising Sun. I think it's interesting. Okay. okay. All right. But um, and, and I haven't talked about any animated movies this year. Not a big year, but you're um, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, I remember starting to watch Tom and Jerry the movie back when it came out on video. And five minutes in, Tom and Jerry started talking to each other, Ooh. and that's when I was like, "Nope, we're done no, here. No, no, yep. nope, no, you don't do that." But you also don't really want a feature length Tom and Jerry cartoon either, because that could get also a little old. So just stop making ter- Tom and Jerry movies. Just yes. it never works. And that last one that came out didn't see it. Oh, garbage! Hot, hot garbage. They talked right. in that one too. Yeah, I think they did. Yeah, no, it's and it's no thanks. No, it's, it's, I mean, how hard <sighs> is that to not? Just what just, the hell? People? Yeah, just just buy the just they buy the talk. Blu-rays. Yeah, just buy the Blu-rays of the original cartoons. That's all you need. Dummies. But uh, that same weekend as that and Robin Hood and Rising Sun was uh, Mike Myers in So I Married an Axe Murderer. Whoa, man. Ugh. Whoa, Hi. man. My name is Mike Myers. Perhaps you recognize me from my recent motion picture, Wayne's World. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. As you can see, I'm on the set of my new film in which I play a young fellow named Charlie who gets a little more than he bargained for. For example, there's suspense. Have you heard of this case? Mrs. X. She murders her husbands on her honeymoon, then she changes her identity and marries again. I never heard of it, so what? I think I'm dating Mrs. X. The Justice Department reports an alarming rise in the number of poisoning murders across the United States. It's a smart drink to improve your brain power. You like it, Charlie? Thank you, no. There's action. Charlie, there's something I've been meaning to tell you. Yeah. Uh, I mean... Do we have no defenders uh, of this movie at this stage? No, it's okay. I mean... I like that he's not playing a goofy character for once, just playing like a regular person. Well, <laughs> his father. Well, th- yeah, I know that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, mm, that kind of gets on my nerves. I don't like him when he gets too broad. Oh, that's yeah. no, that's, that's absolutely fair. Yeah, I think this is a funny movie. It's a pretty funny movie. Yeah, there's some funny stuff in it that I still like. I I kind of find his character more annoying now than I did back then. I liked it a lot more back then. Okay, um, but just like some of the some of the stuff, I just like. I guess I get annoyed when you have, uh, and and this is true of the Wayne's World movies too. Was uh, Mike Myers is hanging out with his male friends and everything, mm-hmm. and every time he cracks a joke, they all look at each other and laugh. But you can tell it's like not a genuine laugh. <laughs> like we have to laugh at everything Michael Myers, mm. Mike Myers says, and it's just kind of like it kind of grates on me a little. For some reason, that that kind of grates on me. Um, where it's like you know, it's like when Bill Murray is smart alecky, nobody's laughing at him, but, but the audience can laugh. Right. You know, yeah. everybody else is just like that's just him, and I prefer that 
sort of method mm. of comedy delivery. Okay. Uh, but he's like, see how funny I am? Yeah, you know? that's that's kind of like, yeah, I need people around to laugh so people think I'm funny. Um, <laughs> and sometimes he is, but sometimes, sometimes. it's kind of not. And uh, but no, there's there's funny stuff in this movie. I'm not I'm not down on it okay. completely. Yeah. But um, but just it doesn't it doesn't I don't find myself liking it as much as I did back then. I can see the great of Mike Myers over the years. I think can certainly take a toll, and that, yeah. I I get that. Um, but yeah, I've always I've always I mean the stuff with the father is this the family mm-hmm. is really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just I mean it leads up to a mystery that again is kind of lame and whatnot but gee i wonder yeah, exactly. yeah. um who could that be yeah no i i i, I haven't i actually haven't watched it in a while but i've always found it funny i Very like a good soundtrack by the way with Very two princes from spin doctors oh yeah <laughs> i should have known i should it is known. a very good soundtrack though. yeah i do like all the stuff with alan arkin and um and what's his name the uh cop yes uh, that's Phil funny Hartman. No, no, not Phil. Oh, definitely Polly. Anthony Polly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> Phil Hartman to, in the prison. He's the prison guard. Yeah, 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 yeah. The prison guard's fine. Everybody calls me Vicky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you can you just be more like the chiefs in the in the TV shows? Can you like real <laughs> rag on me and yell at me a little bit? You're yeah, too easy going. That is yeah, great. That, that, is, that, that stuff really is funny. funny. Yeah. <laughs> How'd uh, I do? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Then a movie. Then that nobody is. Rewatching or talking about ever again, and uh, yeah, it wasn't a big hit or anything. It's called The Fugitive. All right, ladies and gentlemen, listen up. We have a fugitive that's been on the run for 90 minutes. Average foot speed over uneven ground, barring injury, is four miles an hour. That will give you a radius of six miles. What I want out of each and every one of you is a hard target search of every gas station, residence, warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, or dog house in this area. Checkpoints will go up at 15 miles. Your fugitive's name is Dr. Richard Kimball. Go get him. One of the all-time great action thrillers. So rewatchable. It's like, that was definitely, when it was on cable, it was the remote dropper movie. Oh, for sure. sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and also my first interview ever was with Andrew Davis, and he couldn't have been cooler and nicer. Went to the same high school as my aunt and my dad, actually, which is pretty mm-hmm. wild. And maybe that's why it's one of the best shot films you know, in, in and around Chicago, yeah. it's just mm-hmm. amazingly shot, and you get to see things that you don't normally get to see. And the supporting performance from Tommy Lee Jones is kind of legendary, and you know he's got so many quotable lines and won the Oscar, right? Yes, he yeah, did. he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, best a best picture nomination for this movie too. Wow, yeah, and and it's funny that you know Andrew Davis's career is kind of interesting because it's like leading up to that point, like most people would say, like he made the best Chuck Norris movie. Mm-hmm. Go to silence. He made the best yes, Steven Seagal, Seagal movie under siege. And I mean, I don't think anyone's going to say the fugitive is better than a few Harrison Ford movies, but certainly <laughs> a non franchise Harrison Ford movie. This might be the best of yeah. them. Right. Yep. Um, this or witness with well, witness. Yeah, certainly yeah. mosquito um, coast too. 
all yeah all, all no, these are all these are all great these yeah, are all great yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. um but no i mean talk about a movie that moves and mm-hmm. even, even as mystery it's not the hardest mystery to solve but it's fun watching them try to solve yeah. the mystery mm-hmm. throughout um yeah it, it, it i mean it's a crowd pleaser harrison ford's really good in this movie yeah. you know he he doesn't have a lot of dialogue in this movie when you watch that's him, true you know when you really get down to it i mean tom Lee jones is yak 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 and he has to basically kind of keep his mouth shut. For yeah, it's a chase picture. Right. You know, more or less. Um, yeah, and the city looks great. Chicago looks great in the movie. Uh, location. I think the St. Patrick's Day parade thing was like impromptu. Like it was just, they just they did that. Yeah. In the, yeah. Yeah. In the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if it was planned at all. They just sort of went, let's do it. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I don't think they like set Cohen up their own style. St. Patrick's mm-hmm. Day. Yeah. You know, they can die this river. Green. Why can't they dye it blue the other 364 days of the year? <laughs> Still a great line for Chicago. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's awesome. It's really great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I saw my boyfriend's back for the first time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, that's better than Hocus Pocus. Yes. Not, oh. Yes, it is. I mean, uh, it's not great by any no. stretch, but uh, you do have young Matthew Fox and Philip Seymour Hoffman as the, as the villain, as the jock villains. Yes. Oh, the, really? And, okay. and Matthew McConaughey is in the movie. That's as well. right. He's, he's yeah, in he's, the movie he's theater. Guy number two. Yeah. Is his credit. Yeah. <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman is the bully. Yeah. The oh, geez. I should have watched this then. <laughs> yeah. Just for him. Yeah. Um, and it's from uh, it, Bob Balaban. Yeah. Bob mm-hmm. Balaban directed it. Um, they, it's just, no, I mean, listen, the, the main character is really annoying. Uh, that would be my, that's my mm. only real problem with it um it's what i call the last action hero problem <laughs> well yeah uh and that movie really only has one joke and that's everybody downplaying that this guy is dead and yes. back from the grave and you know that they just kind of milk that joke uh over and over <laughs> and over again but um you know i like austin pendleton as the doctor yes very funny in it uh mary beth hurt probably gives her most out there performance as the mom oh wow mm-hmm. yeah then i will watch this I no know. i mean it's it's there's some funny stuff yes, in it but then there's some really annoying stuff too so it's it wears it out its welcome out. <laughs> after a while um yeah but it's 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 not it's it's worth taking a look at. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Might be on Tubi. Might be one of those that's on Tubi. Mm, yeah. I I think we I got I use the uh, Chicago Public Library video rental uh, hoopla. That's that, your, that's uh, uh, chipublib.org. For yeah. Yeah. So I, that's that's how I had to see it. Mm. So uh, anyway. Townsend's no. movie. Um, this is another because Sergio was a big backer of this movie too, so oh, I wanted to, to give this one another look. 
And it's got, it, I mean, it's got some really interesting ideas that I don't think Townsend uh, ends up playing up enough mm. of. Like, I mean, like one of the, the ideas in the movie is that one of, well, after he gets struck by the meteor, one of the powers that they get is they're able to absorb uh, like a book, almost like a short circuit kind of style. Hmm. Like he's just, he like touch a book and absorb all the knowledge, but the knowledge is only good for like 30 seconds. Oh, so like you can recite every anything in the book, but you only it goes away after thirty seconds. And I thought like that's a really kind of a really interesting thing because the movie is about black neighborhoods and growing up in gangs and whatnot. And so like some of the gang stuff is kind of overplayed. Um, he's trying to make some interesting points about uh, doing a black superhero for a, a black community and whatnot. Um, some of it works. Uh, the confrontation at the end is kind of funny. Uh, and you have Bill Cosby showing up in the movie, which soured me a, a little bit. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting film that doesn't entirely work, uh, but I'm kind of glad heard. it exists. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's kind of an interesting footnote in this evolution of superhero movies. Mm. Yeah. A lot of big name rap acts of that time play mm-hmm. gangs and <laughs> yes naughty by nature cypress hill yes. other bad creation right oh, wow interesting yeah i tried finding it and couldn't find it hmm. yeah. yeah um did you find jason goes to hell the final friday oh god this is the worst <laughs> movie of the year this really? is my okay. worst movie okay of the year. all right yeah yeah it would be it would be down there for sure i mean i can usually defend a good horror sequel but this isn't good it's one of the worst Jason movies, period. Because it's just like it's just the hidden, really. It's yeah, just like it's, it's, or Shocker or Fallen, you know, or yeah. you know, I mean that came out later. But Jason yeah, I mean, gets to possess other people. Essentially, well, you remember how the, how the carnage starts? It's like the movie. Like I, rem- I remember sitting there watching it. And it is, we started making fun of it right away because it's so ridiculous that the the corner, is it the military? Oh, okay. No, like the corners like got like Jason's body from like the last movie or whatever it happened and whatnot, and he's carving on it, and like the heart is there. It's like a big black heart. Uh, Remember, yeah. and the I don't know if like the heart starts talking to him or whatnot or whatnot, but all of a sudden like the the corner just goes. His solution to this problem is like uh, uh, just picks up the heart and just. Eats, oh, eats, yeah. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, what now was that a psychic connection? He was being told to eat the heart, or did he just think like, well, this is the best solution I can come up with is to take a bite out of this thing. It's so stupid. Wow. It's so stupid. And, and then, I think yeah, the military guns him down. Like guns Jason down at the beginning. Yes, at the beginning of the movie because the, yeah, yeah, they, that they, was weird. They, they do a fake they like they have like a army woman like undress and uh it's the woman from Roadhouse. Uh she undresses and they but it's like a ruse to get like oh Jason's gonna go after a naked woman. And so they lure him to the cabin and gun him down, and then the coroner eats his heart, and then he's able to pass his essence along to anyone mm-hmm. who comes it's in contact with. Horrible, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, but then a, a movie that, well, actually, you know what? Speaking of possession, drop down a little bit. Mm. Uh, Heart and Souls was another one I really wanted to rewatch for this, but uh, couldn't find it or couldn't uh, <sighs> couldn't get access to it in time. But um, I remember. I, I mean, feel like the library had it. Yeah, they Maybe. did, but I put it on reserve, and then they canceled my reservation on it for some reason. Oh, that's reason. strange. But um, <laughs> that's the first reservation for that title in like sixteen years. Yeah, probably. <laughs> like, why does everybody want this movie all of a sudden? You know, 
Uh, Robert Downey Jr. gets the, I, I forgot what the deal is with this movie, but he gets, he's like five or six uh, souls that are, need him to five or solve the last solve. thing, the thing that they get yes. so, yeah. so they can move on, basically. And they can possess Robert Downey Jr. and then Robert Downey Jr. can uh, sort of take on their personality as well. Yeah. It's only worth watching for Robert Downey Jr. when he yes. gets possessed. And yeah, that's it. The rest it's like of all of me, kind of. Yeah. Antics. Chances are, even. I mean, it's, chances it's, someone are. looked at chances are and said, like, oh, well, let's 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 try to do, do a Capra again. movie again, yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah. But yeah, it's very saccharine. Realism. It's very like the, the, like the comedy stuff, the, the possession stuff works, but like all of the problems they need to solve is all very like it's all they're hitting the tiered ducks yeah. like hard. Yeah. Trying mm-hmm. to anyway. Yeah. And it's very obvious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fine, I guess. And a, and a movie that could have succumbed to that same fate, but uh, is in, instead of very brilliant and intelligently directed and beautifully written film is uh, Searching for Bobby Fischer. Yes. When you realize there are only so many things you can teach a child, but finally, they are who they are. I took Josh to the park today. Jack. He played chess. He doesn't know how to play chess. Doesn't even tie his shoes. I'm playing chess with my dad. It's a game like Monopoly. In a world that thrives on competition. Why do you want your son to play chess? Oh, I don't. He does. He taught himself. In a game where winning means the world. Tell me, is the next Bobby Fisher somewhere in this room? <laughs> a challenge has begun. Your son creates like Fisher. He sees like him inside. You're playing not to lose, Josh. You've got to risk losing. You've got to risk everything. I was wondering if you could keep him from playing there so much. No. You'd kill him not to play in the park. He loves it. It just makes my job harder. Then your job's harder. Oh, good! Yeah, that's it. My son has a gift. He is better at this than I have ever been at anything in my life. Oh. Uh, written and directed by Steven Zalian about a child prodigy chess player. I mean... But not treated like a prodigy. That's sort of where the uh, the drama comes in. Is like, what do we do with this talent, and how do we maintain this kid's identity so that he's not turning into one of these child prodigy zombies? That yeah, we how do you see? keep him innocent in a way? Yeah, and uh, you know, who do we who do we get for his mentor? Who's who's the better mentor? And it turns out, you know, they both are. Yeah, uh, Lawrence Fishburne and Ben Kingsley. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, an amazing movie. Absolutely. When I saw it a few weeks ago, I hadn't seen it probably in 30 years and was just struck not just by how strong the writing was, but also just the craft. Like the editing is so beautiful. Yeah, it those is, chess, those like speed chess. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It makes it exciting. It makes it, ex- I mean. Even you know, though I have no idea what's going right. on. It doesn't I, matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, right. it's what's great about it. It's Conrad Hall, man. Like, yeah. That guy's, he knows how to shoot a movie. <laughs> oh, man. The sun coming in and the raindrops yep. and all that. Oh, Thomas is so Thomas Newman does yeah. the score. Thomas Newman's score is beautiful mm-hmm. for it. Yeah, I mean, this is one of my favorite movies. It's of, a James Warner, actually. James Horner. I'm sorry, James yeah, Horner. You're right. James yeah, yeah, Horner. Yeah. Yes, you're right. I the have, reason I why I thought there. of that was like when I rewatched it this time, like the opening note, I'm like, this is the same guy who did Sneakers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Field of Dreams. Those are right. yes. Field of Dreams. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. one. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is, and this is, you know, this predates 
Goodwill Hunting by a few years, mm. and there's a very similar similarity between the two movies because it's all about, like Colin said, like who is best set to be this child's mentor you have the father mm-hmm. you have the the guy in the park you have um ben kingsley's the pretentious teacher. intellectual right exactly <laughs> and and you're right and colin's right like they're all contribute to this boy's well-being and nurturing this talent that he has and they're and they're they're, they're brilliant little twist all throughout the movie i mean starting with the idea that he joe Montaigne starts playing the chess with him and the kid loses on purpose because he doesn't want to lose to his Aww. dad. Yeah. It's such a beautiful <laughs> yeah. little thing. Uh, and then later on, I mean, William H. Macy shows up for, for a moment in the movie. <laughs> I'm going to get you a tuna fish sandwich. Um, <laughs> and then just how the kid decides to do the final match. Mm. And that solution he comes up with. And then the kid turns him down and he just kind of goes... Okay. I tried. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's a great way to give us both sides of it. It gives us the ending we want, but it gives us that teachable moment mm-hmm. for kids. And then, like, the, like the shot of, like, Ben Kingsley coming in so proud at the end of that movie. It's uh, yeah. That movie just floors so me. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I love the fact that, it, like, yeah, don't move your queen out too early. And then Lawrence Fishburne's like, no, do it. Do it. Yeah. yeah. I love that rivalry between. It's a, They both have they both uh, have something to teach him about yeah, chess. Exactly. About being aggressive and being, you know, like like when we watched Queen's Gambit on Netflix, the first thing we watched afterwards was searching for Bobby Fisher. Makes sense. Yeah. Mm. This is a perfect movie, man. It really is. It is. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Everybody should watch it if they haven't. Good year for Steven Zalian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Ben Kingsley. Mm-hmm. Um. And then uh, Woody Allen went back to the comedy well for the first time in a while. Uh, and, you know, given what he was going through with the, you know, <laughs> being a figure in the tabloids, what they're all going through, uh, it made sense, artistically speaking, I guess, uh, for him to <laughs> reunite with Diane Keaton and uh, do a little, just a frothy little comedy called Manhattan Murder Mystery. Um, a movie I still enjoy. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all right. It's a it's it you. I remember Rothy little movie is exactly the right way to describe it. Yeah, I mean it's it was. I remember being delighted to see him and Diane Keaton together again. Mm-hmm. Although it probably wouldn't have happened if you know well, if other things hadn't. If yeah, if, yeah. do things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, but um, bad, but no, it's it's a, it's a, it's a sort of a nice little um, you know, if if you're if you're if you can watch Woody, if you let yourself watch Woody <laughs> Allen movies these days, and I totally understand if you don't. Oh yeah, sure. But um, if you do, and you're waiting for the next season of Only Murders in the Building to come on, uh, you know yeah, this, this is a nice is exactly little like yes. that. Yeah. yeah, this is exactly that kind of movie mm-hmm. for sure. My grades were just as good, but everyone knew they were going to give the award to the teacher's pet, and then all the girls feel sorry for him because he's a charity case. Mm-hmm. What a phony! And did you see that outfit? I haven't seen clothes that funny since the circus was here. A boy experiences the agonies and ecstasies of growing up during the Depression in King of the Hill, a wonderful, original, highly engaging new film from Steven Soderbergh, the talented young director who made such a splash with his debut film a couple of years ago called Sex, Lies, and Videotape. King of the Hill is based on writer A.E. Hotchner's reminiscence of growing up in St. Louis in 1933 in a family under great stress. 
The mom is sick and has to go to a sanitarium. The dad is seriously in debt as a door-to-door -door candle salesman. And now the little boy's brother must be sent away. And, uh, okay, so and then another, we got a lot of movies about kids. Uh, Searching for Bobby Fischer, Secret Garden, and now Steven Soderbergh's King of the Hill. Starring Swim Fan. Yep, that's right. <laughs> But a really good performance by Mr. <laughs> Swim Fan. No, absolutely. Yeah. A really great performance. Mm -hmm. Uh really promising. And um a lot of great a lot of great uh character actors uh in this thing as well. Period piece, nineteen thirties. Uh during the the depression. Yeah, 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 during the depression. And uh parents have to kind of leave home to go get work or you know, and then his mom has to go uh into a hospital to you know, she's kinda very, she's very tuberculosis? ill. Tuberculosis? Something like that. I think so. And uh, so little boy and his little brother are on their own, or he's on his own. Yeah, the, they take the brother away. That's mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, so I, I saw this movie described once as a thinking person's home alone. And I... Huh. It's like interesting That's an interesting shorthand. way to put it. Yeah. 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 I would actually, though I do like the movie, I would say even a lesser Empire of the Sun. Oh, Yeah. I would sure. say that too. Yeah, that's yeah. a good way to put it too. Yeah, I like that. I like I like I mean I like the movie. I don't I love it as much as some of the big Soderbergh uh rankers like the movie. Um because because it's so episodic in a way because there's so many like side characters and whatnot and there were yeah. times when I wanted him to spend a, just a little bit more time with like Spalding Gray and Elizabeth somebody. McGovern. Yeah, yeah, yeah Adrian yeah. Brody's uh, he I mean he he I was fine with where he was but like they're like the stuff with like Spalding Gray and Elizabeth McGovern yeah. I wish there was a little more time spent in that room um and I I love the stuff with uh him and Amber Benson um, oh, right. the girl yeah, that yeah, yeah. has the, the, the seizure mm -hmm. in the, in, oh, in the yeah. room. Yeah. I, I like that scene too. Uh, a very young Catherine Heigl is mm -hmm. the girl that likes him in the movie. Um, so yeah, I just, I just like, I wanted them to keep going back to, I'm like, I'm really enjoying this part of the movie. And they're like, Oh, okay. We're going here now. And I, I kind of like that. Oh, we're going here now. Um, but a beautifully shot, gorgeously shot movie and yeah. Bradford's good. And, yeah, everyone's good in it. It just it looks great, and it's a it's I mean it's a good movie. Yeah, I, yeah it's I'm, very good. I, I'm 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 one of the the lovers of this movie. Sure. I, I think it's I think it's great. Oh, um, yeah. and I think it's one of the few you know Soderbergh often gets uh, described or pigeonholed as or whatever as just being all intellectual, no heart. And uh, this is one I would point to mm -hmm. where I'd say, no, this is this one's got heart. This one is this one is actually I got emotional while watching it. I wasn't oh. just like. You know, he wasn't just trying to like make me think about all these deep mm. issues. It was more, it was sentimental, but it was like a good kind of yeah. uh, grounded sentimentality that uh, that he's that he's good at and doesn't do very often. And so I'm, I'm I, I feel strongly about this one. I think yeah, it's really, yeah, really I, I would lump it into with like you're right, Empire of the Sun and Hope and Glory. That That's sort another of feel. One. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, no, Secret Garden. Um, stunningly really? beautiful movie yeah talk about beautifully shot yeah. yeah deacons man oh man it's it's so good i um, feel like this and a little princess are kind of in a league of their own like to just they transcend like oh this is a children's story oh yeah, you know? yeah. oh they're oh they're paired together yeah the warner brothers pairs them together in their dvd set both of them need to be on blu-ray like asap uh, yeah because uh, they look like crap on this dvd and they're both sumptuously yeah. produced films. Yeah. But uh, you, Warner needs to get on that. Uh, yeah, no, a really terrific adaptation. Really good performances from the kids in this one. For sure. Uh, really beautiful to look at. And it's one of those one of those movies that 
you know, you wish this got a little more attention than say like, you know, Free Willy or Dennis the Menace, <laughs> you know, also from Warner Brothers. And mm-hmm. this one they this is one of those that they kind of sold a little short. Although it might have Didn't gotten, do didn't do terrible though. It, I mean, thirty one million dollars, I mean yeah. you might not even I would not have guessed that, that did thirty one million dollars when yeah, it came out. That's yeah. true. And may have scored an Oscar nomination of some kind. Maybe I could. Maybe I'm just. Maybe I'm just imagining that. But like some like art <laughs> direction or something Smith like that might have been nominated for something. But I don't think it was an Oscar. No. Yeah. Um. But no, really, really beautiful film. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. There's a new game in town. You'll be provided with a guide, trackers, and the weapons of your choice. I need to file a missing person report. The competitors are deadly. We pride ourselves in hunting only combat veterans, men who have the necessary skills to make our hunts more interesting. And they always win. You want to find your father? Get somebody who knows the city to show you around. Now, the opposition is about to get one last chance. What kind of a name is Chance? My mama took when. Friend Mr. Boudreaux, Silver Star, Marine Forced Recon. He's obviously not someone we should underestimate. He is an annoying little insect. And I want him stepped on hard. We need to get out of here now. Ladies first. What? I got really sentimental watching Hard Target. Well, Damn who right. Doesn't? <laughs> who doesn't? Yeah. Is I think I might like it more than Face Off. I think it might be my favorite John Woo American film. Really? I okay. think so. I mean, um, it's been a it's while shorter. since I've seen... I mean, it's, it's, it gets to the point <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. Once it starts to get going, it, this is a movie that takes a little while to get going. Yes, yes um, about 45 minutes, and then it kicks into high gear. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, that... The, the, I mean, the, the climax of this movie oh, is Oh, it's so good. It's so, <laughs> so insane. Yeah. And I, I remember when I was working at the video store and this movie was coming out and they were advertising like the first American movie from John Woo. I'm like, who the hell is John Woo? I <laughs> didn't know. We didn't have, uh, but some there was a, a customer that came in just like, yeah, he made this movie called The Killer that you have to see. It's one of the greatest action movies I've ever seen in my life. And of course, we didn't have it. Uh, so I went and saw Hard Target. I'm like, I had this to guy order that too for my videos. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm like, this guy really likes slow motion, doesn't he? Like yeah. Hard Target. And, and I mean, doves. before Zack Snyder, like John Woo with slow motion, it was just like, oh my god, like every shot. And, and that was one of the first time I saw it. I'm just like, okay, let's let's, <laughs> let's go, okay, slow mo this, slow mo that, like repeating shots like John Badham does. Um, and but then that climax is just off. Awesome. so insane awesome. it's yeah. amazing um <laughs> it's funny that i thought of like sam raimi at times watching this and mm. it's from the screenwriter of dark man i didn't i didn't put the two and no. two together but it's i mean it's, it's basically fun. most dangerous game with yes you know, <laughs> with throw yeah. van damme in yeah there for the great, hell of great it. villain and from yeah. lance Hendrick, hendrickson and, and hendrickson is great yeah. and a cajun uh wilford brimley <laughs> yeah what? that cracked me up. oh my god it's ridiculous <laughs> Yeah, I should have, I should have done fought, looked at some of his lines, line reads, whatnot. Yeah, and oh, him, I'll, and I'll him on the horse, and he's like, yeah. like, he's, I mean, like, he doesn't look like he belongs on that horse. No, he says something funny when he's riding off on that horse. I think I'll put it in. Just you'll take this now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a blast. It might be my favorite Van Damme movie too, unless you. Can oh, it's definitely. It. Well, I mean, what else? Yeah, is? in Bloodsport. Oh, yeah, Bloodsport, Bloodsport. Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah, great. Yeah. So, uh, I, it depends on which. 
one you you want guns or you want kicks. So mm-hmm. you, I think both qualify. Sure. <laughs> I didn't go back and look at The Man Without a Face. This was Mel Gibson's directorial debut. I don't think I've ever seen it. Hmm. I saw it once 30 years ago. I haven't seen it since. I don't know why I just didn't like, I yeah. just dragged my feet on it and I just didn't like want to go. <laughs> oh, back there's always it. those titles yeah. when we do this. Yeah. So we're just like, eh, all right. Eh. I mean, it's, it's the, when you hear the, the, I mean, the storyline of it is it's kind of what you might expect it to be, but I think it's a little bit better than that. I think I, I'm Gibson's, not saying it's bad yeah, at all. I'm just saying like, I just didn't. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't feel the, the need to go back and rewatch it either. Uh, yeah. I felt like I've seen it. I'm I'm good, yeah. and uh, I think Gibson has done obviously more ambitious, you know, film since. Uh, but as a way to get his his feet wet behind the camera, uh, I, I I I mean, I thought the movie worked. I think mm-hmm. he's really good in it. I think Nick Stahl is really good in the movie. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Woody Allen and Mel Gibson. All right. <laughs> All right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Same month. <laughs> um, and Peter Bogdanovich, you can throw Well, not with those two, but yeah, you know, <laughs> but he did make a movie. Yeah. Uh, the Thing Called Love, Aww. perhaps best known as the uh, last film to feature River Phoenix. That just makes me sad. Her name is Miranda. Miranda Presley. No relation. She works in a world of wannabes and hopefuls. How do you like Nashville so far? I'm writing a song about a waitress who kills herself. She sings in a world of her dreams. Your song is a novelty song, and maybe you need to dig in a little deeper. And you are so worried about turning out like everybody else. You will never, ever make it as a songwriter. My name is Miranda Presley, and maybe I haven't yet, but someday I will write a song that'll make you regret you ever said You got it. Yeah, well, I mean, he plays a, a country western singer, and so does Samantha Mathis. Yay! And uh, <laughs> I mean, it's I wrote down in my notes here. I'm like, well, you got Dermot Mulroney, River Phoenix, Samantha Mathis, and Sandra, Sandra Bullock, Bullock all in one screen in one scene. It's like there are so many different career trajectories in this one room. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> it's like crazy. Um, but uh, but an interesting movie. Interesting, yeah. yeah. I'd say it's interesting, yeah. but it's not. Uh, I know there's a director's cut that's of some kind that there is. exists out there. Maybe. Yeah, I think it's on DVD. I think there's a it director's cut on DVD. I don't think I've ever seen the director's cut. But I mean, I don't I like, remember which cut. I, I saw. like movies about struggling musicians. So yeah, with Samantha Mathis and Samantha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, even though they're doing one of my least favorite genres, but that's okay. I mean, like you can consider it folky at times. You know, not just mm. country. Yeah, but well, they do Western too, don't they? <laughs> oh, we got both kinds. We got country and Western. Now I got to insert that clip in here. Thanks, Eric. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, no, I just, uh, I mean, what, what I really hold on to the most again is the fact that Samantha Mathis spoke so eloquently about working with River when we talked. Mm. You know, I mean, it wasn't so much about the movie itself, but just like, yeah, you know, they connected big time mm. while making this movie. Mm. So it was just, but it's just. Yeah, 
what this movie is known for is just truly tragic because River Phoenix was, was my, my first favorite actor for a good long while. So when this happened, I was, it was the first time I cried over a celebrity death. It was the first time hmm. I think, I think not that I can. Yeah. I don't recall this movie getting a theatrical release, at least not here in Chicago. I think it did. I don't, it, it did get a, like a, like a two, four screen type theatrical release. I don't, okay. I don't think it opened in Chicago. I, I, I don't remember that at all. Yeah. It was kind um, of, but it was one of those movies that like you knew it was like it was out there and it just kept getting pushed around and whatnot and ultimately kind of got, you know, thrown out mm. basically. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I'll watch the director's cut sometime. I'm curious. Uh, and then there's a, uh, another Stephen King adaptation, Needful Things. Meh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, I mean, it's not good, but JT Walsh's delivery of the line, I killed my wife. Is that wrong? <laughs> I killed my wife. Is that wrong? Hey, these things happen. It wants to be a dark comedy, but doesn't have enough of a comedic sensibility behind the camera. It just kind of like the comedy element that it wants to do. It sort of falls flat. Um, it's a screenplay by W.D. Richter, which I thought uh, mm-hmm. I didn't know that going in. Um, but uh, no, it's 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 got it's not a great movie at all. But I don't also huh. I wouldn't say it's one of the worst of the year either. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa, I, hello. I, and I think it's more because I like the story. Really, mm-hmm. I like the story a lot. And I like the idea of the devil being in town and having everyone basically strangers on oh, a it's train. Oh, a great setup. Themselves. Yeah, the yeah. strangers on a train. They, everyone is just doing everyone else's crime and no one can be blamed for anything because the, everyone's doing the wrong thing. Um, Ed Harris, you know, I, I think makes for, for a, a solid Stephen King hero. And you have Max von Sydow and as the devil. I mean, come on. It's just, it's, it, that's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And I and this is one because there's a director's cut out there of this that there's been it's very it's a lot longer it's a lot longer and I've never seen it and yeah, I've I always wanted to because um, I, I, I yeah I mean this is just a Stephen King story I've always really liked and I thought I mean I would say it's very watchable I, yeah. <laughs> I mean that's probably where I come from it's not like I I go to bat for this on a regular basis but I think it's a very watchable very engrossing if you buy into the story and you really walk into because there's like well, like the, the kids, I don't, I don't even remember all of it. Like the kids throwing the eggs, and the everyone just starts turning on each other because they think everyone did something else to them. And um, yeah, and the the score, small and town and chaos, classical music, and is used in it. Uh, yeah, it works for me. Okay, mostly. Apparently, the other, the director's cuts three hours. It's very, it's a lot longer. <laughs> yeah, might as well just turn into a mini series at that yeah, point. Directed by Fraser Heston. What did he do? Uh, he was born from Charlton Heston. Oh. <laughs> Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, we talked about Robert Downey Jr. just a few minutes ago, and he was also the subject of a documentary called The Last Party. Oh, I didn't see this. Yeah, this is, uh, I remember when this came out, it's basically him uh, sort of exploring the political landscape during the election season of 1992 and talking to Democrats and Republicans and sort of figuring out, like, where he where he stands and everything. Hmm. And... Um, and then they did it again. They did another last party movie. I want to say 20 years later or something like that, or 15 or 20 years later with Philip Seymour Hoffman doing the same thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, uh, I tried to find this movie. It is available on demand, but I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't get it that way. I, I just didn't ran, I ran out of time, but, um, 
but no, I just, I remember this coming out being very entertained by it. Cause it's just downy being downy, you know, and mm-hmm. being very funny in it. But, uh, and also just, you know, it's a nice snapshot of the, uh, of the times, um, politically and culturally. So anyway, that closes out August. I guess. Anything oh, I else? Guess we're not going to talk about fatherhood then. Oh, you want to talk about fatherhood? Only because I watched it. I feel oh, like I'm okay. obligated yes. okay. to watch it. Um, <laughs> I forgot about speaking that. of crushes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, not on Patrick Swayze. Um, no, Pat, Patrick, Patrick Swayze is a... Uh, I tried watching this. It's, you, <laughs> I finished it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like him and he's estranged father from his kids who have been in like, uh, not an institution, but like a boarding house or board you know halfway house or whatever it be and uh sabrina lloyd plays his eldest daughter and brian bonsall from family yeah. ties he plays the younger the, the younger son and he you know they they escape he go she goes they go with him and but he's like after this he's a criminal and he's after this money job or whatnot that involves michael ironside uh and it's a big chase cross-country chase movie that is shockingly annoying I mean, really, I mean, like, like, like Swayze, like even in Swayze's worst movies, there's, I mean, there's a real charm and a real watchability about the guy. There's none of that here. He is, I mean, he is just annoying as hell in this movie. He's not fun to watch. Um, I felt bad for Sabrina Lloyd. This is, you know, this is early Sabrina Lloyd before Sports Night and Dopamine and uh, the number of other sliders. Sliders. I'm sorry. (laughs) Sliders, of course. Um, and her character is just real. The way she's written is is really annoying. I'm I'm blanking. I'm forgetting who played her. Maybe boy. Oh, it's um Josh Lucas. Oh, Josh, Joshua Lucas, credited in, in the movie. Um, like plays like a guy that was like in the halfway house with her and knew about the shady Woody Allen type stuff going on in the halfway house. Right. So like, there's like this. It's this stupid road trip criminal movie that also just has that stuff in it. No telekinesis in this one, <laughs> but uh, it could have used some telekinesis. Uh, yeah, the chase sequences, like I mean, the action sequences are terrible. I felt bad for everyone involved in this entire project. Mm. Okay. Yeah. One of the yeah. worst of the so, year. Okay. Not well, glad I, I didn't it. finish it. Yeah. It's <laughs> just like, no. I never even started it. So, yeah. okay. You don't need to. All right. Well, I guess let's move into September. And, uh, okay. Let's move to California. Uh, you know, let's not. Uh, <laughs> you know, what was Ebert on? Like, he loved this movie. Yeah, like, he, he did, was I'm sensing some... Four stars. Mm. It's, it's, eh. No. Huh? No, I, I don't know. It's like, we're going to get into a much more interesting movie like this next year. I think we got a book here. A book on some of the most infamous murders in American history. I want to go to where they lived. And where they killed, and I want you to take the pictures, and I'm going to write the text. Looking for somebody to take turns at the wheel and share expenses on a week-long cross-country blue highways tour of historic murder sites? Brian, who in the right mind is going to want to do that? Early, tell me more about California. I see. One thing, people think faster out there on account of all that warm weather. It's a cold way to make people stupid. That's a fact. I guess that explains why there's so many stupid people around here. I think we should have at least met them first. Beggars can't be choosers. They were the only ones to answer the ride share note, remember? Please don't let them be as boring as Brian's friends. Anything but that. You've got to be kidding me. Look at them. They look like Oki. Oh, jeez, Early. They look kind of weird. 
in case. He can't help the way he was raised. I gotta feel sorry for him. How do you feel sorry for him? That's so sweet. You, you cut your hair. I really cut it. He said it makes me look more pretty. You know, you and I, we gotta talk about your good buddy early. Who said he's my good buddy? No, I remember. But, no, I mean, I when I first saw this movie, I hated it. Um, I think I wasn't wasn't yet convinced that Brad Pitt was the real deal because he was still pretty new. Understandable. On the scene. Yeah, and him and Juliet Lewis are pretty insufferable in this movie. Um, it, but uh, but now I go into it today and I have a more appreciation for his performance in this movie. I mean, he's not he's supposed to be insufferable. He's supposed to be terrible. Yeah, yeah. And now I have more appreciation for his performance in it. It's actually quite good, and so is she. Um, but it's just like you got these two other people, David Duchovny yeah, and, and Michelle the, Forbes. Michelle Forbes. And Duchovny is never able to convince me that his character is in any way smart. Like he's just a complete. <laughs> That's a problem he has a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this movie is he is a complete moron. And it's like every time he narrates something, I'm like, who would buy a book by this idiot? Like, God. Uh, Isn't so, that kind of the point, though? I, yeah, because it is, these but, characters, I don't think there's, there's, you're supposed to think, there's, they're supposed yeah. to, I think, sort of represent like now given the sort of the rise in true crime aficionados and whatnot, that these would be your stupid ass podcasters back then. Yeah. Who I'm do not that en- kind of stuff. I'm not entirely sure that was the intent. I think more so the intent was to put the audience at, a, you know, at, uh, on their level and to be sort of terrified of mm-hmm. Pitt and Lewis. And uh, I'm fine with that. If that that that's being the intent, because they are these are people you do not want to be on a road trip with. No, no, um, no, 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 no. But I just can't. I find it really hard to sympathize with with the other two. I, I I'm not sure they're. I'm not sure the movie's trying to make a grand statement about that. But um, but uh, I don't know. I I I I don't get much enjoyment out of this movie. I don't think it's terrible, but I just think it just is like okay. I've I've seen it once 30 years ago. I've, I caught up with it again. I think I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah. I don't really like this director at all. Well, yeah. I mean, going forward, it's not a great list, but I like this movie. Okay. I, I And I for all the reasons that you have issues with it, I find value mm. in that. Particularly because I've thought the same thing with you with Brad Pitt. I wasn't quite there with him sure. yet because he was like, oh, here's the new pretty boy in yeah. town and whatnot. Uh, and this one where he's clearly not being pretty boy at all, and he's playing this complete white trash scumbag um, that is all you know is kind of charming a little bit that just enough to get him on this this road trip and you know put him at a little bit of at ease at first. Uh, but I think Julia Lewis is great in this movie. Mm-hmm. I think I think her performance is really something, and, it, and it's it's sad and scary and weird. Um, she had a really good run from Cape Fear up until like Strange Days. Really yeah. strong performances. Yeah, there's another movie that came out this year called That Night with C. Thomas Howell that she did that I think came out in huh. August. That another like a buried kind of movie that's kind of probably hard to find. Now. It's very hard to find. It's a uh, rom- you know, romance in the 1950s, I think, mm. uh, something like that. That's kind of interesting too. Uh, but no, this one I I I think it's very tense. Um, I. I, 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 yeah, I, I mean, I disagree about the 
the, I agree that the company character is dumb, but I think that's kind of the point mm. of it, uh, that these people are running way over their head and these eager uh, gen whatever, <laughs> whatever they are <laughs> at the time, um, are just in way over the head and they just like, oh, we can do anything. And they wind up with these idiots and like, nice going, dummies. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I enjoy California. Okay. Enjoy. Right. I, yeah. I, maybe not the word it's enjoy, average. but yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think it's a good movie. Okay. okay. You know, it's not a good movie. Mm. Can you guess? Boxing Helena. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Yep. You yeah. sent me the wow. link and I forgot to watch it. That's a good move. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, Jennifer Lynch. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Daughter of David Lynch makes this insane I guess erotic thrill. It's I don't know. I just keep using that term, but it's I don't know. Depends on what you're into. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, uh, Julian Sands plays a surgeon who becomes obsessed with Cheryl and Fenn, and well, they were dating. They were together for a long time, I guess, and then they break up. But he wants to, you know, still be with her, and he's just like insane about her, and decides, you know what, I'm going to keep you captive amputate your limbs and uh you're basically going to turn into like a statue of some kind <laughs> more or less yeah. uh wow it is just bad like some somebody on letterbox said this was the room before the room and i'm like yeah. oh that's interesting yeah I, now so i want to hor- go back and look at it's it so yeah. horribly acted like julian sands is awful uh, but Paxton shows up with his mullet. Yes. So that's that's <laughs> a good thing. Crazy. But it's yeah. it ends the it ends with one of the worst covers of one of my favorite songs. I can't make you love me by Bonnie Raitt. I am still haunted by my love for her. Still haunted by my love for. I am still haunted by my love. I am still haunted. Those dreams. Those dreams. Those dreams. And I was just laughing so hard because it's like Julian Sands is like cuddling this statue at the end of the movie and crying. And then that song comes on like, oh, my God, this is awful. Mm. I just and and yet some people do kind of like it. Have a, has a little yeah, bit of a following. The, the Lynch people. Well, I'm a Lynch person. Uh-huh. I think this is bad yeah. all the way through. But it's still fascinating in some weird way. <laughs> it's like watching a car crash. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Wow. What do we got next? <laughs> <laughs> Where do we go from there? Speaking of Brad Pitt. Yeah. Brad, uh, speaking of a lot of people. Jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, true romance. Sicilians. Are great liars. Best in the world. I'm Sicilian. My father was the world heavyweight champion of Sicilian liars. From growing up with him, I learned the pantomime. There are 17 different things a guy can do when he lies to give himself away. Guy's got 17 pantomimes. Woman's got 20. Guy's got 17. But if you know them, like you know your own face, They beat lie detectors all to hell. Now, what we got here is a little game of show and tell. You don't want to show me nothing, but you tell me everything. I know you know where they are, so tell me. 
Before I do some damage, you won't walk away from. You know, it, it was a hot script. You know, Quentin Tarantino, of course, uh, he, when he sold it, that was that was uh, his ticket to directing Reservoir Dogs. So, um, and everybody wanted to be involved in it, and pretty much well, everybody was. Uh, you know, Christian Slater, Patricia Arquette, Dennis Hopper, Christopher Walken. Uh, Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. Uh, Brad, Pitt. Brad Pitt and uh, James Gandolfini. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, Michael Rapaport. Saul Rubinek. Chris Penn. Brent Sh- Brandon Sizemore. Yeah. Ned Louder. <laughs> Just keep going and going yeah. and going. And Bronson Pinchot. Gary Oldman. <laughs> Gary Oldman. Um, oh yeah, Gary Oldman. Yeah, of course. Yes. Samuel uh, Jackson. Right. Yeah, he does show up and yeah. talk about eating pussy. That's right. <laughs> oh, my God. And you know what? They all get to do something cool. And they all get to have fun with this script. And because that, because, you know, that it was so strongly written uh, and directed by Tony Scott. And um, man, I remember seeing this in the theater and walking out just on a high. I mean, it was just like, oh, oh, was a lot of cocaine. I don't remember if we've ever talked about this movie before, before. Yeah, no problem. I don't know, but um, but this was a uh, a I remember it, when it came out, we you know my friend and I were like, we love Reservoir Dogs, we got to go see this, and uh, we walked out not at all disappointed, but really disappointed that nobody went to see it. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of bomb, right? Yeah, yeah, right. nobody went and saw it. Um, I mean Quentin Tarantino. I mean he's not the name that we all knew, and it was only a writing credit. So I mean Tony Scott directed the movie I, I still think it's tony scott's best movie i was just gonna yes. say some people I, feel that way yeah i, I crimson uh, tide for me but that's yeah. number two yeah um flip it for me yeah <laughs> but no but i mean this movie to me is just i mean you think about how many movies do this kind of this copycat thing they were doing it before this and they certainly were doing it after this where you got a bunch kind of, of bonnie and clyde type of thing yeah you got yeah. a bunch of collective weirdos all chasing after one mcguffin and whatnot and they all they're all hip. They're all cool. They all got fun, something fun to say and do and whatnot. Uh, but the, the way this thing builds and the, the the humor involved in it, and there's there's an ugliness to it, but there's comeuppance for the ugliness, and then uh, building up to that hotel sequence at the end, uh, where every Tarantino movie at that point had to have a you know Shootout. Mexican standoff. Yeah. Um, but this was the creme de la creme of it all, and it just like that's the ending this movie needs, and you want that movie to have this this ending. Uh yeah, I I love True Romance. Love this movie. Of yeah. course, how can you not? That okay. monologue alone. And yeah. then yeah, I always thought it would have been interesting if he didn't Christian Slater didn't live at the end. I mean, which is the original ending. Yeah, yeah. I would I don't know if I'd say I'd prefer it that way cuz I I'm fine with how it plays out. Yeah, I am too. And the use of the uh Is it from Badlands? The score? Like that or they basically like ripping that off or <laughs> the, the Hans Zimmer I, score. Yeah. In the movie. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if it's a There's, direct copy or not. No, it's, it's not a direct copy. I think it's, it's a, just inspired by. by yeah, yeah. 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 And it would, yeah. it would go on to be used in so many other things. Yes. Too. Um, and Patricia Arquette's watching Free Jack at one point. Yes, she is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Brad Pitt is watching Stay Tuned at another point. Oh, that's my right. God. They're both Morgan Creek movies. <laughs> that's right. <Yeah. laughs> um, no, and then and then it and then it was released on video very quickly and given a really bad cover. No, it took a long time for this uh, to really find its audience. Of course, yeah. it would find it at, you know next year, but. Um, but no, this was uh, this was a, a. I just remember walking out of the theater, going, "Man, this Tarantino guy is the real deal." Like you know, yeah. 
Ugh. Um, yeah, we'll get yeah. some more of that next year. Yeah, um, <laughs> I just I want to just interrupt for a second because we are in September at this point, and I, I just wanted to make mention that this is about the period of time when Colin and I first met. I was going to say the <gasps> exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. We right. we first met at Columbia College. That's um, right. I can't I can't remember if this we started in August or September. Columbia when, always started in September. It was, that September. was a weird college. It yeah. still does it. I think right. The, the yeah that, that yeah. I, I couldn't quite remember, but yeah, it was September. So the, yeah, I mean we were. The, Literally, like the like, I, I was that your first class? No, you I were there before. I had right? been there before, and I dropped out, and I was coming back to okay. do the film program. And yeah. you and I were in the film production one yeah. program, film techniques one, film tech one. That's right. Yeah, and I just remember seeing like, wow, here's the most unpretentious guy in the room here. <laughs> Thank God. Talking about his laser disc collection. He's got Last Action Hero and The Fugitive and all these other movies. He doesn't give two shits about the piano. Uh, and I just, and he listens to Brad Meyer. I'm like, I kind of like, I like this guy. I'm going to keep talking I can to him. See why. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and Colin introduced me to all his laser disc collection of Charlie Chaplin yeah. and Aww. swapped, you know, so we were swapping laser discs in class and whatnot yeah. and uh, doing uh, very, you know, helping, helping each other with our student films and whatnot mm. and that's how it began i was yep. still in high school i'm sorry i yeah. couldn't i couldn't join you at columbia where everybody <laughs> hated spielberg at the time uh, well, no, no, oh, no no more than the my uh one professor who i will go nameless but he mm. oh my god did he hate spielberg yeah oh nice. my god was that a rough class to take i've watched some great stuff and i learned some stuff in that class but oh my god it did degilio take that it class? was worse than degilio <laughs> it was it was worse than like nick will at least admit that he likes more than half of Spielberg's movies. Yeah. Like this guy was like, like nothing. Hated he Jaws. Do. Like and, I'll, yeah. I'll, when I, we get to Schindler's list at the end, I'll tell you how he described it. Oh yeah. I can't. Oh, no. Yeah. I was going to say like, oh, let's no. stop right there. We'll continue this discussion at the end of the year and see how Columbia college likes Spielberg then because, yeah. Uh, Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. they have the, I still remember they had the poster of Schindler's list up well in advance mm -hmm. of that movie. Yep. Because yeah. Janusz Kaminski was a Columbia college graduate. That's right. Oscar bound Janusz Kaminski. And once that happened, it was like, we love Janusz Kaminski. Come oh, to our school. Yeah. Come to our film school. Yeah. We have Janusz Kaminski. Like, yeah. yeah, no, now you like him. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Right. Sure. Oh, is that why my tuition's going up? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway. I have money for nothing on Blu-ray. I didn't watch it. I, it's I'm, a good move. I get, Okay, yeah, I I've figured never that seen much. It. it got like two stars on Letterboxd. Too for much people, so yeah, it's too much. It's, it's bad. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just bad. It's okay. not. There's nothing good about it. Again, it's, I like the cast. Yeah, Michael Rappaport and James Gandolfini are in it. Yeah, <laughs> completely. I mean, generic with a capital G. Bummer. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I did like the Joy Luck Club, though. That was a sort of a oh, surprise, yeah. kind of sleeper, modest hit uh -huh. uh, at the yeah, time. I liked that, too. I haven't seen it in a while. but Yeah, yeah. good mother-daughter, right. like multi-generational bonding um, in an uh, Asian f uh, household. Um, don't quite remember everything about it, but... Uh, but it's uh but I remember I, I did catch up with it like over the summer and I didn't write any notes down I should have but um but it, it is very good film and uh very joyful yeah it was, no, it's, and lucky yeah oh, yeah and a club mm -hmm. uh yeah no good 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 movie good movie yeah agreed anything before we get to the Scorsese film um mm. I remember okay. seeing the real McCoy before True Romance on the same night okay I'm just so it's two Val Kilmer movies open on the same oh, yeah. day. Yeah. Um, and Real McCoy's not good. Um, Kim Basinger, too. Kim right? Basinger is the expert thief. Uh, Val Kilmer is her uh, 
partner at some point during the movie. That's about all I remember oh, about wow. it. Oh, wow. Russell Mulcahy directed Russell it. Russell Mulcahy directed it. Not one of his I guess more interesting not. efforts. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty generic heist type movie. Uh, nothing Basinger or Kilmer brings to the movie is particularly interesting. They're not They're not bad, um, but they like most movies with those Two actors, they hated each other during the production. Oh, jeez, uh, what a shock. Yeah, well, just, I'll just say, you know, you started with real McCoy, and then we ended the night with true romance. So the night went the right way. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. At the Woodfield 3 and 4 in the corner. <laughs> Saw those. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Age of Innocence, Scorsese's um, Merchant Ivory production. Not really Merchant Ivory, but it's, uh, you know. Never it's, thought it's, that would that. happen. Yeah. Just like right. that pairing. No, well, I mean, they weren't officially paired. I'm just describing yeah. it that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, we brought this up a little bit uh, earlier. But this is the one with uh, Daniel Day Lewis and Michelle Pfeiffer and Winona Ryder. And uh, yeah, you know, it's is basically kind of a period piece costume drama. Um, you know, upper class, uh, snooty, snooty love triangle thing that it's just not my thing. You know, I know we have. <laughs> pretty much all bad mouthed Howard's end last year. And for <laughs> roughly the same reason, this is a much more easier movie to sit through a oh, much yeah, better yeah, movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is gorgeously photographed. Uh, you know, it looks amazing. This performance is all good. There's nothing like I can't, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just not my thing. It's like the, the best way I can say yeah. thing I can say about it. Like, yeah, I kind of like it. Okay. I mean, I, mean, I, I like love I, it, but I, I don't know. It was really well shot. I mean, again, yeah. it's Scorsese, of course. It's yeah. going to be well shot, but it's just like even the opening in, in, in the opera. I'm just like, wow, the camera's swooping and doing cool stuff. No, it, you it, know? Is, it is. It is. You know, and I like it when Harvey Keitel shows up. It's like, hey, Countess, you know, because <laughs> he's got to show up in every movie. I do like the ending. The ending <laughs> is very sad, and I yeah, I yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I like, I like where doomed romance movies yeah. and, yeah. you know. Yeah, everybody's good in it. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I can't. I don't know. It's well, you remember I, I I emailed you when we were talking about all of this, and I, I said that I had watched a bunch of movies back to back to back. Mm-hmm. This was the first of them. Okay, that I did the Age of Innocence, and back in '93, I was more with you. Like yeah. this isn't you know I wasn't the Howard's End guy either back then. No, uh, and back then I was like, okay. Thirty years later, as a movie about regret, yeah. Mm-hmm it rings a lot more true. Yeah. And I, I love the idea that is, is something that I've talked about for years is the idea of romances that are doomed by outside forces who have no stake mm-hmm. in it whatsoever. It's just yeah. the, the way the society looks upon certain things. And that can be true for a lot of things, obviously. Obviously, this is the white version of that, the upper-class <laughs> snooty white version mm-hmm. of that. But... But it still rings true, and I think that the way that Scorsese handles the sort of the gossipy stuff in the movie, there's some montages of people just kind of talking back rooms about yeah, the, I like the that. stuff that's going on. It is, I think, is really beautifully handled, and the 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 the, the relationship between Day Lewis and, and Pfeiffer, I think, is really uh, is better than just a sort of a mannered like oh 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 you know kind of <laughs> movie. You know, it's the, there's real. Angst. Like you see that like they're each of them are bursting wanting to be longing, with each other, longing yeah. for each other, yeah. and they just they can't make it happen because of you know obligations and society and all this kind of stuff. And then you get to that final scene and my heart just went <laughs> like I yeah. really felt something at the end of that movie and 
Yeah, and it carries through with these other movies that I ended up watching back to back. I'm like, well, I watch this. I'm like, let's do this next and see where this carries me. And so yeah, <laughs> the Age of Innocence is I think a I know much. Where you're going with that? Well, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a much different movie to me now than it was back then, and I like yeah. it a lot more. Okay, now, yeah, no, I, I like yeah. it a lot. That, yeah, I know. I, I like it, but I'm not. You <laughs> I'm know, not. I'm not, not criticizing because no, I, I there are people I that like this even more than I do. And <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's a couple there. more of these that you'll you like more. I'm guessing. Yes. that's just my guess. Yes. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. Um, <laughs> another movie I, I'm glad I caught up with again was uh, Into the West, which is. Oh uh, yeah, you mentioned to watch it, and I didn't. I should, and I will. Yeah, it's this movie. Um, it was sort of on. It, it hung around for a while in in the art house theaters. It's hmm. an Irish film. Jim Sher- uh, Sheridan uh, wrote it, and Mike Newell directed it. Uh, it's about these two kids who find this horse. Uh, just outside Dublin in these the, huh. these housing projects in Dublin called the Seven Towers. Us U2 fans know what that is. Um, <laughs> uh, and um, and they kind of just do, their dad is played by Gabriel Byrne, who's, uh, you know, an uh, unemployed drunk and can't really take care of them, but they live in these housing projects. And they eventually, long story short, they are the kids eventually end up being fugitives with this horse traveling across Ireland and they become wanted, but they, they, they think that's cool. Cause they love Westerns. They love American Westerns so much. Oh. They're always watching them. And there's also an element of mysticism to it because it, it's steeped in some Irish folklore. And, um, that's a really fun, like adventure movie that is, you know, very Irish, you know, just looking uh, at the cast. I'm like, yep. Yeah. I mean, it is, um, uh, it, it, and and there's a scene you know where they barricade themselves in a movie theater and they watch Back to the Future Part Three uh, on the projector. Oh and, wow, which is a lot of fun. But you can also tell like they didn't have the clearance of for having Michael J. Fox's likeness uh, for this movie, so like you never see. It's the scene where the the DeLorean ends up in the West for the first time, and there's Indians coming sure. to him, and he screams "Indians!" But you can tell they like overdubbed it with somebody who doesn't sound <laughs> anything like Michael J. Fox. <laughs> like, nice try, guys. Um, That's funny. Yeah. Uh, no, but this is a really cool movie. I, I'm really glad I, I I caught up with it again. I tried to catch up with it this week based on your recommendation, and it was available on one site, but I wasn't able to sign into it because I didn't have a library card. Oh. <laughs> Canopy? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. can't stand, like, you have, you have to belong to specific libraries in order to get access yeah. to Canopy. Yeah. Evanston, Elgin. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Library I, nerd. I still have to get one in Chomburg, so mm-hmm. since we moved, so. Yeah. Get on that. On my list. <laughs> on my list. <laughs> yep. And then you can go and rent Striking Distance mm-hmm. <laughs> on VHS. <laughs> oh, this isn't good. This is not good. The original title, Cop Boat. Was it wow. really the original title? No. no, I just made that up. Okay, no. <laughs> because I think the original title was actually like Three Rivers. Oh, Cruise okay. Control? Yeah. Cruise uh, <laughs> Control. Um, this movie wants to be so many things, and it, none of them are good. Yeah. It wants yeah. to be a mystery. It wants to be a Bruce Willis action movie. It has like it's slasher like, giallo like kills at Yeah, the, the, the kill stuff is not great. Um, the mystery is dumb. Yep. Like the, the yeah. solution to the mystery is really dumb. Oh, and, God, yeah. um, and it's, it's obvious too. It's like, if, the, if you believe it at the beginning, then you have to believe it at the end. Um, but, the, but there, there are a couple like shots in the movie that I think are kind of fun. There's a, there's a, there's a chase scene at the beginning of the movie where all the cops are going like over all these hills and like all the cop, all the cars are doing this. And I'm like, well, that's a fun shot. And there's <laughs> another shot where he's 
on the boat chasing the car and he shoots a flare gun at the car that's run the car's on the road and he's oh. in the boat. Oh right. And he right, shoots right, the right. flare and they see the flare. I'm like, well that's a cool shot. That's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'd expect this to be a lot more fun from the director of Roadhouse, but Bruce Willis's uh hairline changes throughout the movie too it's really yeah and then ends up with sarah jessica parker and her story arc is really stupid too yep yep Yep. dumb yep yep dumb 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 Uh, a couple movies that were a little controversial when they came out uh in the same weekend uh the first one is a movie called the program with uh james conn and uh controversial because when the movie was released uh there was a scene in which the football players right. line themselves along the yep. exit ramp of a highway as like a dare or like a stunt dare kind of thing. And cars would drive over them without actually running them over. Well, some kids saw that in a movie and decided to try it that and cool. uh, were killed instantly mm-hmm. and uh, really tragic because uh for a lot of reasons it's tragic um not the least of which is this is a really bad movie yeah it's yeah. just a bad movie to, to begin I didn't with rewatch it or anything but i remember it being really bad i saw um, it for the first time uh for this and uh i wasn't gonna watch it but i i somehow got access to it and decided to watch it um there's some interesting movie to be made about you know college and uh, football yeah. and acceptance and stuff like that and uh, and the way college uh, football players in college are, are treated uh but this movie is not interested in being any kind of expose of any kind no. uh on that sort of thing um and uh, just also just uh, way too much Craig Schiffer, not enough James Caan. Uh, that's, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. that's, that's true of every movie. Yeah. Um, even the ones he's not in. <laughs> um, Oops, we are missing some audio right here in the middle of this conversation. It got corrupted, but it lasts just a few seconds. Here we go. It's back yep. already. Yeah. Wow. They took that scene out of the movie during the theatrical release, didn't they? Yes, they did. Yeah, right. yeah, eventually they yeah they recalled the prince and then uh, yeah. took him out. Or maybe it was a sneak. Yeah, you're right. That's right. It was a sneak was, preview of yeah. the movie. Mm-hmm. And then they, yeah. That's uh, right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a movie that could have been ahead of its time, given everything that goes, goes, has gone on with college athletics over the years. And it's like, it's, no. Yeah, not no, it's good. Not, not good at all. And it's like the one sports movie where you're rooting against the main team. Right. Because they're jerks. Yeah. <laughs> it's just bad. It's not a good film at all. Like the breeze float straight out of our lids. Them, they got booed by these Harvard Brooklyn kids. Us floor rush when they DJ booming classics. You lick the crew on the fattest hip hop record. He tucks the kinks and sinks into the sounds. She frequents deep, fatter joints called undergrounds. Our funk zooms like you hit the Mary Jane. They flock to booms, man, boogie had to change. Who freaks the clips with mad amount percussion? Where kinky hair goes to unthought of dimensions. Why's it so fly? Cause hip hop kept some drama. When butterfly rock the light, loose sway boomers. What by the cut? We push it off the corner. How was the buzz entire hip hop era? Was fresh in fact since they started saying Audi. Cause funk's made fat from right beneath my hood. The pooba of the styles like. And then another movie that had a little bit of controversy, but for a much more fun reason <laughs> uh, The Good Son with uh, Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> Oh, man, did I enjoy going to see this opening night with all these parents who brought their kids to see the new Macaulay Culkin movie. Yeah, this is... uh, My parents did. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of them walked out very, very angry. Yep. The R rating didn't trigger them. No, apparently not. 
Kids well, want to see the new Macaulay Culkin movie. What if Kevin McAllister was a sociopath? Yeah, basically. terrorizing Elijah Wood. And um, who's the mom again? Oh, um, oh man, I forgot. But uh, in, this was another one. Rosalind I, something? I don't know. But uh, this was one I watched on New Year's Day and uh, had a lot of fun watching it. I enjoy this it's movie. It's a solid thriller. Yeah. yeah it's, it's just it's a solid it's, just Joseph a bad Rubin scene. is good at these. Yes, he is. Yeah. Part, yeah. For the most part. I mean, less than 90 minutes, you're in, you're out, and um you know, it's just uh I'm trying to find what It's an evil is. little movie. Yeah, no, it, <laughs> it is absolutely it's... an evil little movie. And it's weird because like I uh, the it's it's not a Christmas movie, but it takes place, <laughs> but it takes place during winter yeah. break, and I'm like, well, Lots who has a winter Lots. break? Yeah, and it, like the snow, but it's like sometimes it's on the ground, sometimes it's not. It's like we had a did, Christmas did we, break, but not a winter break. Well, yeah. it's like yeah, it's like wait, did they get both in this school? Like the the teacher in me is like trying to work this out. Like I what? mean, maybe they called it huh? winter break, but there's no this? Christmas decorations anywhere. Yeah. Like. Wait a minute. What did they? How did is they? Is it do a Jewish this? community? I don't think so. But uh, anyway, <laughs> but you know what else the movie? You know, the movie does is like it also makes really generous use of its location. Like it's a beautifully shot film that like yeah. it's like sightseeing in, in this like little coastal town that it takes place in. Like um, it's actually quite a beautiful looking movie, but uh, but really evil and you know. Not a, I'll say, yeah, it's kind I of like evil it, kid movie. It's kind I of think. dumb. <laughs> it's kind of a dumb movie, but yeah, you know, oh, that's yeah. a really entertaining, fun. dumb yeah. movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. Macaulay Culkin's good at being this he kind is? of evil. Really good. Yeah. And Elijah Wood looks is great at being scared shitless. <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah. I like the good son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Sooner or later, they're gonna find out about you. Who's they? My dad. My mom. I told your mom. Why would she believe you? She's my mom, not yours. You know, you're wrong about that. She is my mother. Your mom? You crazy? Your mom's maggot food. My mom said she'd always be with me. She chose your mom as a way of coming back. But I guess she wouldn't understand that. But it's true. She's my mother now. And then uh, we have Richard Linklater... Uh, his follow up, oh. his follow up to Slacker, the uh, now now classic stoner comedy, but also you know high school comedy, and uh, Dazed and Confused. Say, man, you got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. <laughs> It'd be a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> This to me is another perfect movie. I yeah, you know I, I have nothing. I, <laughs> I really can't find much fault with it either. Yeah, I, I love I, every I, cast member, every line of dialogue, everything about it rings true. Often reflects my high school experience, even if I didn't grow up during this period. But um, everybody's everybody's pretty tall though. <laughs> everybody's really tall in this movie as we're in my high school everybody was yeah more they, everybody looked like wiley wiggins more or less mm-hmm. um no there isn't a false note in this and it's wild to me that like i know kevin smith cited slacker as like the reason why he started making movies but there's just like the the gilligan's island speech in early in this film was just like kevin smith must have watched this movie and he stole half the cast for his other movies <laughs> in the future too it's just like 
it, it, it feels like he built his whole career off the first two Richard Linklater movies, more or less. But no, I'm not saying it's like, you know, a strike against him or anything. This is a great movie to rip off. Um, I just like great hangout movies, you know, and this is the best example of one. Mm-hmm. I, I have an interesting history with this movie. I remember you not loving it. Correct. As much. Um, I, uh, just for the record, I do like it now. Uh, when I first saw it, uh, the people who sold it to me, like you need to watch this movie, sold it to me in the wrong way because the the people that sold it to me were of the like, yeah man that kind of like we want to watch watch it because well, even the cover of it's like yeah yeah, yeah right yeah. And, and and Colin will attest this that wasn't me yeah <laughs> you know so I wasn't that guy so like I'm like I, when I was sat down to watch this movie I'm just like I I hate all of these characters. Uh, I, I mean, I just got out of high school, so I was kind of raw about the high, the high school experience. So I'm like, so, yeah, I, I don't like, I don't, I don't like any of these characters. I don't like even the people that are, I'm supposed to be identifying with in, in this movie. Uh, and I, I really just like, I don't, I don't, I, I don't want to watch that. I just, I'm not interested over the years, grew up, returned to it and found more interesting things about it, not the least of which is how incredible the cast is and where their career trajectories went after this movie. But also that while I found myself being more empathetic to the people I was supposed to be identifying with that were getting beat up in in the movie, uh, but then also I identified with the whole plot line of the the jocks being made to sign that paper. Mm. And that was something that I had experiences like that in high school that uh, I've just, there was, a, there was a moment in one of our, I went to Catholic high school and there was this moment in this, my morality class where the substitute teacher who was a brother at the at Driscoll Catholic uh, wanted all of us to write this paper about why we should be joining the LaSallean youth group. Okay. And I was just like, F you, dude. <laughs> and I, so I wrote what I wrote during class. Uh, and, uh, well, I had to stay after class after uh, that. And the best, but the, but the funniest part of it is that my friend who was sitting next to me saw that I was writing this. And it was basically like my breakfast club. Yeah. And it was like, my, how dare you think we should yeah. give you, like, I don't know anything about this. I don't know what cult you're asking me to sign up to, basically. <laughs> and my friend who was next to me saw what I was writing. And all he wrote was, well, I agree with what Eric says. <laughs> we both had to for that. Wow. And I just, I yeah. looked right in his face. I, you know, so I, that's a non sequitur. But, uh, but over the years, so I've, I've appreciated it, the movie more. I still don't love it in the way that people who have loved it for 30 years, I'm not there yet. Maybe in another 30 years, I will be there, God willing. Um, but yeah, I, I like the movie. I yeah. like the movie. No, I mean, I, I, it just fills me with a lot of joy watching yeah, it um, 100%. every time. And, it, you know, it's like, it's such a, I love that Universal has this like really strong collection of teen films that are like this, like Fast Times at Ridgemont High, American Graffiti, um, and then uh, later on American Pie and, mm -hmm. you know, just Breakfast like Club. Breakfast Club. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, just, uh, and this is part of that, even though they didn't really believe in it or back it at the time of its mm -hmm. release it took a yeah. while for it to find its audience i mean really gramercy is gramercy, the real studio right. behind it yeah. but but still like uh you know it's 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 such a classic now some is, of the best needle drops too yeah really. oh, i mean he paid 
half the budget went yeah. to that soundtrack. No kidding. <laughs> like McConaughey walking into that pool hall to oh, Bob yeah. Dylan's Hurricane. It's yeah. like that's inspired. Perfect. Really. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a movie called Baraka that came out at the end of the month, um, which is a um, kind of like Koyana Scotsy. It's Koyana I think it's from the same. Scotsy. I think it's from the same director. It might be, which is like these these. It's not a plot-driven movie. It is not. It, it is purely a cinematic statement on humanity and nature, and you can get out of it whatever you put into it, or you can just kind of sit back and enjoy the scenery and the music and the time-lapse photography and all the different corners of the world that you'll never see in your life, but these filmmakers went there and captured some of the most gorgeous imagery and some of those breathtaking vistas and some really hypnotic shots of animals and, and humanity and people working in factories and everything like that. I, you know, either you're, you're bored with the stuff or totally in love with it. I'm in love with it. I, I'm in love I with it. I love I'm, this stuff. Me too. I mean, I'm never going to be able to travel to all these places. Right, yeah, (laughs) I know. It's like, yeah, here's a shot of a desert in Bali somewhere. You know, it's like, whoa, okay. Yeah, Um, Yeah, man. And uh, if you're lucky enough to see it in the theater at some point, I think Music Box has shown this in 70 millimeter, I want to say sometime in the last 10 years or so. Well, now I feel bad for missing that. (laughs) Well, didn't you say they were going to restore it in 8K? Well, it's, it's been, I read online that it's the first movie to be restored in 8K. Wow. Well, it's a hell of a way to start. I, I'll say I want that. I want that <laughs> screening now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because I just watched this at home. It was just like my, my, <laughs> I, I was, it was a breathtaking experience. I, yeah. I felt speechless watching it. It's stunning. Yeah. Uh, so that's it for September. Unless somebody wants to talk about Warlock the Armageddon. No. No. Okay. All right. You know, it's poor single guys. I'm, yeah. no. Okay. I, don't, I can't do it. <laughs> nope. Mm-mm. All right, uh, so October then. Um, I didn't get ch- catch up with Bronx Tales, so I got nothing to say, really. This is my life, not yours. This is not for you. No guns. I first met Sonny in 1960. I was nine years old. He was the number one man in the neighborhood. And as I grew, he grew in power. He became a boss, and I was his friend. In a world called the Bronx. Look, I'm your father. I love you. You're breaking my heart. Sonny, trust me. That man can never trust anybody. The sooner you know that, the better. Oh, I love a Bronx tale. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. another okay. coming-of-age story, kind of, but, you know, mixed with a gangster picture. But yeah, yeah, based I mean, on uh, Chaz Palminteri's basically a one-man show, I, I believe. and Very uh, autobiographical, I think. Very autobiographical, and De Niro, Robert De Niro not only co-stars in the movie, but directs uh, the, the film. And I think it does a re- it's a remarkable job. I think it's, I mean, as we've seen, you know, Scorsese sort of run the table on these type of, mob type stories and whatnot and here taking this angle with this kid who like bobby fisher in a way is torn between these two father figures and one is yeah. his, his actual father mm-hmm. and his other is this someone and you know the, the key line in the movie is you know would you rather be loved or feared 
And that's the, the sort of the, the struggle that he has throughout this movie. It's like yeah. you could be great loved, but you have no power, but you could be feared and have all the power. But at the same time, it, it might not work out well for you because all you need is one person to stand up to you, and that's that's the ball game. Um, there's a lot. It's, it's a very funny movie. There's a lot of really memorable stuff in it. Uh, but the, the, the whole bit about uh, the kid that owes him twenty dollars and he keeps running away from him, and he says like, "Why why are you chasing him down? He costs you twenty dollars to get rid of him. You'll never see him again." Like stuff like that, and like op- the opening the if, if the girl doesn't open the door for you in the car, dump her. <laughs> like this is a lot of just little uh, life yeah. lessons from the mob, I guess, <laughs> in that movie. That uh, it's it's really funny. It's really well done, and and the stuff that De Niro does about you know the the father, the working class man, he's the hero. You know, it's like mm-hmm. Cloak and Dagger. I mean, that's yeah, the yeah, same speech that, yeah. that Dabney Coleman does in Cloak and Dagger, and here it's in Bronx Tale. Uh, yeah, I, I want. I wish De Niro directed more because he's directed two really good movies. That's in The Good Shepherd. Um, and uh, I think he, he he picks either good projects or he knows what he's doing. And Bronx Tale, I I'm big fan. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, next year is going to be sad, so let's just enjoy John Candy and Cool Runnings while we can, because mm-hmm. um, mm. uh, he's quite good in the movie. I mean, he's it's more of a it's almost like more of a dramatic role for him. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of the straight character in the thing. Yeah, uh, he plays a coach of uh, Jamaican bobsledders, which is. An unusual uh, but true story, um, you know, about these uh, uh, Jamaican bobsledders who eventually uh, get get into the compete in the Olympics. Um, still a very light, very entertaining little movie. Um, it was kind of a surprise hit at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I like it. It's pleasant. Yeah. It's okay. I think yeah, I'm yeah. a little, maybe a little lower than like on it, mm-hmm. but it's. I mean, it's certainly like you put it on, and like I'm not gonna not keep an eye on it. And John Candy yeah, is very John, John Candy, Candy is very good know, in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. he can yeah. carry just about anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Robert Altman brings us his visionary new film based on the writings of Raymond Carver, starring an ensemble cast of outstanding actors. Shortcuts raises the roof on America and intimately explores a mosaic of characters united by the dreams, the doubts, the desires that bind them together. I said, Ola, if I have one more beer, I'm going to have to take a nap. And she says, I wondered what it would take to get you into bed. I mean, after all, it was your mother's sister. No, uh, Robert Altman's shortcuts. There it is. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this was uh, his follow-up to the player, and it was basically, you know... Uh, he was back for good. This was that that was a strong comeback, and he, you know, probably in doubled down on what he started with by putting this like humongous cast together, and basically doing a three-hour take on uh, Raymond Carver, Carver. and uh, so basically nine stories, twenty-two characters. I think I got the numbers right there. Um, all sort of commingling and 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 existing over the course of a few days. I mean, we talked about the cast of True Romance. This is probably about as big, if not maybe bigger, but um, certainly uh, certainly comparable. Uh, including uh, Tim Robbins, who I think at the time said, "This completes my trilogy of assholes." 
uh, which I was like the player, Bob Roberts, and mm, this character. Sure, yeah. Like, yeah, he's definitely an asshole in this one. Yeah, no kidding. But a lot of people are assholes in this movie. I mean, it no, is not, almost everyone. Almost everyone. Yeah. Certainly, most of the men are oh, yeah. all assholes in this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's really easy to watch and easy to sit through. Um, it is because there's a lot going on in it, and it's all very interesting. Uh, wouldn't you love to just go fishing with Huey Lewis and Buck Henry and Fred Ward? <laughs> yes. And, yeah. Yes, I would. That sounds like I don't like yeah. your ideal. Yes, yes, I would. Yeah. Yes. Right. That's uh, like the dinner question. Who would you want to have dinner with? Right. You know? That's yeah. the fishing trip I want to take. Yeah. I yes. took many fishing trips, and you know, all offense, no offense to my dad, and my uncle, but I would love yes. to go with Fred Ward and Huey Lewis, <laughs> and then find a dead body. Yeah. Yeah. Should we take care of the dead body or fish? I say fish. Yeah. <laughs> um no, no I, I just yeah. I'm a I'm a, I'm an Altman guy, so Okay. Know. Yeah. It's it's I mean a part of me is like this that what is that uh expression like this walked so Magnolia could run, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do love Magnolia more. I get more swept up and it's like right. this Magnolia is like shortcuts for depressed people, really, you know. Mm. It's just how would you describe Describe yeah. shortcuts. Yeah. I, mean, like, I, guess, I guess everybody's depressed too in this. Yeah, 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 more or less. It just I don't know. Altman has a lighter touch, maybe. Yeah, it, no, it is a lighter touch than yes. than Magnolia. Definitely, yeah. he's he's definitely going for more humor and a lot of a lot of dark humor. I mean, there's mm-hmm. but there's a lot of darkness in the backgrounds of these characters, especially when you get you Chris Jack, Penn later on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Jack Lemmon comes in and delivers that monologue oh halfway through. Oh, it's that's so, so good. good. Yeah. I sort of think of like that character as sort of an extension of. His Glenger again, yeah, Ross. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. This is him a year later visiting his son. It's right. probably the mm-hmm. same thing. Yeah. The one thing I noticed that I wrote down in this this time watching it is like, not a lot of people of color in this film. Uh, even in the jazz bar, it's like that's where the most <laughs> black people are in the movies in the jazz bar. But even the jazz band is all white. And I'm like, ah, see, La La Land well, haters. Uh, White people in L.A. have been saving jazz since 1993. I want to see the Venn diagram people, the people who bitch about La La Land, <laughs> yeah. who love shortcuts. Right. Like, let's oh, see boy. that. Yeah. Here yeah. we go. List right there. Well, let's count some controversy. Um, yes. Yeah, I, I mean, I like the movie. I mean, I don't like it as much as the player from, from the previous year. But uh, And I think the movie is, like I you uh, said about King of the Hill, that it's a depends which stories you latch on to because i mean mm-hmm. there's so many stories um it's not as bombastic as magnolia it just kind of weaves itself in and the uh, some stories are more interesting than the others like the, the i mean the fishing stuff is funny the uh andy mcdowell the cake stuff is really interesting um peter gallagher another asshole <laughs> in this movie yep. he's so good um, <laughs> but then like like the robert downey jr lindley taylor stuff i'm not yeah, so it's a little like oh look they're looking at the fish. Um, not as crazy about that. Uh, yeah, but but it's good. I mean, it's definitely I mean, there's definitely enough to involve you in the lives of these characters, and the the humor involved is 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 great at times. Uh, and yeah. certainly Julianne Moore's breakout role. Yes, mm-hmm. you know, well you and, see a lot of ways. You see a lot of Julianne Moore mm-hmm. and Huey Lewis from the bottom half uh, <laughs> than uh, you would expect. I mean, I've seen Huey Lewis a lot on stage. I have never seen that before. <laughs> Pretty remarkable that he could just whip it out and pee. You like Huey Lewis in the news? I couldn't do that. Oh, like, no, that's, no, no. That's a pretty amazing talent. No. Wow. Um, and, uh, yeah, well, I forgot what I was going to... Uh, is it wrong that I laugh when Tim Robbins pulls up to his house at, towards the end 
and takes the dog away from the kids. Like, sorry, kids, I got to take this dog away from him. No, like, I just, I think that's funny. It is funny. <laughs> it is funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's cruel. It, yeah, it's it's absolutely it's, cruel, and yet I'm finding myself laughing because yeah. his his deadpan cruelty like knows no bounds, and right. it's just to the point of absurdity. Yeah, it's absurdism. The bigger the asshole, the funnier it is. Maybe, sometimes. maybe. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. No, it's I. It's one of my favorite movies of the year. I, I, okay. I love it. Yeah. No, it's great. Yeah. I don't love Freaked. And okay. I know this has another cult following behind it. But I'm in uh, it. Show business. The public does not want to see disgusting, depraved, violent Bill. And I suppose Jake and the fat man was just a fluke. It's about state-of-the-art technology. It's about Mr. T, the bearded lady. I am woman. Now like me. It's about Bobcat Goldthwait as a son. It's the end of the world! The apocalypse! Ah! What I meant to say while we were recording is that Freaked is like a 90-minute guar video. I'm in the Freaked cult. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. I think it's funny. Wow. You know, humor subject. subject. It is. It is. And I thought of it, I really thought of nothing but trouble watching this. Yeah, but it's much funnier. Okay, yeah. The cast is great. cast I mean, is great. But I just, it's, I don't know, this type of gross-out stuff, yeah. especially as it goes along, just, I don't know, little goes a long way or, yeah. you know. It just wore out its welcome for me. No, I get it. I, yeah. I, it's not the movie I'm going to try to convince people to like. Yeah. I think you either laugh at it or you don't. And I mean, it starts Alex, off really funny, and then once they start turning into creatures and stuff, I mean, yeah, yeah. I think I can kind of. That's I kind of like all of that. I kind of yeah. like all the, the 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 weird makeup and just Keanu Reeves' is dog boy. Keanu Reeves' dog boy is funny. Yeah, in the movie, um, much more interesting performance than in Much Ado About Nothing, which is weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, he's yeah. funny, and yeah, Alex Winter is. You know, developed into a really pretty oh, good filmmaker yeah a great documentary um, filmmaker yeah for i mean sure. that zappa documentary is fantastic absolutely um so yeah so i'm i'm on i'm on the freaked cult okay i tried yeah. and i was just like mm, maybe yeah. it's not for me but i can see why it's it works malice is for me i have an md from harvard i am board certified in cardiothoracic medicine and trauma surgery i have been awarded citations from seven different medical boards in new england and I am never, ever sick at sea. So I ask you, when someone goes into that chapel and they fall on their knees and they pray to God that their wife doesn't miscarry or that their daughter doesn't bleed to death or that their mother doesn't suffer acute neural trauma from post-operative shock, who do you think they're praying to? Now, you go ahead and read your Bible, Dennis. And you go to your church, and with any luck, you might win the annual raffle. But if you're looking for God, he was in operating room number two on November 17th, and he doesn't like to be second-guessed. <laughs> yeah, this was a first-time watch for me. This was a first-time watch. Um, Speaking of schlocky, erotic thrillers. Yeah. Uh, no, I think it's I think it's entertaining ridiculousness. Yes. Uh, made thoroughly watchable, mostly because of the cast. Uh, Alec Baldwin's monologue. Yeah. About having a God complex just rules. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the, but the last the last 30 minutes are just crazy stupid. Oh, yeah. 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 The whole movie is crazy stupid. I, I've <laughs> never really been on. I, it's been a while. I, I've kept meaning to rewatch this one because cause I love the writers. Yeah. Uh, is, is it yeah, Sorkin yeah, yeah. and Zalian? Is it? Or is it just Sorkin? I don't. Hmm. Is it just Sorkin? I think it might it? just be Sorkin. Sorkin and Zalian is Moneyball. Um, so I think it's just Sorkin. Oh, Scott Frank. Scott Frank. Okay, yeah. so mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom, two booms right there. Yeah. Two uh, very good, very good at 
dialogue and very twisty stuff. And I just, I remember, I mean, because, like, the movie starts off as a serial killer movie, and then that's solved 40 minutes in. I'm like, wait, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> uh, and then it, what it turns into, I'm like, well, this is really stupid. This is really ridiculous. Um, Poor Bill Bill Pullman. Like, yeah, well the, 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 well, the only part I, like, I remember came alive in the theater is, like, when he... Like he's like, I want half. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, There's yeah, balls yeah. the wall here. Let's let's do this. And then, but then that gets, you know, it's not really played up as much. Yeah, I'm not. I've never been a fan of this this yeah. one. Although I agree, <sighs> the God Complex. That's a pure Sorkin monologue. Oh God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So I, 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 I back that. Yeah. yeah, it's dumb, but I like it. One of uh, David Cronenberg's lesser films, M. Butterfly, came out uh, this, yeah. during this time. Yeah, not not a huge fan, but man, no. Jeremy Irons was one horny dude during this period. <laughs> like Damage. Yeah, just like, man. Oh, damage. Man, Jeremy Irons really damage. just couldn't get enough of this kind of thing back then. It was the art but, house uh, Michael Douglas. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He did, a, he did a Lolita remake. with. Yeah, yeah, yeah that too. Two years later. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so Oof. I don't know. But, eh, uh, yeah, yeah, I I love Cronenberg. Don't really care. like this. Would probably be on my the bottom of my Cronenberg list, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's it's <laughs> eh. yeah. Uh, and then I'm just gonna mention Gettysburg really quick because I wasn't gonna watch it. it it's this was a movie that had an unusual release. It was a four and a half hour uh, Civil War epic that was made for cable i'm not sure which outlet not hbo but one of those but but uh but they also released it theatrically in its four and a half hour form as well which was very unusual at the Did time they play that the music box no 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 oh, okay no, no. this is like not a music box movie this is a I very it was like a 70 millimeter thing. no this is a very sincere civil war epic where everybody gets a monologue you get a monologue you get a monologue um like uh, the movie would be 90 minutes if the, all the monologues were taken yeah. out but um I well cleaning out my parents' house uh, over the last month. Uh, you know, my dad had a DVD collection. This was in it. I'm like, well, I'll bring it home and watch it because it's 1993, and I'm still only about halfway through it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I was gonna finish it this week, but then other stuff came in that I yeah. had to watch, and so I never, I still haven't finished it yet. Uh, you know, it's it's like I said, very sincere, very noble. Um, Jeff Daniels, I think, is the high is the best performance in it. Uh, but you got him and and uh, Martin Sheen and Tom Berenger and um, who else is in this? Uh, but uh, but I I, I like the Jeff Daniels stuff the most. Um, C. Thomas Howell is in it. Kevin Conway. Sam Elliott. Uh, so yes, of course, Sam mm-hmm. Elliott. Yeah, you don't make a movie like this without putting Sam Elliott yeah. in it. He yeah. comes with his own mustache. 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 No, there's some interesting stuff in it, like some good battles. But you know, it is you got to have a tolerance for very noble speechifying in it a, a lot of it i mean yeah he said long is the, the thing about it i mean i was sort of on a this is i mean this is a few years post glory but i was sort of on like a civil war high so like any time a, a film to tackle that subject matter i was interested in it but this is i mean it is it's kind of it's just long yeah you know it's it's it's, it's a great score i think it's got a great score mm. to it um but that's all I got to say about that. You covered yeah. it pretty beautifully. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. Briefly. That's all I had to say about that. Um, a few uh, well, earlier in the show, I said that like water for chocolate is like the poster for indie cinema of this time. And another movie that kind of falls into that, but in a different way is uh, Ruby in paradise, um, which was a movie with uh, Ashley Judd and, uh, 
And it's be and again, it's kind of a shorthand for what indie Sundance movies looked and sounded like at the time. Sure. This is a a woman leaving a rural area and starting over in Florida, uh, somewhere in Florida, and work and working retail. There's a lot of pensive voiceover diary passages, uh, but it's a good movie. Like it's it's it's. I, I don't mean this to you know sound critical of it at all, but it's it's it is a it's 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 it, you know it's kind of movie that. Um, you know, broke some talent through and, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's not, not, not bad. It was widely praised when it came out. But, yeah. Rightfully uh, so. I think. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a good film. Yeah. Breakthrough performance. Yep. For sure. It's yeah. a, it's a good movie about, I and mean, here we just, I just talked about a movie about a, a woman, a role for a woman that was not very well written. And this one is because it's all about a woman figuring things out mm-hmm. at a young age. I mean, I think, I think she's like 20, in in, yeah. in the movie something like that so it's someone who's moving to a new place you know that uh, it, it's not a film about the work situation but yet it very much is it's not like her dream but it's what she needs to do to get by and there's a line in the movie that i'm forgetting right now but i think it's something like like you know it's not the game that i want but it's the game that i know something i'm paraphrasing a little bit and and that that really struck me i'm like that's how people decide on things yeah, you know yeah. when you think point. that you don't uh, live up to whatever your dream and i don't even know what she even like has a dream in the movie most movies of this type would give her a dream she wants to open her own clothing store or something like that she wants to own her own hotel um but also then there's like relationships with these two guys there's a bad guy and there's a good guy todd field right? todd field who i think <laughs> when you watch this movie Anyone who thinks he's Mr. Johnny Pretentious because of Tar and the movies that he's directed, they think of him in this movie because he actually, although he's the good guy because he's not the rapey jerk that she's hooks up with early on, Mm -hmm. but he's also incredibly pretentious and he's Mr. Save the World and looks down upon her choices and stuff like that, even though he's, he treats her well, but he, he's very condescending. And the, the point of the movie was just like, and I stopped seeing him that often after that. And I was like, this, this movie understands that age, I think. Yeah. And, uh, and I think, so. I think it's, a, it's an interesting movie. In that yeah, respect. I like the movie that he followed up with uh, a few years later, Yuli's Gold. I really like that one, too. That was, yeah, that's a, yeah, another good movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that came out on my birthday. So did Gettysburg. Aww. And then another movie that came out on my birthday, a little film called Demolition Man. Hell yeah. Another Stallone movie. <laughs> Hell yeah. Let's do this. Yeah. Criminals will be frozen and reprogrammed in cryogenic prisons. The prisoners are ice cubes. Their criminal instincts are being reprogrammed as they sleep. Aggression and deviant behavior will be totally eliminated. <laughs> He's a criminal the likes of which you have never seen. In a bad time, he was the worst. I'm gonna love running this place. But in the year 2032... This morning, Simon Phoenix escaped from this cryo facility. We are, quite frankly, not equipped to deal with the situation. Amidst a world of peace and calm... We're police officers. We're not trained for this kind of violence. The fiendish Simon Phoenix apprehended back in the 20th. In the end, it took just one man, John Spartan. You mean the demolition man? The 
conditions of your parole are full reinstatement into the SAPD and immediate assignment to the apprehension of Simon Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the movie that I think this is a good compliment to the uh, last action hero. Um, uh, yeah. it's, it's a movie that predicts Arnold Schwarzenegger would be president yes. and was mm -hmm. not too far off, really. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm not saying, not comparing him to Trump, but he did become governor. He and, did? You know, he did. He yeah. did it was not, it, it was pretty That prophetic. guy became president? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That guy starred in Terminator 2? Yeah. <laughs> it's like two vastly different things going yeah. on. But yeah, no, it makes sense. But now this movie was, um, you know, advertised as a at least from the poster anyway, as this like serious action film with Wesley Snipes and Sylvester Stallone, Demolition Man. Cop versus criminal. Yeah, but this thing is clearly a comedy. I mean, yeah. it is a comedy I mean, through yeah, and through. Look at that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like... It's, like it's, it's like a Rocky poster. Yeah, exactly. Right, you know? Yeah. Uh, but then you watch it, and it's like all these Taco Bell jokes, and Sandra Bullock is hilarious. I think a lot of that comes from Daniel Waters. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And uh, Sandra Bullock is hilarious in it. Like she's just like the happiest person in the world, and like the, 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 I, the nostalgia <laughs> queen of the movie that she yeah, has this right. this inkling for '80s action movies, right. and she's in an '80s action movie basically yeah. in the '90s, but takes yeah. place many years later. And you're talking about a movie that almost kind of predicts where we are now. Yep. <laughs> I mean, these, these super sensitive culture that mm -hmm. we find ourselves in right now, and this movie called it and in 1993 and yeah it is a comedy but it is also a pretty good action movie oh, too yeah. if you just if you just want to see people just firing guns and just <laughs> as much destruction as possible yeah it turns into a spectacle at times. oh it's so it's, it's yeah and it's so it's much fun, fun. it yeah. is so much fun i love i love this movie. yeah <laughs> it's, so, no, it's so great it's a lot of fun yeah, yeah. every time he swears yeah. Is funny. <laughs> Every single time you hear that thing go off in the background yeah. finding him, it yeah. is funny. Every yep. single time. Yeah. No, it's a, 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 a kind of a misunderstood movie. But uh not screened for critics. Yeah, really? It, came out. it was not screened for critics. Cisco okay. and Ebert actually watched didn't like caught up with it a week or two afterwards, and Ebert gave a thumbs up. Okay. And and Siskel was not his his thumb was down, but it was not like he had a lot of affection yeah. for it. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Oh, it's good. All right. Best movie of the year. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to have virtual sex with Sandra Bullock. I oh, understand. come on. <laughs> what? I didn't even touch you. <laughs> the hunka chunka? Come on. Uh, that's a Stallone <laughs> term for sex in the movie. Yeah, yeah. The hunka chunka? Oh, God. <laughs> Bony, the, the wild mambo, the, the hunka chunka. Hunka chunka. Uh. <laughs> No, I want to watch it. Yes, um, you do. Yep. You know, Beverly Hillbillies is not awful. Okay. You know, it isn't, huh? No, it's okay. not. I don't know. Wow. I wouldn't say it's great. It's not a... I don't know. It was just maybe because my expectations were so low. I actually really like Jim Varney in it, mm. you know? Mm -hmm. but, okay. No, I'm not saying, like, everybody should rush out and see it, but it was like, ah, well, good cast. All I right. liked it. Uh, I remember the day when... My friend and I saw Nightmare Before Christmas opening night. Uh, we also saw, it was also the same day, Shortcuts finally made it to Chicago. So we drove out to Piper's Alley and saw Shortcuts and then drove over to one Schaumburg place to see Nightmare Before Christmas on opening night. It's a fun day. It is. It was a great day. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, it was, we were two very happy film goers because uh, Nightmare Before Christmas was uh, just a, a, a magical movie to sit through. 
um, because stop motion animation hadn't really been done, at least in feature length uh, form, uh, not in a long, long time. And but this might even been the first time for feature length, but uh, you know, it was going dating back to the '60s with um, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer and all the Rankin Bass stuff yeah. from, the, from from the Christmas specials. And uh, uh, Tim Burton was bringing it back with, uh, you know, the adventures of Jack Skellington and um, with Danny Elfman composing the score. Of course, the two had a bit of a falling out after this movie um, because uh, Elfman wanted screenwriting credit, which he I think he deserved. Um, I would think so. Yeah, since a good 50 percent of the movie is music, music. (laughs) if not more. But um and a but a no just a a, a a beautiful creation from Burton. Um, the only real big an well one of the only few big animated movies this year. But I've skipped over a lot of them. But uh, but this was definitely the highlight of the year uh, in in terms of animation. And when you watch it today, it hasn't lost any of its charm. It hasn't lost any of its uh, fun, its weirdness, its creepiness, and um, the imagination still pops. And uh, it's still still just a joy to look at. Not crazy about some of the songs. Like lyrically, I feel like some of them could have done with a, a little bit more of a makeover. You know, maybe done another draft mm-hmm. on some of the lyrics in them. But um, overall, like this is a really, uh, really still just a wonderful movie. Yeah, I, I, I gotta say, I'm surprised I didn't see this right away when it first came out because I was like, I was huge into Tim Burton. Uh, maybe I don't know. It's it's just funny to think like, yeah, I saw Hocus Pocus in the theater, but not this. I don't know. It's weird. Oh yeah, that is weird. What it is weird, huh? <clears throat> I said, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm still thinking that way. Yeah. Like that's weird. But um, I don't know if it was just like anti musical or something or. Mm wasn't as big into animation but now i mean watching it today i'm just yeah it's i can see why it's so beloved it's it's crazy the kind of merchandising that's come from this oh yeah and the following it has and it's like it's intense people Mm -hmm. cling to this movie so strongly i don't think it's a transcendent work of art i agree with you that like some of the songs are eh, but no i mean it's it's groundbreaking. Henry Selleck is in, you know a visionary. For, uh, yeah, uh, forgot to mention him. Yeah, yeah I shouldn't know, have. But <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's great. It really is. I I I don't know why I didn't love it when I first saw it or didn't connect with it in any way. But now I love it. Uh, ditto. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to say that. Yeah. Um, but I yeah. I'm pretty confident, Con. Maybe you remember this. Uh, I am pretty certain that we were at one Schomburg place the same night that you were seeing a nightmare before Christmas. I think you might have possible. I think you might have just come out of it because a friend of mine and I, we were going into a movie uh, at the same time and we were seeing Rudy. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, yeah. And uh, when people tell you that dreams can't come true, you tell them about Rudy. <laughs> tagline yes. oh yes, anyway, yes, 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 yes right <laughs> <laughs> um and i mean this is the, based on a true story and sean Aston plays rudy rudiger who um you know lived in a, a worked in a uh, steel mill factory and whatnot uh and uh his community is a huge huge fans of notre dame and it's some of the dream that he always wanted to to go there but he doesn't have the money or the the knowledge you know the the smarts to 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 get there and after a friend of his dies in uh, the, the factory uh, uh he decides he's gonna end up just go and do it and uh he ends up it's his journey about how he 
works his way into the school system. It's not just a football movie. People remember so much about the football movie, but it's also about how he navigates having to go to a side school and all the people that help him to then sort of elevate his education so he ends up getting into Notre Dame. And then, of course, he takes the opportunity to go for the football team, which he's the smallest guy in the room and that, you know, he doesn't really belong in the football team, but because of his heart and his determination and whatnot, he develops the respect of everyone on the team. It is a pure cornball underdog story that I happen to really be a fan of. I, I happen to love underdog stories as a rule. Yes. Hey, you guys, my son's going to Notre Dame. I'm here to play football for the Irish. I wish God would put your heart in some of my players' bodies. You're five feet nothing. A hundred and nothing. You got hardly a speck of athletic ability. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. It's a great moment where Charles S. Dustin Dutton is a janitor and says, like, like, who cares about the football team? You just went to a quality school and got a first class education and all this stuff, and this is this is what you should be proud of. Um, yeah. And yeah, then it ends on the football note, of course, and whatnot. And I hear that the real Rudy Rudiger is a jag off. Um, oh, so no. I've, I've heard that over time. But uh, but the movie, I mean, Sean Astin is very likable. So it helps. Of course. And yeah. you got John Favreau is a big role in the movie. Vince Vaughn is, is in the movie. This is, I think this is where they met. Blink yeah. and you'll miss him, though. It's like he's. Uh, Vince Vaughn's he, on the football team. He's, okay. he's yeah. a, I mean, he, he's, he's not there. so much yeah. Blink. It's not so much a Blink. I mean, Favreau's a big role oh, yeah. in the movie. And Ned Beatty is, is in it. Um, yeah, I've, I've Jerry always. Jerry Goldsmith's score. Goldsmith's score. I mean, this, I, I mean, this is the same people who did Hoosiers. Yeah. So, I mean, it's right. It's a, it's a complete double feature, Hoosiers and Rudy. Hoosiers is, is, a, is a better film overall. Um, yeah. But, but it's. But it's, I mean, the, the, it works. Yeah, the score. I mean, the, you're talking about. A score you hear a lot. Oh, in trailers for sure. Rudy's yeah, score is yeah. yeah, it's pretty great. There's a scene that really makes me tear up when because I didn't think I was ever going to get into college. You know, I mean, it was just like my grades were mm. shit in high school, <laughs> and yet when I got that acceptance letter, I that mean, scene that is scene, so that scene is really uh, nicely done in that. It's movie. so beautiful. Yeah, it really really is. understated, underplayed, yeah. and yeah. Yeah, it's a good movie. I, yeah, I yeah. really. Yeah, I, I love sports underdog movies, and I'm not mm-hmm. huge into sports, but yeah. I just yeah, I connect with this movie. Yeah. I I fell for every cornball moment of <laughs> yeah, this movie when too. I last watched it. I loved it. I I just like, and I kind of sort of put it on not begrudgingly, but I'm just like oh, two hours. All yeah. right. Well, I gotta watch it. All right, and I yeah. put, press play, and by the end, I was just like, God damn, that was awesome. Yeah, like, yeah I just, right. I do like. Just loved it. I, you know, the people on Letterboxd who give this two stars, I want to unfollow you. There's, yeah. there's something to be said about like the characters in the of surrounding him realizing what he's doing. Yeah, and like when the coach, like with Jason Miller. I mean, for God's sake, Jason Miller is in this movie. That's and right. And when he played, when he and he's just like, if only of you had any half the heart that that kid did, and he's, he's throwing up his stuff <laughs> yeah. and whatnot. Yep, yep, I'm yep, just yep. like, like that. What a wonderful. Mm-hmm. you know, moment and, you know, and right down to the end where everyone's cheering for him. And he's like, yeah, what yeah. do I do? Yeah. <laughs> on the football. What do I do? Just stay out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And even what his friend says early on, like having dreams is what makes this life tolerable. Like, yeah. I, mm-hmm. Normally I could roll my eyes in sure. other movies. that's something like that, but yeah. I'm just like, yep. Yeah. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Mm-hmm. 
And then you got Judgment Night. <laughs> <laughs> kind of dumb, but Jesus. I still kind of like it, even yeah. though it's dumb. Oh, Jesus. Chicago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's so... Don't go to this. Yeah, don't go to this. Ooh, don't go to the city. Yeah. Yeah. It's, the, yeah. it's scary there. Oh, my Adventures God. Adventures of Babysitting. Oh, look out. <laughs> don't get off the wrong exit. No, these idiots learned nothing from Grand Canyon or Bonfire <laughs> of the Vanities. <laughs> and therefore, I have no sympathy for them. Um... But I was just like, yeah, they're all kind of jagoffs. Yeah, well, I mean, at one point you just realize what this movie is like. At one point, they're going down a sewer that's like a water slide, and then soon thereafter, Cuba Gooding Jr. is giving them a "never say die" speech. And I'm like, this is the Goonies. Oh right, yeah, yeah the, that's this weird. The freaking yeah. Goonies. Uh. Well, yeah, the, the criminals are chasing them through the waterways, and just yeah. it's funny that like you know oh, it's so dumb. <laughs> it's it's go, terrible. Wherever they, I, 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 is, what is it? The South Side that they're on, yeah. uh, going, whatever. I mean, it's just like it's Chicago, man. Yeah, but and, yeah, and, probably. And, you know, like all, you think about all the people who use Chicago as a like a criminal punchline yeah. and whatnot. I just, I, I just wanted to like. Like one of those dumbass news organizations, just like Chicago is so much violence, and they just put up a picture of Dennis Leary. You know, <laughs> just like show us the real, totally evil. believable, right? The yeah. real evil of Chicago, right, right? But I will say, separate from the movie, one of the more groundbreaking soundtracks. And People it did say lead, this a lot. I don't. I, I don't. It, know. it led to terrible things in some ways okay. with like Limp Biscuit. But but it was, was this was around the time Public Enemy like did a song with Anthrax. Here we go again. So from there, like they just did that okay. only mm-hmm. with like you know, 10 bands or something. Yeah. So everybody was just totally into this soundtrack. I, I, I think House of Pain collaborated yeah. with a metal band. Like, it was just, it was weird, but it still kind of worked. And then this was also a time where I was, like, huge into music and, like, Faith No More and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, the soundtrack is actually more significant than the movie ever will be, Mm. so... Wow. You know what movie's more than all right? Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> Fatal Instinct. Um, no, it's another movie that begins with the letter F. What could it be? Firefox. <laughs> Wrong year? Okay. Farewell, my concubine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess I will acknowledge the existence of that film because I did see it 30 years ago and I said, I'm never going to watch that again. That was a chore to sit through. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad some of you all love it. Yeah. Enjoy. There's, okay. Yeah, there's yeah. those movies. Yeah. Eric, what, do you want what, to take a bite into your strawberry? No, I'm afraid. Oh. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. I'm afraid. I get it. Okay. Because you're full of fear. That's right. <sighs> so when I think... <laughs> I'm just going to let you guys keep going with this. Yeah. With this mm-hmm. you got yeah. Now, I was never good at improv. I can't okay. do that. <laughs> 
could yeah. do it. Like I tried in high school. No, it was. I had to memorize things. Like yeah. I was better preparing. Uh, so it's a good thing your podcast. <laughs> I have a lot of notes, Colin. Yeah. <laughs> when I think of movies, to me, that feel like the best kind of therapy. This one sits right at the top of the list for me. This is one of the most impactful movies of my lifetime, and it's called Fearless by Peter Weir. Uh, I'm not sure if there's ever been a better movie about PTSD, about having a near-death experience, uh, about wanting to help other people by simply being there for them and yet not knowing exactly how to help them. Uh, and... I've always said that Jeff Bridges' performance in this is in my top five favorite acting performances I've ever seen. Uh, Peter Weir did just a, a remarkable job with telling the story of a plane crash survivor, and yet it's about so much more than just plane crash survivors. It's really about human beings just being imperfectly human and trying to make sense out of the fact that we're all going to die or we're all going to experience loss in a, a, a major way. Uh, and... When I got out of the hospital from a near-death experience and a rare disease that I got, when I saw this movie, I said that, that is, this is exactly what it feels like. Uh, I didn't go out and get strawberries afterwards. I had Pizza Hut. Um, close. Very different. Yeah, that's close. <laughs> but, it, yeah, it was weird. It was just like I, I put my head out of a window after getting out of the hospital, and it just life felt changed forever. And this movie just really just, oh, and at times it feels like a horror movie at the beginning. Um, and yet it's beautiful. It's cathartic. And the ending contains my favorite piece of music maybe ever made uh, from a, a classical piece. I believe it's a Polish composer. You might even have the soundtrack, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere. But uh, yep, 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 yep. Since the very end, Symphony Number no. 3 by Gorecki. Mm-hmm. Good this stuff. is a remarkable work of art and one of the m most powerful movies I've ever seen and a very important movie for me. Yeah, uh, I'm really grateful that I got to see this in the theater during its very short run. Um, oh, yeah, I don't think I've seen it in the theater, no. It's, uh, Can't wait to. Yeah, it was, I can. <laughs> it was hugely impactful. Um, Rosie Perez was... Thankfully, at least she got a nomination uh, for this, so you know, it wasn't completely ignored. But other than that, it was kind of ignored unfairly. Um, yeah, that's just strange. Yeah, and <laughs> it's, it is really uh, a remarkable piece of work from Peter Weir, who you know finally is getting uh, the recognition he deserves from uh, the Academy. He's getting a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Academy this year. And, um, you know, he didn't make a lot of movies, but when he made one, it was usually pretty extraordinary. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, maybe not all across the board, but for the most part, it's, 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 it's a pretty stunning filmography and fearless, I think is probably right at the top of it. Uh, because most of his films, the physical landscape plays a huge part in the story and, and, you know, with the characters, uh, there's usually something in, in, in the um, the civilization or the landscape that is you know part of the story, but in this one that landscape is completely internal, and it's you're in Jeff Bridges' head for the most part uh, during this film, and it's a really fascinating place to be because he's got this immortality feeling, um, but he can't let he he can only share it with strangers. Or people who mm -hmm. are in 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 the in the in the crash with him. 
I always and, found it interesting he didn't go to the group therapy session. Yeah, that yeah. Uh, you would think he would. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 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 again, I'm. It's, it's perfect that he didn't. Yeah. Uh, and the and the relationship that he has with Rosie Perez, I think, would be perfect for your show, uh, Friendship mm-hmm. Dilemma. Um, oh, that's too. Yeah, and uh, and the ending is 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 amazing. I love I love Turturro and and Tom Hulse is such a slime. <laughs> this yeah. movie is kind of a uh, almost comic relief, but he's such a she's just kind of a jerk. But um, and of course the best use of a U two song. Yeah, well, one of the best uses of a U two song. Yeah, definitely. Where the streets have no name. Um, no, this is one of the abs. This is a great, great, great film. Um. That professor that I referenced earlier at Columbia, yep. uh, he called this the worst film of 1993. Well, oh that's wow, just a yeah. dumb oh. person. Yeah, and yeah. I'm, I'm definitely not Slap saying I agree with the them. Face. Right? Um, yeah, it's it's been a while since I've seen this movie, and I just watched it again just this past week. And there's there's so much to appreciate about this movie, and I think when it's at its best. I'm not quite as high on it as both of you are. Not quite for a couple reasons, uh, but at its best there is a kind of a breathless quality to it. There's almost like a period of this film where you start holding your breath oh, yeah. in how Bridges is going to react to someone, how he he's, he's working with Rosie Perez and, and, and that kind of stuff. Um, I wish there was a little bit more about who he was before the incident. Mm. That I think it's hinted be, at. It, there's, yeah. there's the hints of it, but be, because he is can be so abrasive and so jerkish, to his family in particular, uh, and even in, in like the, you know, like I'm not going to lie to get you the money. That's kind of stuff. Uh, I wish there was a little bit more known about, to know about him beforehand. That was, that was one thing I thought of. All the stuff with Rosie Perez is, is extraordinary. Um, I got angry at myself watching this the, the, the scene where he goes, we should be by presence for the oh, dead. Oh, God. And I'm like, why haven't I not been doing that? Mm-hmm. For for many reasons, and I'm just like I'm gonna start doing that. Yeah. Um, and and the, I mean the, the, that the centerpiece scene with the U two song is just the, the the timing of it, the 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 editing out of it, the way that you're let in on the information of what's about to happen in that scene, and then the raising of the music is just it's oh it's killer. Um, I don't like Tom Hulse in the movie. I think he's a distraction. Okay. Uh, particu- particularly the, the longer he goes on. Like, his first couple scenes are fine. That's mm-hmm. the character and whatnot. But like when he's like later in life, he's like, ooh, I got the woman's, I got the money. Ooh. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just like, it's taken away from the tone, <laughs> I think, of the movie. And here's here's a funny thing. The first time I saw the movie, I'm maybe I might have missed the line or I turned away or something like that. But in the first scene where he has the strawberry pancakes and then he gets all the strawberries, I don't remember them revealing that he had an analogy to it. Yeah, the so, woman he's sitting with. Right, says, she yeah. says it straight out. I don't. When I first time I saw it, when I got to the end of the movie, I thought that that was a reveal. That at the end of the movie, when he eats the strawberry, she's like, "No, no, no, he's allergic." I thought that that was a, mm. like a mm. something that was held back, and I think I kind of liked that more than knowing this thing that like he keeps tempting himself with the strawberries as opposed to just watching him. Like, maybe this is just something that he's really just enjoying life about. And then the end, they're like, oh, no, he's trying to kill himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think, I don't know, that's just, that, that's a, you know, aesthetic thing that I, 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 I come to. But it's a very good movie. Bridges is great. Rosie Perez is great. Um, I wish there was more Tartaro. And he kind of, mm. he kind of just gets, like, he's at the group therapy. I don't remember 
him being in the rest of the movie. Really, oh, he, he, I mean, shows up he, he, kind of a little, little bit. Yeah, with Rossellini. Um, right, the scene with Rossellini. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, uh, I wish there was more of him in mm-hmm. it. Um, but no, it's it's a very good. You movie. wanted to see him yeah. with a bowling ball. Yes, licking a bowling ball. Yes, mm-hmm. and having telekinesis. Yeah, the song that Jeff Bridges sticks his head out in the window is the Gypsy Kings. Mm-hmm. Same, okay. same guys who did the Hotel California cover in oh, Lebowski. Okay, interesting. Oh, okay. So there's a connection. Weird okay. kind of connection. <laughs> Very there. interesting. Well, that's yeah. just like your opinion, man. <laughs> oh so, yeah. Should we move on to November? Or is there anything else in October we all want to talk about? I think I need to take one more quick break. Okay. We're good. All right. Okay, go ahead. Uh, one of them from the, from the art house scene, uh, twenty bucks, uh, which I thought, always thought was an interesting movie. Why is that on my list? With um, I mean, Brendan Fraser and um, Steve Buscemi and Christopher Lloyd, and it's just it's, it's like in the shortcuts realm, but it follows this twenty dollar bill that gets passed along to all these different characters. Um, and if you like those types of stories, this was always a pretty interesting one, particularly hmm. the the one with Steve Buscemi and Christopher Lloyd. That's that's a really interesting, uh, fun story. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw it, I, and I know it's on Tubi. So okay, <laughs> that's a Tubi yeah. title for sure. So I think people should check it out. Yeah, um, I've never seen it. Really? No, oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. it wasn't. It's not on my list. Yeah, it's not on my okay. list either so. for some reason. I don't okay. know how it got huh. okay. accidentally left off. Okay. So it's on your list. It's on. It's on the box up my box office mojo list. Yeah. Oh, we're going by your list. I go on my line list. Yeah, I, yeah the I Google Doc. Up. The collaborative. <laughs> yeah, Google that's right. <laughs> I'm okay. Well, yeah. I messed up. Well, I, I would not, say it's I must a good recommendation. That yeah. That's fine. No, okay. that's a good one. Yeah. Um, one Colin, you recommended I should take another look as the War Room the documentary. Ooh, yeah. Oh yeah, it's really good. Actually. Political, uh, like the sort of the waning months of the the Clinton campaign with uh, James Carville and George Stephanopoulos. You know, mm-hmm. Carville or, wow. organizing the troops basically and putting it all together. Um, it's you know it's kind of a quaint yeah. documentary <laughs> <laughs> compared yeah. to you know nowadays yeah. and. Um, yeah, and it's, it's sort of like you know, if you've seen Primary Colors, you've sort of almost recognized it's exactly what that I thought going on. I watched this in, yeah. in that thing, and um, yeah, I wish Stephanopoulos was a little more now the way he was then. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a little more cutthroat and a little more you know knew where the angles were. Now watching him on TV interview political people, I'm just like, dude, where's your balls? Uh, sometimes, <laughs> yeah. Um, Carvel still has his. I mean, he's, yeah. he's quite the character. He really is. Yeah. <laughs> and um, but that but that was an interesting behind the scenes look into does the you know the, the waning months of a campaign like that and how how people respond to it. So that I, that was that was very entertaining. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's much great. So. Yeah. It is. It's yeah. really great. Um, and uh, oh, cat. Um, <laughs> and you you jokingly referenced it earlier, but Fatal Instinct. Uh, Carl Reiner's attempt to do a, a 
parody of the it has some thriller genre. It has some laughs. It does have some laughs in it. Um, Armand Asante is committing to yes. the part. He's yeah. definitely down for it. Um, the sex montage, which him and Sean Young is, I think, hysterically funny. Um, and it's 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 they like tear a room apart or something. They, they tear a room apart. She's splitting plates on the yeah. and, and the, yeah, they, okay. they, they start humping in a refrigerator. Right. Um, <laughs> very a, a very funny image. Um, it's it's I mean it's it's very uneven. It's not in the in the realm of the great parody movies, but it's better than Loaded Weapon One. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, but not Hot Shots Part Two. So <laughs> so that's that's nope. That's October. Okay. Yeah, that's and I, I I, Return of the Living Dead Three. I like Brian Usna and uh, Melinda Clark is quite good. But mm-hmm. and I, I know I think Patrick Bromley is actually a, a big fan of this. Mm. It's fine. I I mean it's. I, 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 it's, it's, it's interesting that this also became a franchise, but I, they never reached the highs of the original no. without question, but no. you know, it has moments. So now we go into November and, um, the second Tony bill movie came out. Um, the first one was untamed heart. This one is called a home of our own with, uh, Kathy Bates and Edward Furlong. And I kind of describe it as a kinder, gentler mosquito coast. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> it's just basically uh, Kathy Bates taking her family to this very rural, very rustic, very like barely holding up house uh, <laughs> in the middle of this small town. And uh, they basically have to survive with what they have, which isn't much. I mean, in terms of walls and ceilings, not much. But uh, they have to kind of just build it uh, themselves and and try to live their lives while doing it. And uh, this is actually a pretty good movie. It's a good little coming-of-age movie. Um, the kind of thing Tony Bill does really well. Uh, just he's kind of there's some quirky characters in it, but uh, and and it's a it, it is a, a fascinating situation. Kathy Bates is is not a very not the most likable person in this movie, but. Um, but it is uh, it is based on a true story and um, oh, interesting. I, yeah, no, I, I I like this movie. I thought it was pretty good. I, I've never seen it. No, oh. actually. Yeah, I don't think I saw that. I mean, it sounds like a movie my mom and I would have gone to see. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, no. you can watch it with your parents. It's yeah, totally frankly. good. Yeah. RoboCop three? No, bad, no. bad. No Peter Robocop Weller flies. than no RoboCop flies. Bad. <laughs> oh, that is bad. Yeah, yes. you'd think having Fred Decker and Frank Miller involved in some way it would be better than it is but it's I'm, lame. i don't subscribe to the fred decker love oh i'm not oh, really? a, i'm not a monster squad that's guy. right yeah we've talked about yes. that yeah yeah uh and the day last last year uh, the day james Kahn died um right. <laughs> I, I caught up with flesh and bone which i had never seen before mm. And, uh, yeah it's 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 i could see why it wasn't uh you know completely well received and and why i really didn't feel the need to see it um i mean james Conn is very good in it it's uh, dennis quaid and um and meg ryan and uh it's, it's kind of a southern gothic tale i think meg ryan is kind of miscast in this one i remember her being pretty miscast and it kind of over overdoing the southernness too yeah. much mm-hmm. it's a little yeah. bit much uh some interesting scenes here and there it's not terrible but uh yeah it wasn't that wasn't crazy about yeah i kind of shrugged this one off but yeah. this is steve clovis's follow-up to fabulous baker boys yeah and yeah, um and early gwyneth paltrow 
oh, as right. well. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like James Conn's girlfriend in the movie. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, yeah, exactly how you described it. Yeah, right. pretty much. Not a lot there. No. no. Uh, so again, I, I know I said this earlier last year, we all just poo-pooed all over Howard's End, uh, the merchandise. Got so film. much hate mail. Let me tell you. Did you really? No. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I wish you did. I really wish you I did. Got a, I, got a text, I got a text or two. Okay. But, you know, not like actual people <laughs> uh-huh. writing in yelling at us. Right. I don't think they will this well, time. No. Uh, the film they followed it up with the, the remains of the day with uh, Anthony Hopkins and, and Emma Thompson once again. Stevens the butler has lived a life of perfect order in a perfect world. Now, his world is about to change. Well, no gentleman calls loud, of course. What I do find a major irritation are those persons who are simply going from post to post looking for romance. No offense intended, of course. Oh, none taken. Columbia Pictures presents a new film from the creators of Howard's End. What happens within this house during the conference could have repercussions on the whole course that Europe is taking. I understand fully. In a life devoted to service. A first-rate housekeeper is essential in a house like this where great affairs are decided. You don't like to have pretty girls on the staff, I've noticed. Might it be that our Mr. Stevens fears distraction? You know what I'm doing, Miss Kenton. I'm placing my thoughts elsewhere while you chatter away. There could be no room for questions. You do realize that over the last few years, his lordship has been the most important pawn that the Nazis have in this country. It is not my place to be curious about such matters. I like this one. Me too. I think it's really good. Uh, it's it's. I, I found myself much more invested in the characters. Uh, it wasn't bored silly like I was with that other film. Um, actually, Hugh Grant has a scene in this movie that's actually quite funny, uh, <laughs> having to do with Hopkins being tasked to teach him about the birds and the bees, yes. but Hopkins uh. has no idea that that's a euphemism, and he actually starts <laughs> talking him right. about, about birds and bees, which I thought was a really funny yeah. scene. Um, Christopher Reeve is good in this. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll take humor where I can get it in these movies. So, <laughs> you know, you make me laugh in a Merchant Ivory movie, you're already at you three win. stars. You yeah. Know? yeah. Uh, but no, this is a very good film, really good character study uh hopkins is fascinating in it and uh you know the the rapport between him and thompson is just oh really really good great chemistry i i won't lie that when i read that mike nichols was initially on board to direct this and it was harold pinter did the adaptation Mm. i was like wow that would have been interesting i would love to have seen that but what we got here is actually really good and it's another doomed kind of love story or you know two people who clearly have a connection but they're unable to fulfill it due to outside forces and there's this really sensual scene of tension involving like he's holding a book oh dude Mm -hmm. Uh, that scene is so good yeah so beautifully done um this is this is a really good movie actually yeah so this is the movie i watched after age of innocence Uh Uh uh-huh (laughs) uh-huh and um and that's scene you just mentioned that you just referenced where he's holding this book and he doesn't want to tell her, what show it, it to her what yeah. it is. And she's being playful. She's like, come on, just tell me. The That is some of the best body language acting I have ever seen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The two of them, uh, every every move, and just like he, you know, he's just the way, I, I, don't, yeah, like, I can't even do it face. justice. Yeah. It is so, there's so much tension. It is sad as hell. And, um, I mean, this, this movie is sad as hell. Mm-hmm. It, oh, it sure. really is. And watching Hopkins 
uh, as this guy that is so committed to not having a point of view, basically to just be mm -hmm. duty. And like there's that whole scene where he gets, you know, he, like the guy helps him with his car and he keeps asking him, he's like, well, weren't you around when basically the rise to fascism was yeah. happening? <laughs> and he can't give a straight answer. Like, I, I, I have no opinion about that. And he's, there's clearly something there, mm -hmm. but he just can't bring himself to do it. Yeah, and that's, and then, it, right? right. And then when that, that bowls over into his relationship with Emma Thompson, it's so, I mean, there are two other moments late, late in the movie where he's not looking at her and you just see him almost crying kills me yep uh and then her reaction when she's going away i'm like oh my god you know <laughs> it's just yeah. like my god uh, just like i just i'm sitting, I'm, I'm looking at myself in the mirror i'm like speak up asshole <laughs> um and uh yeah it's just yeah it, it's it, 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 another movie that just broke my heart in two watch watching them and emma thompson is exquisite in this movie, mm -hmm. she is so and Hopkins. I mean, this is we're in prime Hopkins period. I mean, this, this section. There's another movie we're going to be talking about soon too. Oh yeah, that. I mean, it's just like how? I mean, I think Hopkins is on that level. It's like how can you not like Anthony Hopkins, even if you don't like a movie he's in or you don't like a role that he's in? When he's doing, and he's at the top of his form like this. He is one of the best yeah. that we have. Mm -hmm. He's so good, absolutely, and so is she. That you know, amazing yeah. in this movie. And um, another, I mean, speaking of great performances, uh, Holly Hunter in the piano, who uh, she would go on to win the Academy Award for. You okay? Yeah, right. I just this movie too. Okay. It's just yeah. mm. um, it's to me. This is a movie that I love for a lot of reasons, but chief among them, the score. Um, I've I, this is one of the soundtracks I've listened to the most in my life. Mm. Uh, I've listened to Michael the piano. Yeah, yeah, I've listened to this soundtrack so many times in my life, and uh, it's it, and and the movie itself I think is also is, is also pretty extraordinary. Especially, I mean, just like the you know, I mean, that opening sequence on the beach, and you look at some of the shots of them in the water, like you know, dragon. It's like God, they actually went out and did this. And yeah. I'm just like, good lord, <laughs> you know. Drag a piano in the sand, like. Oh man, uh, but uh, you know, you also got Harvey Keitel and Sam Neill and little Anna Paquin, uh, her first film, and she would go on to win an Academy Award too, which was pretty mm -hmm. extraordinary. I mean, we've been talking a lot about great kid performances in this year. Here's one that won an Academy Award. thank the Academy for the honour of letting me be here today. I'd like to thank Jane, Jan and Holly for making this all possible. And I'd like to thank Eddie Campbell, Pat Quirk and, and Beanie for taking such good care of me during the making of the film. The sort of love triangle thing going on, it's, I, I think it's really fascinating. Um, and uh, you know the, the stuff with the the Maori, the, all, the, all the cultural stuff in it is, is I've always found that stuff fascinating. Um, and Holly Hunter just, you know, you know, mostly wordless performance just uh at, at the at the top of her game. And we, we all knew she was gonna win an Academy Award someday. Like mm -hmm. it was pretty obvious after broadcast news, like, yeah, she's she's gonna get one. Don't worry. Right. And this is a great one to get uh, recognition for because uh, it's 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 a it's a great great performance. Nominated for best actress and best supporting actress. For the firm. Yeah. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Does that yeah. happen more it happens. Than that, I think? Mm -hmm. 
that the like dual the, nominations. Yeah. Well, Scarlett Johansson just did it for Marriage Story and Jojo Rabbit. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. um, Sigourney Weaver did it for Gorillas in the Mist and Working Girl. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess it has happened more mm-hmm. than I thought. Yeah. But now this is. I talked about this movie a lot recently, not too long ago, with uh, Mariah Gates and uh, Ryan McNeil when we revisited Jane Campion after you know Power of the Dog and everything. And yeah, this is yeah, it's a masterpiece for me. I I love everything about it. It's one of the more erotic and sensual films ever made. There's just like a scene where Harvey Keitel is like you know kind of under the piano and doing something with one of her stockings that has a tear in it. And I'm just like, whoa, that's pretty hot. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. This movie, uh, it's, yeah, Holly Hunter is somebody that I've, you know, obviously I've always liked. And then this, to me, was just, yeah, kind of stepped things up even more for me with her. And um, in a way to where I was just like, yeah, even when Living Out Loud came out, I'm just like, geez, she should just win every award. She's incredible. Uh, and yeah, the score, cinematography, everything about this movie is terrific. So I'm pro piano all the way. And I, I wonder what you think, Eric. <laughs> Everyone's just waiting with bated breath what I have to say. Dun, dun, dun. Um, well, Kyle, remember you said uh, that I, at 1993, I didn't give a shit about the piano. Remember <laughs> yes. that? Yes. Um, well, I watched it again yeah. okay. recently. Um, I won't say I don't give a shit about it. <laughs> but this is the one that I break with people yeah. on. Um, and pre- and I, I agree with you on a lot of the things that you said. The score is amazing. Mm-hmm. Holly Hunter is amazing. Anna Paquin is amazing in this movie. Um, I get turned off when I hear people describe it as romantic. Uh, and I hear that word get tossed around a lot with this movie because this movie is not romantic. I can see that. You know, because this movie is based on blackmail. And sexual blackmail, and I'm kind of. It's really uh, striking to me way. that even yeah. now, thirty years later, that people look at the movie and look at it that way. And uh, there's there's some. I mean, there's that's there's something ugly about it. And I really I can't put myself past it. Um, I understand it's a movie about her character and her achieving what she wants, and she agrees to it. I I get all that and whatnot, but. You know, I just I, I can't get past that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I respect that. Response. Yeah, and it's just like I again like erotic for her, and it's what she wants to do. That, yeah, that's she needs cool. to get away from Sam Neill. That's cool. You know? Um, but I just when when I hear people who love it describe it as romantic, I I kind of go like, no, <laughs> no, yeah, not. Um, but beautiful look at mm-hmm. score is beautiful um it's there's there's an there's a graceful elegance to the the, the storytelling uh, and i can understand why people have the reaction that they do to it that's my reaction yeah to it and it's because it, it's right there in the middle of the movie and i just i don't mm-mm, yeah mm-mm. no it's sure not, no no, no yeah. i it's I get not that. pleasant no. yeah yeah <laughs> definitely mm-hmm. um uh, we I can got, skip over Three Musketeers. I guess I saw it and I don't remember it. But the yeah. song, you're going to play the song. I am going to play the song okay. by Ass. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I, st- I stole that from Nick. I, I, should I like that credit. song. I like that song. <laughs> it's all for one. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's not a great movie. It's just like, it is sort of like uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, where it's just a bunch of pretty boys playing cosplay yeah. and, and, and waving swords around. They, they, they were smart to not try to do accents. I will give them that. Mm. It's like, okay, well, 
better to not try at all than yeah. to try and and land where Costner landed. Yeah. So good good for you on that. But no, it's 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 pretty disposable. It's disposable. I don't I don't hate it. Yeah. No, I I think it's 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 a you know. For what it is, it's 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 okay. Well, it's a shrug, yeah, Tim Curry, Tim Curry's in it. I think Oliver Platt is amusing. Yeah. in in the role. Um, Kiefer Sutherland's intense. Uh, <laughs> just so, um, yeah, it's it's I, yeah, maybe yeah. it's because I know someone who really liked the movie that I kind of went along with it at the time. So yeah, there's there's better Three Musketeers. Oh, def- oh, oh, yeah, without question, without question, much better. The candy bar yes. is better than this. Yes, the candy it's bar better is than better. the Mila Jovovich one. Okay. I'm just saying. Did I see that? I don't think um, I You don't want to. <laughs> okay. Bad. And then uh, Bruce Joel Rubin uh, directed, uh, I think this is his first directorial film. He had written Ghost and Jacob's Ladder in the mm-hmm. previous years, and this was another sort of existential movie about you know death, and that's uh, Michael Keaton and Nicole Kidman in My Life. And in it, uh, Michael Keaton is making is dying of cancer, but he's making these videos for his son who isn't born yet uh, to sort of, you know, have a record of his life. And uh, it's uh, it sort of fits in with the um, yuppie redemption movies of 1991. Mm. Uh, This, you know, Michael Keaton's character is, you know, not not the greatest guy at first, but he's, you know, trying to redeem himself in this one. Um, a really moving film, a really, uh, a really, really terrific film, because this was kind of the beginning of the boom of everybody, every household having a video camera, you know, it used yeah. to be kind of a mm-hmm. niche, a niche thing, but now more and more people are having them. And, um, and, uh, so I, I, I kind of responded strongly to that about, about it, just about, you know, creating a record of your life on video of, you know, uh, of, of everything you're about, um, the only thing I, the one thing I didn't like about this movie was the choice of using chariots of fire theme during one scene. Mr. The roller coaster. Mom! Yeah, just the like roller Mr. Coaster. Mom. Yeah, I was just like, uh, yep. we could have done better yep. with that. Yep. Like, <laughs> but other than that, no, this is a really moving film, uh, a, a really, really beautifully acted movie. This is a movie that made me mad and that I wish I would have given my dad a video camera. Yeah. <laughs> really? Um, but- no, it's it's yeah. Everything you said, true. Yeah, they should have used Enya's "Storms of Africa," which they used in the trailer for the roller coaster scene. Just ah, say that. Okay. But anyway, uh, you and your Enya, uh, me and my Enya. Goddamn <laughs> right. Um, but no, I I really respond. I've always responded to this movie, and especially now, thirty years later, thinking what you know. Yes, I, I didn't really even think about it that much about the yuppie redemption kind of thing, but there is there is some truth yeah, to that. Is, yeah. Um, but it's also a movie about legacy. And what you're going to leave behind for the people that come after you. And in this case, he has a son. But, you know, what if you don't have a son? You know, what are what are you leaving behind? You know, we leave podcasts. We leave writings. You know, that kind of stuff. You know, and uh, that's something I've thought about a lot over the last few years. Just the idea of what, you know, what is going to be, what is our record of being yeah. here on earth? And uh, him just doing these simple things, these simple tasks for his sons, and the shaving scene. The shaving oh. scene, <laughs> so oh. funny. And the, yeah. Him walking into the room, like since Cary Grant, few people can pull that off. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it's just it's just a remarkable part for Keaton. It too, is. Who yeah. It's was, a great showcase for his. Talent. Yeah, and he's he gets to do sort of both sides of it, and it, he's just he's just one of my favorites. And so I I don't have a lot of criticisms about this movie because I really like it a lot. Yeah, me too. Yeah. 
One of my favorite rewatches because it's become one of my top three favorite Brian De Palma movies now is Carlito's Way. Maybe you don't remember me. My name is... Maybe I don't remember the last time I blew my nose. If I ever see you here again, you die. Did you ever kill anybody, Charlie? Guys went down. Yeah. You just do what you gotta do to survive. I give you a million bucks to make a simple payroll and nothing happens. The contract's already down on your pound. You're gonna end up in that river out there. I'm asking for your help. Yeah, well, I ain't dealing. I ain't going back to prison no matter what. Because uh, it's less about it being the De Palma show with, you know, being showy with his camera and doing, you know, gimmicky, trickery things and split screens and all that stuff that he's kind of known to do. This just tells a really great, compelling character study with, uh, you know, Pacino doing what he does best. And the supporting cast is really great, especially Sean Penn, which, of course, that hair. Is very should have been nominated. Yeah. Sean Penn should have been nominated. Absolutely, he should have been yep. nominated. Yeah, and the subway chase mm. sequence Please. into the train station <laughs> is one of the best set pieces he's ever done. I am on the edge of my seat, even though I know what's going to happen. Uh, usually, like, kind of a bookend kind of approach to the narrative would bother me, but here it works very strongly. This is one of the few De Palma movies I, f- I find to be very moving by the end. So I don't know. This this just keeps going up higher the more I watch it for me. So it's yeah, just I, not a false note in this, really. No, I, I, I think it's terrific. And it's kind of a comeback for him because, uh, you know, he had Bonfire of the Vanities and Raising Cain, which <laughs> weren't very well received, and, uh, and, and car- uh, Casualties of War even before that. Mm-hmm. So, like, this was, like, his big... You know, most well-regarded film since the yeah, Untouchables, criti- critically, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, since the Untouchables, so this is kind of a comeback for him and uh, a really damn good one too. Um, you know, he had a great script uh, to go with it, and Pacino's fantastic. You know, that's it's a terrific movie. Yeah. It's a David Kep script too, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, I think you know, so. Based yeah. on a, a novel or a couple, like a pair of novels, <laughs> I think, and whatnot. Uh, yeah, and 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 there is something. I mean, Pacino does have his Pacino moments in the movie, but there's there's a restraint. Of, a bit to his performance yeah. and uh, th- it makes him more menacing at times when, you know, he, he needs to be, you know, the stuff with John Leguizamo and all, all that stuff. And Benny Blanco, um, Benny Blanco from the Bronx, Benny Blanco from the Bronx. And, and, and over the years, like the, the stuff with Penelope Ann Miller, like initially was not my favorite stuff, but sure. I found more, there's more human stuff in that in those scenes yeah, yeah. that I've come to appreciate over the years, and it does you know lead up to, to the ending. I I've never liked the. I wish it didn't have the bookend thing. I wish it didn't you know we start that, the that, uh, start at the start end. the end yeah. kind of thing um, because I think it would have made that ending all the more powerful. Uh, but that's I mean God dang that subway chase is just everything about it from the moment it begins and Patrick Doyle's score kicks in. It is just one. Of, it's one of the great set pieces. Period. Period. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> saw, great film. Saw, great film. Saw, great film. Yes. <laughs> I saw a man's best friend uh, for the first time. Good for you. Yeah. It's Megan yeah. with a dog. It's it. It's Megan for doggies. I do genetic research. I'm going to do the intro to the story. Is this dog an innocent victim? And this doggy, Max. I want Max back. We're not talking about a street mud here. We are talking about a million-dollar research animal. Thank you, Max. Sweet. See, Max is not your typical dog. 
He's a genetic crossbreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's I, I, yeah, no. It was a, this was a fun, stupid movie to watch on a Friday night hmm. after a long week. I That's mean, exactly what I did. <laughs> yeah, it's just like I don't want to watch anything else. Just put the dog movie on. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen it before, but it sounds exactly right up my alley. Um, poor kitty. Poor kitty cat. Oh no, a lot of bad Swallowed things happen. Whole. Oh my god, a lot of bad things happen to animals in this movie, which yeah, could, which could you know ruin the fun for some people. But um, but no, it's a big doggy chase scene at the end, just like the Sandlot. And um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I couldn't help like every time the the lab that he works in uh, that uh, or that uh, Ali Sheedy I think works uh-huh. in. Uh, um, it's called Emacs. But the lettering is just like the logo for IMAX. And it's uh, just like, I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, this is nice. Uh, the I- IMAX <laughs> got its logo from Ma- uh, Man's Best Friend. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> You're right. I didn't yeah. think of that. The, the font is exactly the same. It is. Uh, so, yeah, Man's Best Friend, just dumb, but very entertaining. <laughs> it is very dumb. And I, I was very entertained yes. as well. And I watched this on Tubi, and it had a very funny cut because as. You might know Tubi does have commercials, unfortunately. And then the moment the owner of the junkyard gets his balls bit mm-hmm. by the dog, bam, cut to commercial. And Paul Giamatti is playing Einstein <laughs> for a Verizon commercial. What's up, Einstein? My network has gone kaput. It was just so oh, funny God. to me. Uh, um, uh, great, yeah. great commercial break choice yeah. there. I don't, I, I don't like watching movies about bad doggies. No, I know. Yeah, I just, I just. You know, like Cujo, yeah. I don't like. You know, I, I kind of, I'm understand. like poor dog. Yeah, I, yeah. Feel, I feel for the dog and those. Oh yeah, movies. you you would sure, this, yeah. especially with that junkyard owner. God yeah, damn right. Him. <laughs> uh, we got a rare sequel that's better than the original. And yes. That's, uh, oh yes. Adam's Family Values, uh, which is I didn't watch it for this, but I've have seen it within the last couple of years, and um, no, it's it's a terrific. Uh, thanksgiving movie it's very smart of them to release it around right around thanksgiving mm-hmm. um but uh no it's it's a better story funnier characters i mean i like the original i i, I do but uh mm-hmm. but this was this was even better because i i love everything that happens at the summer camp oh god i love all yeah, of that stuff that is comedic gold yeah this is and, superior uh, in so many ways i mean the first movie i think is, is yeah. kind of okay in a you know as, as big screen tv adaptations goes it's 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 serviceable. Yes, it's good. This movie had like just went for it, and like everything. I mean, I I remember how hard I laughed at the trailer for this movie. You'll find someone really special, someone who won't press charges. I mean, that line <laughs> kills me every time. And yes, everything at the, the summer camp is gold. Uh, John Joan Cusack. We miss you, in. Joan Cusack. Yeah, we miss Joan so Cusack. Good. She's so funny in this. Uh, yeah, this is a, a vastly superior sequel. The gods of my tribe have spoken. They have said, do not trust the pilgrims, especially Sarah Miller. Gary, she's changing the words. And for all these reasons, I've decided to scalp you and burn your village to the ground. And didn't do near, didn't do half the business of the original. Really? Nobody would, wow. I mean, this movie didn't even make 50 million. That's sad. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and it uh, didn't make even half the amount of money as our next film, which was a huge comedy blockbuster, uh, Robin Williams and Mrs. Doubtfire. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, it's, I <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know what I do like about this movie is I kind of like where it ends up. I, I like the ending a lot mm-hmm. uh, because sure. it is yeah. it normalizes divorce yeah. in a, in a, at a time when, 
any other movie, especially a big blockbuster with this much star power and, and everything behind it would be like, no, we need a happy ending. We need to get Sally Field and Robin Williams back together again. And this movie chooses to say, no, kids need to see movies where parents are divorced and kids need to have a movie like that, that they can respond to. So I, I fully understand anybody who, who loves this movie for that reason. And sure. they find some identification with it. Uh, if, if they grew up in, in that kind of household, um, you know, it's just, I, it's not that it doesn't, make me laugh that much. It's, it's very farcical and sitcom and I also can't watch it without thinking of arrested development. Um, <laughs> I just can't. I think that's so much even funnier. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but I mean, you know, Williams did a, did a, a very good job on yeah, all yeah. that makeup and, you know, you can kind of see how people would be fooled that it's him and, yeah. you know, Oh, for sure. So it's, it's yeah. a very good, it's a very good drag, uh, get up that he's got going there. Um, um, but it's not, it's not bad. I don't think it's just not, you know, a, a comedy I'm going to go back and watch again. Uh, I'd, I'd rather go back and watch Tootsie or something like that. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. it's a much better movie. Yeah. I mean, well, that's, Agreed, that's after yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. I probably like it maybe a little bit more than, than you do. Um, just cause I, Robin Williams, when he's, I happen to like when Robin Williams is kind of firing on all cylinders and he's just going for it and he has, uh, a screenplay that at least is able to put it in context. Uh, and there's, there's definitely some over the top broad stuff in the movie, but, uh, but I think he's really good in it. And I agree with you hundred percent on that. The movie doesn't pander to just getting everyone back together by the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, and also showing that the Pierce Brosnan character is not a jerk, mm-hmm. you know, that he's actually a, a decent guy and he's, you know, you can almost kind of feel bad for him a little bit yeah. that he's being uh, harassed by the Williams character. Um, but then there's also a thing in there about uh, the other thing that I liked is that the television show that he does that they, oh, they, yeah, they yeah. do this whole thing about how not to pander to children mm-hmm. and whatnot. And oh, I think okay. that that's also a really positive yeah. message. So I, again, I, I think mm-hmm. that there are a lot of things that people do respond to other than the stuff that we, would expect which is the williams comedy that there are mo- things within the movie that are good life lessons for people mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah um and then we have uh a kid in in peril here uh with uh <laughs> clint eastwood uh, clint eastwood's a perfect world with uh kevin costner who kidnaps a um a, a jehovah's witness uh ch- a child of a jehovah's witness and uh, he's he's a convict, uh, an escaped convict, and he's got this kid with him. Um, this movie, I think, is is one of Eastwood's really one of his best movies. Hundred uh, percent. Mm-hmm. No, there's a lot of great stuff in it, and also one of Costner's best performances. I mean, this is kind of mm-hmm. where he went pretty dark with this yeah. one, um, at a time when uh, you know he's pretty always playing the hero, and uh, it's a fascinating character, and it's a, it's a it's a it, it, it's a it's a great road movie um the only stuff I, i'm not crazy about is the stuff between eastwood and, and laura dern but um you know that's that's pretty standard like 
Yeah, girl. Rivalry. Yeah. Yeah. Rivalry. Yeah. Come on, woman. Uh, I don't want to have a woman coming with me. You know, that typical Eastwood thing. <laughs> right. That we also I think we also saw that in Line of Fire at first. Oh, absolutely. Between mm-hmm. him and, and Russo. Yeah. Uh so like that whole Eastwood trope I I get pretty tired of pretty quickly. But then there's uh, there are also some funny scenes with Eastwood and, and his crew and how they try to, you know, get uh, how they try to find and, and apprehend Costner. Um, no, it's a, a really terrific movie. And I sa- I was really sad to see uh, that HBO Max, I believe, was running, or maybe it was Hulu. I'm not sure which, but when they, have it, when they were streaming it, they had a cropped version mm. of it. Really? Yeah, because oh, this no. is in... 235 i believe and uh they were showing it full screen and i did like a side-by-side comparison on i took two pictures and posted them on facebook one of what you see on hulu and one when you see if you order the movie on demand or blu-ray which i didn't have the blu-ray so i had to order it on demand through uh, amazon and that was the way to better way to watch it because it gave me the full screen. So be careful watching this one. It is in two thirty five. So if you're if it's filling up the screen, you probably have a, a bad stream. Of mm. it. So yeah, I mean, this is a movie. I mean, the underlying thing about this movie is that it's a movie about the effect of violence on children because mm-hmm. yeah. that is where yeah. the Costner character is coming from, mm-hmm. and those are the things that all are the things that ultimately trigger him throughout. The movie from the kidnapping of the of the boy to that the encounter at the farm with uh, the, the the farmer and what he's doing what he does to his uh, boy, yeah. and uh, and and but the, you know, but you also have this as a convict you know kidnapping this boy and what is the effect that is going to have on this boy and yeah I mean that there, there, there's something really powerful about that and it's just it's just a very well directed film the again costner one of his best performances by far yeah uh and it is engrossing but it's the second movie this month that i wish it didn't have a moment at the beginning mm-hmm. that clues into what happens at the end that's and I true had an, an that's argument true. i used to have an argument with someone about it's like well you don't see what happened like but you know what that yeah it plants the about. seed right that, you yeah. know what that scene mm-hmm. is uh by the end so but it's a great movie no it mm-hmm. is yeah it's yeah, it's definitely in, in the top Eastwood movies for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I wore that exact same Casper costume in, when I was in kindergarten. That was, that was my Halloween costume. In your costume. underwear? No. Okay. For some reason, I always thought it was William Forsythe who played the bad guy. In oh, I thought that you were going to say the kid. Oh. Uh, <laughs> like, no. Very different. That's not him. No. I just, like, my memory was always picturing him in that role mm-hmm. as the, you know, awful criminal at the okay. beginning that eventually gets done away with, which I'm so glad happens because I like it when it just becomes the two of them on the road. Yeah. No, it's, it's surprisingly moving by the end for yes. sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll talk briefly about a couple movies we covered on our show on Christmas movies. Actually, the first one is the snapper, which uh, turned out to not be a Christmas movie. Um, even though, <laughs> oops, even though people like put it on lists and it's one of the movies that like apparently in Ireland, they love watching this movie at Christmas time. Like the opening scene is at Christmas, I think, but then the rest of the movie completely is not. And we didn't know that going in, but we were just like, let's make this our, next episode for St. Patrick's day. And then we were just like, this doesn't work at all, but we're still going to do it. So we paired it with something else. But, um, 
But no, it's a very charming uh, semi-sequel to The Commitments. It's part of the trilogy, the Barrytown trilogy, um, written by... I guess uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Roddy Doyle wrote three books, The Commitments, The Snapper, and The Van. And the, there will be a film version of The Van in a few years after this. Um, the, the one constant char- uh, character and, and actor in it is Cole Meany right. playing the dad. Uh, but this is a pregnancy comedy, and um, it's charming. It's fine. It's it's cute. Uh, you know, I, I don't have too much to say about it. Um, and then uh, the Nutcracker, which was uh, also uh, Macaulay Culkin doing ballet, which he had done before, not in a movie, but he would he had an interest in ballet. Um, a lot of people kind of are cruel about his performance in it, like just kind of like say he doesn't he's not very good at it, is he? And it's like, <laughs> no, come on, he's he's a kid. Um, but it is kind of weird to see him there, you know, mm-hmm. like in the middle of all these professionals and there's Macaulay Culkin. But uh, no, it's, 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 I think cinematically, like it's pretty cool, like little performance film, but, um, but it's not, you know, the way to see the Nutcracker is live and, uh, and, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's okay. It's an, an, an interesting little side note to Macaulay Culkin's mm-hmm. career. Yeah, 32 uh, short films about Glenn Gould. I tried watching this. and How many films did you get through? <laughs> a few. <laughs> but I need to watch it when I'm not sleepy. Because yeah. uh, it starts off a little slow. But I was like, this this has potential to be pretty incredible. I just didn't get through it all. So I will eventually. Because it's, it's highly acclaimed. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we certainly got one of the all-time great Simpsons episodes as a result of this existing. So Aurora Borealis. At this time of year, at this time of day, in this part of the country, localized entirely within your kitchen. Yes. Yeah, I was going to go back and look at this because... Hard to find. Yeah, it is hard to find, except when Criterion wants to have it, because it's been on Criterion before, but it's not on there now, and now I just got to wait till they have it. It's on archive.org, of all places. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's it, it's it looks interesting. I I'm very curious because yeah, again, a lot of people do love it. Yeah, uh, I did not watch Sister Act two. I didn't either. Me neither. Oh. Okay, all right, never mind. Moving on. <laughs> um, <laughs> very interesting movie here. Six Degrees of Separation. You know, it's. Is uh, it? I mean, I I like it. I, I kind of like it. Yeah. I mean, just just because the Will Smith performance is unlike anything we'd ever gotten before or after. It's just. Mm-hmm. The one where it's, he refuses to kiss a man. <laughs> one of the one of the <laughs> funnier aspects of this movie is the absurd idea that Sidney Poitier is directing a film version of Cats. <laughs> like, <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> especially since Ian McKellen is in this film. Yes, right. <laughs> uh, that that took me back when yeah. I when I when That's, I saw that. Uh-huh. No, I think this is an interesting movie too. Um, I, I think it holds up actually pretty well, even though there are moments when I think Channing and Sutherland are sort of trying to do the stage version Mm -hmm. like their Mm -hmm. acting choices are a little too theatrical Theatrical, yeah 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 Um, but uh you know but uh, it's directed by fred skepsi who i think is kind of a sort of an unsung you know great director uh and this is you know this is a really a really interesting movie based on a play uh yeah will smith is kind of this con artist kind of you know you're not quite sure what his deal is 
um, or if he is a con artist, but it's, uh, but no, it's, it's, I, I, I remember I, I hadn't seen this movie in 30 years. I had no idea what, if I was going to like it or not, but I, I liked it. Yeah. For some reason, I always think of, um, Anthony Michael Hall teaching him to be more proper mm-hmm. and like saying bottle of beer. This nitwit Chapman who shot John Lennon said he did it because he wanted to draw the attention of the world to catch her in the rye. And the reading of this book would be his defense. Young Hinckley, the whiz kid who shot Reagan and his press secretary, said, if you want my defense, all you have to do is read Catch Her in the Rye. <laughs> I haven't read it in years. Well, I borrowed a copy from a young friend of mine because I wanted to see what she had underlined. And I read this book to find out why this touching, beautiful, sensitive story published in July 1951 had turned into this manifesto of hate. I started reading. It's exactly as I had remembered. Everybody's a phony. Page two, my brother's in Hollywood being a prostitute. Page three, what a phony slob his father was. Page nine, people never notice anything. Then on page 22, my hair stood up. Well, (laughs) remember Holden Caulfield, the definitive, sensitive youth wearing his red hunter's cap? A deer hunter's cap? Like hell it is. I sort of closed one eye like I was taking aim at it. This is a people shooting hat. I shoot people in this hat. Yeah. Like little moments like that kind of stick out. Because I think I saw this with my parents. They like rented it. And I probably saw it when I was a teenager. And I was just like, wow, this is, I wasn't used to it. Like just the rhythm and the pacing of, you know, cutting back and forth between the, they're telling a story and then you're experiencing the story. And just like, yeah, Will Smith at one point really sells a, like an interesting monologue about just like the meaning of life <laughs> in a way. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when he finally charms everybody, uh, particularly the uh, rich people <laughs> in this. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it gets a little repetitive or, you know, I mean, he's just con- basically going around conning people for the whole movie. But I don't know. I find it pretty compelling and, and entertaining throughout. So, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not a fan of the movie. Uh, I The movie always, to me, feels like rich... The film is about rich people trying to be more interesting than they actually are. <laughs> and that's the way the movie kind of comes off to me. Like, these are characters that are written in a certain way and are trying to, are, are trying to be sold to us as more interesting than they really are. Do you think Will Smith's character is interesting, though? No. Oh. No. Not not particularly. Hmm. Um, yeah. I, I don't... I think he's, he's a hustler. And... Um, yeah, I, I didn't find much in, interest in the movie. Okay. Some people think uh, Wayne's World 2 is better than Wayne's World 1. They're I'm wrong. Not, I'm not sure I agree with They're that. Wrong. But <laughs> it does have some funny, it does have some really funny stuff in it. But man, it is as dated as a comedy can uh, ever be. If you want, if you showed this to a 20 year old today, they'd be like, I don't get any of these jokes. Cause they're, cause so many of the gags are steeped in the pop culture stuff in of the early nineties. But I mean, like even like old TV commercials, yeah. uh, you know, um, and they tell two friends and so on and so on and so on. Like nobody's going to get that today. <laughs> so, so that makes sense. it a little more absurdist in that regard. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, so there, there's a lot of like, scatological references that are just you know that date the movie pretty pretty thoroughly but that could be said of the first one too but um definitely more so here uh i don't know that's got some funny moments in it i I, I think yeah 
I think my favorite scene is when they go to the radio station and Harry Shearer's there because that is clearly <laughs> Brandmeier. That is uh-huh. clearly Jonathan Brandmeier. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Just loading up his sound carts. And, Agreed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I like the movie enough. I don't think it's nearly as, as funny as the the, the the first one was. And um, I, I really like the stuff with Garth and Kim Basinger. I think that that, that stuff is really <laughs> funny. Um, a couple of references like the, the Charlton Heston bit is, is funny can we get a better actor in here yeah and that yeah, that's yeah. that's funny <laughs> that's funny um the james hong stuff is kind of funny and i really don't like the the one thing i don't like that every time he shows up is the guy that plays like the roadie manager oh see who, i like the roadie see stuff. i don't oh. i every time he shows up i don't think he says anything funny i had to beat him to death with his own shoe yeah i don't <laughs> i don't like the actor i don't like the character i think he drags the movie down every time he shows up mm. so that's yeah. That's I see. I like that stuff hmm. quite a bit. Oddly actually. enough, the one of the biggest laughs for me is when um, Odenkirk and Smigel show up. Hi, where are you from? I'm from Wilmette. I'm from Cicero. Isn't it cool to be downtown? Hey, are you those two guys who have that TV show in Aurora? Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Wayne's World. <laughs> Party time. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that really cracks me yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, it has some moments yeah. here and there. Yeah. It's all right. So we're going to skip ahead to Mike Lee's Naked. Oh, God. Ooh, Ooh. boy. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Ooh, boy. Mm-hmm. No, I wasn't bored. I'm never bored. That's the trouble with everybody. You're all so bored. Do you want to come in? That all right? What's funny? I used to be a werewolf, but I'm all right. No! <laughs> Do you want to come in? You've had nature explained to you, and you're bored with it. You've had the living body explained to you, and you're bored with it. You've had the universe explained to you, and you're bored with it. Do you want to come in? Hey! So now you just want cheap thrills and, like, plenty of them, and it doesn't matter how tawdry or vacuous they are, as long as it's new, as long as it's new, as long as it flashes and bleeps in 40 different colours. Hey! Well, whatever else you can say about me, I'm not bored. Last time I watched it, I was like, this is what the kid from The Butcher Boy is going to turn into. <laughs> Both of these characters are really exhausting, but I think Butcher Boy is a little easier to sit through because it's like a full half hour shorter. Um, It's also more psychedelic and weird and trippy, but uh, this one is just like you are stuck with this guy for about two and a half hours. Uh, David Thewlis. like an endurance test. Yeah, David Thewlis. um, Amazing. Oh, my God. Uh, That whole, the whole scene with him and the young Scottish guy in the street. You and Bremer from yeah, Train Spotting. Oh, hilarious. Yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. That's a yes. really funny scene. Um and uh <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> it's like I th- I think this is a great film, but uh, there comes a point in, in the film where I'm just like, I need this to be done. Yeah. I, I, I need I a break I or need, I need a shower. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's a I'm, lot. I'm ready to wrap It's a lot of up. grime and filth and yeah. grossness and, <laughs> and yeah, unpleasant people. Unrelentingly nasty. Yeah. And it, that's kind of new for Mike Lee. He doesn't really get, I mean, he's bleak and depressing, but I don't know if he's just like, cause this is kind of a portrayal of just like someone who doesn't care or has any, human emotions or well, he's like full of anger and vile and just, yeah. Oh, it's, it is hard because you're, you're basically asked to tolerate his madness and sit with all like just the despicable things that he does and the way he treats people to where I can see people really being turned off by this movie. Mm-hmm. 
and I, but I wound up really caught up in it. And I think Mike Lee's one of my favorite filmmakers. So I've always championed this movie as hard as it is to sit through. Mm -hmm. There are other titles I would recommend before diving into this one, but I, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty astonishing to watch David Thewlis do what he does in this movie. Yep. Uh, This was my first time watching this uh-huh. movie, Ooh. and um, I came very close to turning it off at certain <laughs> points because, like Colin said, you like, oh, my God, I don't know how much more I can take of this guy. Absolutely. Um, but at the same time, there's stuff in the movie that is really darkly funny. The, the scene on, on the street that you mentioned, that entire sequence with the night watchman yes. in the building is Ooh. really yeah. terrific. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I can't champion it as, I mean, I, as, as a performance piece for Thulis. It mm-hmm. is, I mean, my God. I mean, that's you, the main reason why. I, yeah, yeah, there's a breathlessness watching him spout these monologues and do it. I mean, he's a, he's a, the first scene of the movie, he's raping a woman. Yep. The first scene of the movie, he's raping a woman. So, like, how Sets can you go from, um, like, how do you come back from that? You know, uh, and yet he he's funny enough and engaging enough uh, with, with some of his BS because it's all BS the entire movie. Um, and then you get a second character and he starts raping people. So, I mean, it's just like, there's so much filth yeah. in here uh, and it, it's tough to take. It's a, so it's like, I, I, it is a recommendation, but like, I mean, it should just come with trigger warning, just all, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. On like every, box that it comes in because it is not for everyone uh and most people will probably reject yeah what happens in this movie i i don't want to ever watch it again honestly <laughs> i can understand <laughs> yeah. that i feel like that about a lot of mike lee movies that's true oh yeah you see him yeah. once and i'm like yeah i'm good i'm ready for therapy after yeah. a mike yeah. lee movie <laughs> all right uh hypothetical road trip who would you rather go on a road trip with david thulis's character naked or dicaprio's character in what's eating gilbert Grape? wow uh, what's eating Gilbert Grape? Yeah, yeah, probably. I right. would say yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I, because I would be like Gilbert. Yeah. I would know how to take care of him. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, with yeah. Thulis, I want to throw him out of the car and then run him over and back him up and run him over again. <laughs> um, what's eating Gilbert Grape I, is one of my favorite movies of 1993. Yeah. Uh, it's it's, it's just it's a remarkable piece that is is darkly funny that you know that has you know it has obviously a a mentally challenged character in DiCaprio it has an obese woman uh played by Darlene Cates in the movie and these are the kind of things that now you think 30 years later people any kind of portrayal of those types of movies particularly by people like DiCaprio who is not mentally challenged uh would would be challenged you know and Mm -hmm. and here's a movie that doesn't it's it's not judging any of its characters even though johnny depp deals with his mom by making fun of her sometimes he literally calls her a whale at one point in the movie um but you know it's it's about how we deal with these kind of things and i've often compared myself to gilbert grape at times in having to take care of things for family members and whatnot and the again the I mean, this movie ranked true to me back in 93 before, even before things like that happened in my life. And I, I, so I completely understand that characters need to want to find a road to somewhere Mm -hmm. and the way that it's handled throughout the movie and the, the, the way that Depp ultimately snaps at one point is, is it's heartbreaking to watch. It's, it's a rough scene to watch, but it's heartbreaking 
Um, it's a, I mean, you got Giant Steve Riley in the movie. Um, it, it's a wonder. Juliet Lewis is, is wonderful in the movie. Um, it's it's just it's just it's it's just so rich and great. Uh, never strikes a false note. Has great uh, tear jerking moments all throughout the scene where. Yeah. She she finally leaves the house to go get him at the station is is, is oh, fantastic, yeah. and then even the way that they solve the issue of the house is you know Ugh. it's not what we all would have done, but you go like I get it, yeah, yeah, you know, and it's all done with a lot of compassion. It, that's a great word for it, you know, yeah, absolutely. It, in another movie. They could do everything wrong, and certainly what you mentioned, like some people would maybe yeah frown upon like certain portrayals in this but it's again the heart is in the right place throughout this entire movie uh and DiCaprio is phenomenal how do you cook the bacon in the oven on a pan but the bacon's not going to be crisp if you bake it in the oven on a sheet yes it will and nobody wants greasy oh, hot no, dogs you, you soak them at, you bacon. Put them mama i want hot dogs oh, we're gonna have hot dogs honey mama. i promise we're gonna have hot what? dogs i want hot dogs think about it, hot, I mean, hot dogs every party that i've been to ellen is that... ellen what could you not talk with your mouth full excuse me you're making me sick i'm gonna throw up <laughs> oh Okay, Dad. His performance, because I hadn't seen the movie in a long time, uh, I was worried his performance wouldn't hold up, that it would be going into simple Jack territory. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, it it's a great performance. It is. It is absolutely convincing um, in all the right places, in all the right ways. Uh, and you really feel for Johnny Depp. And I forgot what an angry, dark streak his char- Depp's character has oh, yeah. in this movie. It makes movie. him more human. For yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. it's just like, you know, it, it's, it's not always... resentment. Of, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. what's eating Gilbert Grape is that he has no time for himself. Right. And it's that can be very uh, crippling in so many, in, in, in many ways. I do wish we could get a whole movie of John C. Riley and Crispin Glover. Uh, <laughs> just those two. <laughs> yeah. I love... O'Reilly's enthusiasm over having a burger barn and and <laughs> Crispin Glover's uh, Undertaker who just loves his job so much. It's like, it's so funny. The um, thing about the resentment angle of the Depp character is that it's, he still would not be doing it any other way. Mm. Like he knows what his responsibility is to his brother and his mom and whatnot. And he, he loves them. Of yeah. course. You know, and yeah. it, but there is... You know, you wish life deals you a better hand sometimes, and he. But you do he the best with what you got. Exactly, he yeah. wouldn't do it any other way. He knows, like, like he would be resenting himself if he just left. You know, uh, so fate helps him in that respect. By the end of the movie, um, but yeah, it's it's. I mean, it there's there's again there's a richness to this movie's compassion that mm-hmm. you talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, another John Grisham thriller, the Pelican brief, unless you guys wanted to talk about Beethoven second, I was just going to move down the list. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, but, uh, no, this is, I mean, this is your typical Hollywood star power movie, Denzel Washington, Julia Roberts, John Grisham novel, Ellen J. Pakula directing it. Uh, and it's pretty good. I'm, I found it fucking boring. I was like, why am I not? I like lawyer thriller. Yeah, I mean, 
it's not necessarily like a courtroom drama at all. It's really just about Julia Roberts coming up with this theory that turns into the Pelican brief and everybody's like, hey, wait a minute. She she's onto something here. So they all come after her and there's car bombs and I I, I don't know why. I just mm. couldn't I was bored. I fell asleep. Mm. I mean I, I eventually finished it and watched it, but I just <laughs> I just kinda went, Wow, I am shocked that I mean, this was a big hit too, wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And normally, yeah. I love Grisham adaptations, and this cast, of course, is you know compelling on their own. But wow, this I I was surprised by my reaction to this. To be honest, mm-hmm. maybe um, I just need maybe I was in a bad mood. I don't know. <laughs> I'm with you. I, oh, okay. I, no, I actually I, I mean it's it's not a great book. I read the book. It's not a great book, and it doesn't make a great movie. And I think the best stuff in the movie and the book is in like the first act, like mm. the, the 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 stuff with Stanley Tucci's character. Like yeah, when, he's when, good. When, he's when good. he is eliminated yeah. from the, from the book and the movie, I'm like, what the hell? Like that's the most interesting character. character. Yeah. And then like you get to like the newspaper stuff, and it's like, well, this isn't even like a good like legal journalism thriller kind of thing no um it's just a routine chase movie that's not a well not a particularly interesting like the brief isn't even that interesting yeah like, like it's very convoluted and it's kind of like it's the kind of thing that you would turn the page on if you were reading in the newspaper or you're seeing on the news it's just not even an interesting conspiracy frankly yeah oil rights and pelicans and like mm. i just thought like alan j bakula he's yeah he's gonna make another great conspiracy theory right. or thriller you know and i'm just like nope no he doesn't have the material no it's not very good Okay, well, um, <laughs> <laughs> another movie—a movie that disappointed me—is uh, Vim Vender's "Far Away So Close," uh, which is his sequel to "Wings of Desire." Um, basically, you know, returning to uh, angels uh, overlooking, you know, people uh, from the afterlife. But um, and it returns to a lot of the same elements, a lot of the same style, a lot of the, a lot of another great soundtrack from him. But then, and this, and it starts out pretty good, you know. But uh, the second half gets into a heist plot, and it just doesn't Ugh. really work. Huh. Um, but so it's it's a bit of a disappointment, but um. You know, it's Vim Vendors after doing... I'm sure it looks great. After doing Paris, Texas, Wings of Desire, and Until the End of the World, you're allowed to have a failure. I mean, mm-hmm. Jesus. <laughs> like, you get a lifetime pass after those three movies for me, so... Yeah, uh, I never heard anything good about it, so I just never caught up with it, and I'm just Yeah, like, it's not, not terrible. It's just not... Yeah. It doesn't measure up with, with the other... Th- That's with, a shame. With the other movies. But it is a great soundtrack. I definitely recommend picking up the soundtrack. So, there's that. Okay. Here we go. What? You brought down the thunder, Eric. I know. Yeah. So oh, let's <laughs> let's do this. Tombstone. Yeah. You must be Doc Holliday. <coughs> That's the rumor. You retired too? Not me. I'm in my prime. Yeah, you look it. You must be Ringo. Look, darling. Johnny Ringo. The deadliest pistol ever since Wild Bill, they say. What do you think, darling? Should I hate him? You don't even know him. No, that's true, but... I don't know. There's just something about him. Not... You're not that crazy about this movie. No, I'm from not. From what I heard on your wonderful podcast, The Friendship Dilemma, which you can find over at Now Playing Network. Thank you. Yes, yes we did cover <laughs> Tombstone uh, on The Friendship Dilemma for a two-minute friendship between Billy Zane and Dana Delaney. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, I when I when even when I first saw it, 
uh, like the Val Kilmer rules in the movie. I love big sprawling westerns with big casts, all that stuff. The OK Corral shootout is terrific. Uh, this movie is completely rushed in the third act. Like when the movie really starts to develop into it's more like a revenge, a revenge movie. thriller. Yeah, yeah, but but even then, it's just it's just montages and then some waiting and then montages and a showdown and it's like it's it, 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 it there's something lost in the translation. Cosmatos probably just gave up, and I I heard that's true. Well, the history like, of this of the movie is is, is that that you yeah. know the Kurt Russell kind of ghost directed this right. movie and. But he wasn't going to say that until Cosmatos passed away. Ultimately, uh, Kevin Jar, who who wrote Glory, was originally set to direct the movie. Uh, he ended up getting booted off the production because they were already like losing money for uh, being over budget or being over uh, schedule and stuff like that. So he was fired. So there's a lot of problems with the movie. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's not a terrible movie. There's there's a oh, lot no. to like. In, in this movie, a lot of it having to do with Val Kilmer, but I think it's very disjointed. Uh, I, I hate the stuff with Kurt Russell and Dana Delaney. None that I, I hate Dana Delaney in this movie. I think she's Aww. quite terrible in this movie. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's very print the legend type stuff, but there's actually, I mean, there's a lot of historical accuracy, surprisingly, in, in the film. Uh, I just don't think that its focus is, it, it, it wants to, cover a lot of stuff instead of really finding its, its mm. footing with the the doc and uh Wyatt stuff i think a lot of it is fueled by nostalgia too for me because mm. along with unforgiven this was one of the first westerns i ever saw mm. and i this cast alone just gave like gave me a visceral thrill to watch them together yeah i know i get what you're saying about the third act it is it does feel rushed and yet I'm still caught up in just because of Val Kilmer's presence in this movie uh, and what he ultimately does. And the, the friendship between the two of them is really what yes. creates a strong emotional center. And I know it's not Peckinpah or Anthony Mann or, or, or Sturgis, but I think even Sergio agreed that this What's movie a, is still cool. It's, it's still pretty great. <laughs> it's, a pop, it's a popcorn Western. It's, yeah, it's a popcorn yeah. Western that's, I, I don't know, I find it maybe as rewatchable as The Fugitive. But that's just me. Oh, I've watched it a lot. Okay. Don't, don't get me wrong. I have seen it many times. Good. Um, but I, I, but every time I watch it, I'm just like, there's, there's something missing mm. here. Colin, what do you think? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm probably somewhere closer to Eric on this one. Um, most of the stuff that I like is Kilmer and, uh, you know, a lot of the shootout stuff. I, 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 I don't have a strong conviction one way or the other on this movie. Um, I'm just, I'm no, I'm, I'm not a big Western guy in general. That's okay. But, uh, yeah. so I, I don't take issue with a lot of things or, uh, you know, or, or get enthusiastic about a lot of them. Um, so, and this is no exception. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's okay. It's too long. I, after a while, I just kind of like lost interest, but, um, hmm. so yeah. Uh, but then uh, also that came out this day was another big awards contender and an award winner, Tom Hanks, uh, his big comeback. Well, not so much a comeback, but um, his first big dramatic role that really cemented him as now another kind of leading man. And that's uh, Philadelphia, which is the movie that gets credit for being the first mainstream film to tackle the AIDS crisis in america and uh directed by jonathan demi denzel washington uh plays they both play lawyers 
but then to Washington's kind of a homophobic uh, guy who, you know, um, who ends up taking Tom Hanks's case. And uh, I mean, really, I mean, I'm a, you know, you guys know me, I'm a huge Demi fan. And, um, you know, I, I, I think this is a movie that is, of all the films in his filmography, maybe not so much the Corman films, but um, it's the one that seems most cemented in its time period. Yeah, and I can uh, see that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so it's not quite as strong. I, I think the screenplay I don't think is quite as strong as it was 30 years ago when you play it today. It's a yeah. little too simplistic. I don't quite buy Washington's transformation uh, from being a total homophobe to being like, "Hey, I'll take your case." Like it just it's too like short of a transition there for me. Yeah. Nevertheless, Hanks is mm. extraordinary in this film. Uh, there's a lot of scenes that are just heartbreaking and and beautifully directed by Demi and um, and I I appreciate a lot of the technique that he puts into this one like especially the sort of documentary feel of the opening credits I really yeah love. that's really great yeah I, and, I remember making note of that yeah and it's uh, and the whole scene it's an Oscar clip but it is a hell of a scene of hanks talking about the opera and mm-hmm. the way that's directed and lit and mm-hmm. shot i mean it's just it's extraordinary stunning. it's stunning absolutely great uh one of one of the best moments of of demi's career um and a movie that is pretty it's flawed but it is nevertheless very moving as well so yeah i, I have the exact same reaction to it and i think what you the thing you said about it being cemented at time is the this kind of the key point and yeah. so mm-hmm. it's like it's hard to fault a movie that at the time was kind of progressive you yeah. know but at the, now we look at it and it's it, i mean it was never not simplistic um yeah. it just it felt bigger because of like you said the sort of the mainstream the place, yeah. tackling of it which is amazing when you think about it considering how long the aids epidemic had been going on at that point yeah. mm-hmm. and there had been some films to have that in the have that as an issue but not as and the uh, band played on when was and that? the band played on was 1990 oh maybe in, it was on HBO? okay maybe yeah um yeah that was um, pretty good right which was hbo so right. you know this was you know in theaters um during the holidays <laughs> what a what a film to take your your family to at uh, <laughs> christmas well, i think it opened wide in january so uh but yeah no it's but it, it's it's based on the performance and hanks is great it's the, the main reason yeah. to watch this i mean mm-hmm. it's i agree pretty much with both of you that it is flawed like there's there's a couple of scenes that don't entirely work like uh, that that one guy assuming like denzel's character is gay and tries to pick him up in the middle of a pharmacy yeah that i don't know it felt really clumsy to me mm-hmm. um but uh, things like that aside i think hanks's commitment to this is just astonishing and it makes sense why he won an academy award for it and uh yeah i mean demi's a great filmmaker he brings a lot of heart and passion to this movie but um it, it yeah it has a couple of moments where i'm just like mm, that didn't quite work but overall the effect is pretty powerful of course uh, yeah. shout out to buzz kilman in the elevator <laughs> and tony fitzpatrick as the bartender yeah you got movie. it yeah Great, uh, great Bruce Springsteen song. Did it win best song? It, it did. Won, yeah. won best song. Yeah. 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 That's the one thing that I can, like, I'm very resentful of the Academy for not nominating you 2 for a few songs this year, but it, hmm. but they would have lost a Springsteen for this song, and that would have been okay, you know, because <laughs> that, that is a great song. Yeah. Yes. Um, and the band played on was also 1993. Oh, really? Oh, it was 1993. Huh. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. 
Um, so yeah, those should go back and watch that sometime. Be curious. Yeah. Uh, Oliver Stone completed his Vietnam trilogy with heaven and earth. Uh, that was a real treat. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, after platoon and born on the 4th of July. Uh, but this one, he chose to tell the story from the point of view of a Vietnamese woman, which I thought was, uh, an interesting perspective. Um, and it really is an interest, uh, really the performances are pretty great, uh, across the board, but man, it is rough stuff. Yeah, it is. It is just brutal, rough going for, yeah. from the beginning to end, uh, mm-hmm. what happens to these characters for sure. Uh, so yeah, it's one they watch once and then I'm like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. I don't need to see that again. I didn't read that's exactly it, my, and that, this is a period where like, I thought all of a sudden was at the top of his game yeah. at, at, the, at this section. And this is the only one of that period that I've only seen once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I revisited it just to revisit it. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, no, okay, we're done. We're we'll done definitely done have here. another fascinating <laughs> conversation next year. Yep. Yes. Regarding Oliver Stone. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we just did an episode on grumpy old men on Christmas movies. Actually, It's hilarious. It's a delightful comedy. Yeah. Uh, I mm-hmm. enjoy, always enjoy going back to it. And I also enjoy going back to the sequel and, uh, you know, for obvious reasons. I prefer the sequel. Yeah, yeah. Right. I've never, I've never been a big fan of the first one. I think the first one is kind of mm. average. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I like it. I like it too. I like the Minnesota ness of it. I love Burgess Meredith. I love the the in you know the I'm like reiterating everything I just said on the podcast, but <laughs> I don't want to do that. But uh, <laughs> but uh, go listen to that episode if you want to yeah. hear my thoughts on Grumpy Old Men. And does well, this, I, isn't I Steve it. Cochran in this too? Like yeah. he mentions that. Yeah, I think time. I think so. Yeah, I forgot who he plays. I think it's a weatherman on TV or oh, something mm-hmm. like that. Maybe that. Yeah. yeah. Um, we may as well mention that there was a Batman movie this year. People uh, love this. They do. Yeah, and I don't quite get it. But I then again, it was I'm not. Okay. Yeah, I just don't, I don't think know. the animation is up to theatrical yeah. standards in this one. So I don't really know what people are getting out of it. Mark um, Hamill. And, and voice, Dick Miller the voice work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, other than that, I, I, I got nothing. Mm-hmm. Even, yeah. You know. I mean, that style of animation, they perfected a little bit better when they, with the TV show later on, but the movie feels like a TV yeah. episode, like a TV show. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I saw it at the music box maybe last year. And the crowd was so enthused for this, and when it was over, it was like, "Yeah, it was all right." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I, we might people, we might make people mad, but it's, no, you I know. don't care. Okay, <laughs> I know there's Batman freaks. Out there. We're going out six hours. I don't care if people are angry at this point. There you go. Yeah, you know. exactly. <laughs> um, the only reason I saw Ghost in the Machine is because they <laughs> did it on uh, How Did This Get Made. So go listen to that. Yeah, the, that's, they, that's good advice. Yeah. Uh, really ridiculous, terrible movie. Yeah. It is yeah. for Karen Allen. Yeah, uh, but we did talk about Remains of the Day earlier, and <sighs> and um, Anthony Hopkins being at the top of his game this year, and uh, the second one to talk about is Shadowlands, where he plays C.S. Lewis, and Deborah Winger plays a uh, well, kind of a love interest, but really kind of a fan of his, but um, you know their their friendship, how their friendship develops, and then eventually. It's, love story comes Dude, out. Yeah. Poor uh, Deborah Winger, though. Yeah. Well, geez. Cancer. Yeah. No kidding. Oh, <laughs> uh, gosh. Again? Not again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, this is a, a beautiful movie. It is. This is so good. A really 
I mean, this is also as much as Remains of the Day was. This is also a big heartbreaker, and um, yeah, probably the best movie uh, Richard Attenborough ever directed. Interesting that he's got Joseph Mazzello as the kid. Yeah, just in who's very good in he's, this movie. He's really good. Yeah. yeah, he really moves me in. Yeah, mm-hmm. towards the end. Oh my lord. Yeah. Uh, no, I love this movie. I I, I think too. it's really terrific, and I just love the way that how the kid how it's shown like how they the kid interprets the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, and all that you know the Narnia stuff as like where's the magic? And it's like, no, this is it, dude. This is me. Uh, you know, it's like such a, such a, it's a heartbreak in its own right for a kid, you know? Yeah. Never meet your heroes. Yeah. Um, this was also a first time watch for Mm. me. I had not seen this movie. I'd seen some bits of it before, but I'd never seen it all in in its entirety. And I watched this after remains of the day. Oh, jeez. Wait, you went, you went age of innocence. Okay. Remains of the day. Shadowlands blue. Oh god. Um Yeah. <laughs> in two days. You, you you followed it up with a comedy or something, I hope. Or you watched Day. <laughs> I think it was naked actually. Oh, um Jesus. but uh, <laughs> it was it wasn't that far apart. Um yeah, I went I went hard. Oh yeah. <laughs> um but no, this is I mean Shadowlands, I mean I, the, the the concept of the CS Lewis Lewis character that he keeps repeating throughout the movie is the idea that God has put us here to suffer, you know, that there is no life without suffering. And it just, yeah, you, 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 that really foc- you focus on that and just like, oh my Lord. Mm-hmm. Like, and you start to think like, it's kind of true. Maybe. <laughs> it kind um, of is. Yeah. And then like, oh, and here's a love interest for you. Guess what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah and, right. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I got to give props to Deborah Winger for even just taking this character because she knows in her head. She's smart. She knows that she has given one of the most devastating cancer performances ever. ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here, 10 years later, going to do it again. Yeah. And uh, I love the evolution of the relationship to her, how tough she is mm-hmm. with that the, that patriarchy society that Lewis belongs to and that the friendship develops out of that. I think it makes another good for our podcast as well. Um, and like even when they get married – they're still friends. Like it's not even developed into a really a love story yet. And then the, how that develops and the way that Hopkins now has to like, this is what happens. If he hooks up at Emma Thompson remains of the day, she's going to die. <laughs> oh. So like, this is what this yeah. is what, like his two yeah. choices are just like, well, I could not say anything and I'll be okay. Or I can give in to love and she's going to die of cancer. Like what a <laughs> God, poor Anthony, geez, poor Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> what a couple of months for Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Uh, but then the stuff with Joseph Mazzello is beautiful really and, the, and, yeah. and, and the way he talks to him and whatnot. And yeah, I agree. This is Attenborough's best film. Agreed. Um, and it's yeah, it's a it's a it's a wonderful movie. These final three movies all make me cry. Just realize, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so our one of our big awards contenders for this year. I mentioned Jim Sheridan earlier, um, with who wrote Into the West, but he wrote and directed In the Name of the Father with uh, Daniel Day Lewis and again Emma Thompson and uh, Pete Postlewaite, uh, all three of which I believe were nominated for this film. Maybe not Thompson. I don't know if Thompson, Thompson No, I think there was a dual nomination I for think Thompson. She okay. was. Yeah. She was, okay. yeah, she was nominated for Supporting Actress okay. as well. Yeah. Because she does have an Oscar scene. <laughs> yeah, sure. no, oh, definitely. Yeah. In a great way. 
Yeah. No, I love this movie. I've, I've always been a big fan. Me I mean, too. of course Me it too. helps, you know, the soundtrack. I'm a big U2 fan and Bono and Gavin Friday have three amazing songs. One of which is sung by Sinead O'Connor, which I think should have been nominated yeah. for best song. Mm. I know it would have, I know it wouldn't have won, <sighs> but um, no, it's a, a Daniel Day Lewis plays Jerry Conlin, um, who, you know, was a, a teenager in, a, in, in, in Ireland during the troubles and always got in trouble with the authorities and then eventually uh, got framed for bombing uh, the, the Guildford, Guildford pub in, in England, him and his friends. And they were put in prison uh, for uh, well over a decade, I think. And he happened to also, his father was also arrested and put in prison with him. So, uh, it, this is, you know, one of the great movies I think about the troubles in Ireland and, um, and a lot of the injustices that came about. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a movie that is designed to get you angry and furious at the, you know, at the systems that were very much, uh, against the Irish and, you know, nothing was ever going to, there's a lot of hopelessness in this story, but, uh, but it's also like, I think also a great prison movie and a lot of like, yeah, uh, it's like three different movies, but all Mm. of them are great. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit of a courtroom drama, a bit of a prison movie. And then, uh, you know, just kind of this sort of slice of Irish life at this time. That was not pretty. Um, but uh, no, this is, and, and I think this is, Jim Sheridan's best movie. I mean, it is, the, it, it is just really got a lot of energy to it, and uh, and Day Lewis is fantastic in oh, it. God, and it's yeah. yeah, no, it's one of my one of my favorite movies of the year. Anytime there's like falsely convicted people, I I just yeah, I'm yeah. kind of overwhelmed <laughs> when I see what they experience and what they go through, and you just want that cathartic release, both <laughs> you know internally and externally in this mm-hmm. case, and it's just. Oh, it builds so effectively, and yeah, the the father son relationship again in this yeah. really gets to me. Um, what happens to the father? Good God! I mm-hmm. mean, it's it is pretty much a consistently emotional movie in in ways that continuously. When I go back to, it, I'm just like, God, this works in every way possible, yeah. and everybody should revisit it. I, I kind of wish I did revisit it uh, <laughs> recently. Um, I did. I I I always thought. Most people thought this was a good movie. Not, uh, I know some people think it's a great movie, but I thought most people were kind of like, it's good. It's a good movie, um, which is what I think. <laughs> sure. I think, it's, I think I, it's a good movie. Yeah. I can see. Yeah. I can see mm-hmm. that response. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I, I, of course, and I'm a big fan of the soundtrack. No Everyone. 
finally capped this off with uh, the other big Steven Spielberg movie from this year. And my God, that <laughs> that this one two punch my is Lord. unparalleled uh, How? in cinema history, I think. Yeah. Uh, you go from making the biggest summer blockbuster. Uh, one of the biggest of all time with Jurassic Park, which is in, you know an instant phenomenon, and then you make the most honored film of the year come award season with Schindler's List, and uh, I, I it just I I can't wrap my head around that. Even though it's been that way for thirty years, I just can't <laughs> understand how a director pulls that off. Uh, and it remains a really powerful film. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's Steve's alien wrote the screenplay and there's a lot of great, you know, a lot of great dialogue between Neeson and Ray Fiennes, who's just one of the most evil characters ever to be on screen. Unbelievable. Um, and the scenes with him and, and Ben Kingsley are, are phenomenal. Uh, and it's really Spielberg just taking the biggest swing of his career, uh, taking the biggest risk, but it's also a movie that he had and he clearly had in his head for a long, long time, but wasn't ready to make until now. And he was actually going to make this movie before Jurassic park, but then universal <laughs> convinced him like, no, you're not going to want to make Jurassic park after this. You got to do that first and then you can do Schindler. So that's, you know. Uh, and that was that was a smart move uh, because this is the last we're going to hear from Spielberg for a while as a director uh, for you know quite a few years. Mm-hmm. He's not going to have much to, until 1997. Oh wow! Yeah. Where he doubles he, up again. He doubles up again. <laughs> it's like it's almost like chasing the dragon. Like I want to do that again. Yeah, he did that a lot. Uh-huh, <laughs> yeah, right? there's a few years like this. Yeah, yeah. But uh, this was the first, and um, man, that ending is just. Uh, it hasn't lost an ounce of power. Um, I don't know why some people don't like that. The ending? I mean, yeah, the very final moments. I don't think that it's not the final moments that they don't like. They don't like the breakdown of Schindler. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's the scene that they right. don't like. Yeah. Yeah, the, I could have saved, saved more. I could have saved yeah. more. Um, I, I don't I'm, know. I, I mean, yeah, if there's one scene I, I would change a little bit, it would be that one. But, um... But I could see where Spielberg was sort of because you know he he's got a a, a large reservoir of, you know, of influences to take from and throughout his career. He's he's got a lot of David Lean in him. He's got a lot of uh, you know a little bit of John Huston in him. He's got a he's a showman, but he's also got a Frank Capra side, and that's sort of where the Capra side is coming in a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, and not in a cornball way, just in a sentimental way. And I sometimes I, sentimentality works. Yeah, but in his favor. It's it's a it's a the portion of the film that Spielberg tells the audience, "You can cry now." Yeah, because yeah. we're so numb throughout all that, and you know, people, however they they handle their emotional well being through the shock of mm. some of the things that are happening in that movie. That's the moment that Spielberg tells you like this is the moment you can cry this is the moment you can unleash whatever you've had welling up in you and i think it, it, it it's i think it's still an incredibly powerful moment because it's not just schindler saying that it's mm-hmm. for all of us yeah what could any of us 
not us, you know, we weren't born at the time, but the people involved at the time, what could anyone have mm-hmm. done? They could have done more to prevent any of those people yeah. from dying at the time. And it's, that's what that scene is about. And to have, you know, all the survivors there that embrace him and, um, all that is, it's, it's a remarkable I, moment for Nisa. I'm gone. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I really am. I don't even think about it. Yeah. being manipulative or anything. No, it's, I don't think it's manipulative at all. It's, it's, it, it's this moment for us. It's a moment for us to, to have that moment of catharsis that he's been building towards. And it's before the, the scene that he conceived of, I think just a couple of weeks before the end of filming where he gets all those survivors all the survivors, the characters that we've been watching this entire movie who are still alive and have them at the gravesite of Schindler and Williams' music plays over. And it's just, it's like, if you didn't unleash during that scene, you're gone. Oh, yeah. You know, by by the end of it. At least if you're human, you are. Yeah. Uh, It's a remarkable work of art. (laughs) And, yeah, when, when Ray Fiennes comes into the picture... I'm I'm floored by a lot of the choices that he made, and I think it's around the time when that um, one armed man gets shot that I'm just kind of like beside myself that it is as relentlessly awful and bleak and horrible to experience this, but yet Spielberg is such an incredible, confident filmmaker that he's able to do it with not just you know, bravado with having Janusz Kaminski behind the camera. But again, mentioned it earlier, just brings up a lot of compassion for everything that's taken place and can acknowledge the evil that is taking place, um, but finds that shred of humanity within Schindler himself that um, you, you really do find yourself incredibly enthralled by just how everything plays out. And it's... It's just one of those movies that it's like I can't. It's hard to go back to and rewatch because of how upsetting it is. And it's, I read something though that did kind of give me pause, but not in a way that made me like criti- like critique it or go, I don't know how I feel about it. But I just read a review that was like, I don't like the scene with where they all get into the shower and you think something's going to happen. That's felt very manipulative to this particular critic, um, but. I, I I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that's a really exceptional scene and <laughs> how it plays out and the way it's filmed. Uh, and I certainly find everything about this movie to, I mean, it, it won best picture rightfully. So it really is special. And the thing, I mean, we've talked about how hard it is to watch this movie. I have found myself watching it multiple times. And part of that is not because I, can't you know that I, I that I can handle the horror that's on screen, but because of the filmmaking mm-hmm. and the filmmaking and the way that Spielberg that's true. In, in, invites you in to share the story with you and the the performances and uh, like I I, I I find myself willing to to go along with what he wants us to see mm-hmm. and I feel almost obligated to allow myself to see the, the horror that he's presenting and Colin and I saw this movie for the first time together. That's right. Oh, yeah. wow. We, at one Schomburg place, we saw this movie together, and I remember Colin at the end of the movie, and he just said, he pulled it off. Yeah, it's like, he did. Yeah. Like, uh, Goldblum in Jurassic Park. You did it, you son of a bitch. You did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crazy son of a bitch. Yeah. You did it. Wow. And, 
Yeah, and just and like he doesn't. I mean, these are things that we, even as Spielberg fans, had not seen him do before. Exactly, we've seen him do violence. We've seen him do violence for comic sake, for sometimes for shock sake, but not in this kind of level of brutality. And the way that he just the randomness of it. Yeah, like, wait, Ray finds just sni- being just, a sniper and just mm-hmm. oh yeah, I mean all that and like the whole way that he is brought into like you know he tells this is real power is not killing. Yes, and then, and then, yes, and he yes, can't, yes. And he still, he, he tries it, and he can't, he ultimately yep. can't do it. Mm-hmm. And the way that Spielberg presents that, that shot and... Oh, it's um, so good. And then the, you get up to the list, and doing that, and you get meet, re-meet all these characters again, and that, you know, that mm. Helena comes down to a card game, basically, and it's just, there's so... The way that Spielberg has humanity throughout the movie... um makes it easier to watch yeah so exactly yeah yeah i mean it was kind of the he was gonna throw away his his rule book for making movies with this one he's gonna you know leave the crane at home leave the dolly tracks at home still a few dolly tracks in here but um but uh you know but try to make it as raw and visceral as possible and then to do it you know three hour black and white movie for a major studio no other director had the uh, clout (laughs) to pull something like that off Uh, but you know, when you, when you're Spielberg and you've got that kind of resume, you've basically, I mean, and, 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 you know, Sid Sheinberg had been, you know, it was the one who gave him the book in 82. Yeah. And said, Mm -hmm. you should make this movie, but not now, but someday you should make this movie. So, uh, you know, it was always, it was always there. Um, so yeah. And that's, uh, not hard to see why we're ending with that one. Oh yeah. So. Okay. Now we all have to do the Charles S. Dutton clap. <laughs> we did it. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So our uh, top, top 20. Top 20. Oh, all right. I got mine here. Boy, this was up. a hard list to do. It I is. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. So when I read mine, I, you know, sometimes when I get to my number one, I'm like, wow, I really can't decide. I can either go with my brain I could go with my heart. I can go with other things. I I could just there's so many things I could put at number one, and uh, well, you know, we'll see what I, where I went. Yeah, I'm with curious. <laughs> so for me, it's uh, number twenty, a perfect world. Number nineteen, the remains of the day. Eighteen is Rudy. Seventeen is shortcuts. Sixteen is the fugitive. 15, In the Name of the Father, 14, Dave, 13, Naked, 12, Shadowlands, 11, I think this is a, I I goofed on this because we didn't bring it up. I don't know if it was on our list. The Long Day Closes, Terrence Davies, amazing film. I don't think we brought it up. We did not. (laughs) I thought it was on my, I thought it was on my list. Okay, sorry. (laughs) Number 10 is uh, Brain Dead. Or AKA Dead Alive. Okay. Of course. Uh, number nine is Searching for Bobby Fisher. Eight is Carlito's Way. Seven is Baraka. Six is Matinee. Five is The Piano. Four is Groundhog Day. Three is Days and Confused. Two, Schindler's List. Number one, Fearless. Of course. Wow, we have so many <laughs> close, close matches. Not quite, yeah. but close, you know? Got a couple of those in there. Yeah. Um, okay, okay, here's here's my 20. Uh, number 20, My Life. Uh, number 19, Fearless. Uh, number 18, Falling Down. Number 17, Demolition Man. <laughs> I love that you put that in. Number yeah. 16, Untamed Heart. 
Uh, number 15, Carlitos Way. 14, Dave. Uh, yeah, I got this right. Uh, 13, Shadowlands. Uh, 12, A Bronx Tale. 11, True Romance. 10, The Age of Innocence. 9, The Fugitive. 8, In the Line of Fire. 7, Matinee. 6, Groundhog Day. 5, Jurassic Park. 4, A Perfect World. 3, What's Eating Gilbert Grape. 2, Searching for Bobby Fischer. And number 1, Schindler's List. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Number 20, Nightmare Before Christmas. Number 19, Shadowlands. Uh, Number 18, The Fugitive. Number 17, Rudy. Number 16, Jurassic Park. Number 15, The Piano. Uh, Number 14, Carlito's Way. 13, True Romance. 12, King of the Hill. 11, Dead Alive. Number 10, Dave. Number 9, In the Name of the Father. Number 8, Baraka. Number 7, Shortcuts. Uh, Number 6, Dazed and Confused. Number 5, Groundhog Day. Number 4, Searching for Bobby Fischer. Number 3, Schindler's List. Number 2, Fearless. Number 1, Matinee. Wow. wow! I went with my heart. There you Aww. go. I went with what's the movie that wow. just yeah. when I watch Amen. it. When I watch it, I'm home. You know, yeah. it's like yeah. it's it's my it's a very personal favorite for me. So, yeah. uh, I think all of our favorites. It was that was tough. To that us. was tough going back and it forth is. between yeah. Fearless and Matinee. I'm like, oh, I've yeah. always said Fearless, but I watched them back to back last weekend, and I was kind of like halfway through Matinee. I'm like, you know. It's Tom Hulse. I, I know. It's <laughs> this is a very head versus heart kind it of year. Is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It is. Absolutely. Like, some of these movies, like I'm not gonna sit down and be like I'm gonna watch Age of Innocence right yeah. now. <laughs> Just right. like, but I, but there, yeah, there are other movies on the list even further down that could have easily made the top twenty. Oh yeah, there's sure probably like twenty more. Yeah. <laughs> could oh, I got in. twenty more right here. Yeah. 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 Easily. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't. I, I we don't have to include this, but um. I have the long day closes as opening on May twenty eighth, nineteen ninety three. Was that on your list? It's not on mine. That's but weird. I didn't have <laughs> but I. But then again, I printed my list early, so if you added it recently, I don't remember adding it. I thought it was okay. already on there. Okay. I mean, I printed this did back that, in did May. Did it open in the U.S. in, in May of nineteen ninety three? Yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure. If I'm wrong, don't worry about it. I can just. <laughs> I just. I mean. No, I mean it, it's it, 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 there are movies that pop up like that yeah. that we just don't get, we just don't think about, or that are just I don't know. Um, and of course, it's we don't want it to fall through the cracks because it's right. Terrence Davies. So. I don't want to talk. I don't necessarily want to talk about it either because I'm so emotional over it still because mm. of what Sergio mm-hmm. said on my show about it. Yeah, and you know he made me cry talking about it, so I was just like, oh, point people to that direction so they know where to go. Yeah. to hear that. Then. Oh yeah, I will. I mean, people are gonna see that or hear that yeah. I might even just put in the clip, but you know, mm-hmm. during the end of our bonus episode on the swimmer is, uh, mm. we just started talking about movies that really responded to him personally. And yeah, we, we, we mentioned we were going to do a Terrence Davies director's club and you know, we lost him. Yeah. And, yeah. But he's still here in spirit. He's here right now in this room yes, he is. with us. There are some films that move me. Yeah. But, um, Monday closes. That's a special film. I saw myself as a mm. kid. And yeah. when I met Terrence Davies, I told him that. I said, 
that movie is me when I was 10. I don't know how you did it. Uh, oh, Trying wow. to sell us on CB4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was Didn't he take. was yelling at you for oh, yeah. Zone Two, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all good. Yeah, what a year! What mm-hmm. a what a great Jeez. discussion. Yeah. Well, uh, next year, ninety uh, four is pretty good. Ninety four is huge. Like I just think of that as like of all the years in the nineties. Like I feel like ninety four is the biggest because mm. there's so be. many movies that are just like hugely impactful for pop culture that we're still talking about and referencing and all that. I mean, look at this. I mean, you know, Pulp Fiction, Forrest Gump, Shawshank Redemption, Lion King, Natural Born Killers, Priscilla Queen of the Desert, uh, Speed, Speed, uh, all the Jim Carrey movies. Yeah. Um, there's just oh, wow. so much big stuff. Uh, to talk about, so I'm excited for '94. I am too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was that was another year that was a game changer. Big like, year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where I just like, oh, I love movies even more than I realized. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. So, thanks, guys. We All did right. it. Yeah. Right. Go hey. to the Now Playing Network for your wonderful shows. Tell everybody about them real quick. Christmas movies, actually, the podcast all about Christmas movies. I'm Colin. T- oh, wait. No, sorry. It's my introduction. I'm getting all like <laughs> sitting in the chair it's been and doing it. and a half hours. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, but yes, Christmas movies, actually, we are doing two shows a month this year. And um, next uh, episode, well, by the time this comes out, I think our Oscar episode will probably be out. Uh, but then the one after that, we are doing with Mariah Gates. Oh, and, great. Yeah, we're going to talk wonderful. about Holiday Affair. Uh, from 1949 with Robert Mitchum. And then uh, in April, we're going to celebrate Record Store Day by talking about a documentary called Jingle Bell Rocks and uh, about about obsessive Christmas movie or Christmas music collectors. Uh, really terrific documentary wow. from 2013. You must love that one. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's awesome. So there you That's go. That's great. Okay. Um, and I host uh, the Movie Madness podcast, and uh, we got two episodes a week now doing um, the movie reviews every week and uh, everything that you can get on, on Blu-ray. We talk about that with Steve Procopi and Peter Subzinski. And, uh, and then The Friendship Dilemma, that's, I'm really, really fond of this podcast that I do with Morgan Geyer, where we look for, talk, try to find movies that actually deal with male and female friendships that try to not steer them towards the romantic aspect. There's not a lot of movies that do that, so we have to, to bleed in some of the ones that actually do but it's always a really fun discussion and um, for sure. so happy to be doing that sh- that show and everybody stay tuned because the next official episode in about a month or maybe might probably be like towards the end of march i would say uh it's probably one of the most beloved filmmakers currently working today and it's been about 10 years since steve procopi and i have discussed paul thomas anderson in fact, when we recorded that episode, the master had yet to come out. So we are talking about the master, Inherent Vice, Phantom Thread, and Licorice Pizza with Nick DiGilio. So that is going to be one hell of a show. I know people will be curious to see what we say about all of those films. So stay tuned to that over at directorsclubpodcast.com. Send me an email at directorsclubpodcast at gmail.com. I'm doing the Patreon thing. I'm doing the Substack thing. I'm trying to write more. And, of course, you can find us all on Letterboxd, which will be linked in the show notes. Thank you guys again. I'm so grateful for the both of you. And uh, we'll talk in a year. (laughs) My pleasure. (laughs) Sounds good. All right. Woo! 
with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me!